I thought, how cool, instead of having like a unity candle or glass and a step on or something boring, to have a unity crocodile and have Maximo do it. <laughs> so I had a hooded rat and Pia had an albino rat as the bride, right? People got a feeding demonstration and got to see us get married. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Welcome to From the Ground Up podcast, another Thursday episode. And if you guys don't know, PortCityPythons.com, Melissa is fucking struggling doing whatever she's doing over Where here with switch? the chair. And we are sharing headphones again, and we are dual sharing headphones again, again. With our guests, <laughs> which is super awkward and super fun. So, uh, sorry. What do we? What do we usually say in intros here? Um, welcome to the ground up. If you want to buy a t-shirt, we have t-shirts available on PortCityPythons.com. I got that. For if me. you, oh, I wasn't listening. Sorry. If you want to see us next weekend, we can't believe it's already next weekend. We will be at the Oaks PA show in Oaks PA. Right outside of um, Philly, if you're not right, aware. Yes. Um, we'll have a limited supply, but we'll have a little bit. Come spend your pre-tax return money with us. Pre-tax return? <laughs> pre- <laughs> Hopefully you have post-tax return money. That's the only way you have money. What do you mean? They haven't no, gotten it. You don't get your yeah, tax you return money yet. yet. Yeah, pre. In that's antici- why, that's why we anticipation that, that they're going to get tax return money. Yeah. Wow. You We're really a little bit too ruined early. this intro. Thank Sorry, you. Man. God. Wow. We're out of it. It's Thursday. What are we going to do? Um, today, thanks to Ian, we are doing some more Southeast Carpet Fest marketing. Oh, that was weird. You just moved your lips because oh, really? you were like saying what i was saying and moving your lips that was creepy sorry um we have one I was trying. okay this is so terrible we have one cody and pia who are hosting southeast carpet fest today we're gonna do a little marketing and learn a little bit about them yeah so we really want to <laughs> figure out what you guys are working with what you got going on so you give us a little bit of just the dates and time, Carver Fest, all that stuff, but also your collection and what you work with and what people can expect to see if they come to Southeast Carpet Fest. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, thanks for having us. <laughs> of course. And um, yeah, so the dates are uh, February 9th, um, or the date, should I say. Uh, the time is at two o'clock, Tia? Two o'clock is when everybody's going to start showing up. And then the night before, which would be the 8th, and um, so this is, I'm assuming, a Friday and then a Saturday. That shows how much I know about what's going on. (laughs) I've been working so hard to get this place ready. I've lost track of time. These guys are are, are handling all of that. So, um, yeah, there's going to be a a get-together the night before in Gainesville, which is a close uh, town to us. We're in Melrose. We're about 45 minutes to an hour, give or take, from there. It just depends on where in Gainesville and traffic and stuff. It's really not that, you know, 40, 45 minutes, but I'm trying to tack on some time for people to not that that don't really know where they are and figure their way around and stuff. Um, So we'll find a we're going to be meeting at Swamphead Brewery. 
Um, that's a microbrewery in Gainesville. They're awesome. They're really for conservation of wildlife and just a really cool environment. Um, and, uh, I mean, they have a beer called Cottonmouth, so that kind of says it all. And, uh, so that'll be the night before and then carpet fest uh, day, uh, two o'clock, um, at our facility. And it should be a really good time. I think it, uh, a lot of, a lot of people are going to show up. Sweet. So those who don't know, I mean, give us a little overview of what you guys work no, with. No, no, no. My question say? first. Okay. Go sure. Since you guys are the hosts, you said a little thing though before uh, we started or before we went live that it was a joke that you were going to host it. Can you explain a little about about how you ended up in this position? Um, well. You know, there, there's a couple different stories, but for the one that I under from, from what I understand, um, our friend Levi Krenson, uh, who uh, is, a, is a long-term friend and uh, has been friends with Ian for a really long time, and we they just came over to uh, him and his wife Sarah and uh, Chad Snellgrove uh, from Metal Morphs, uh, another friend of ours that's out in the Tampa area. Uh, they were over just having a visit. We're hanging out and Levi's like, you guys should have carpet, have a carpet fest here. And, and I'm like, yeah, right. You know, and I, I'm working on the rat barn and, and I'm just kind of not paying attention. And then, uh, you know, that next thing I know it's really happening here. And, uh, so that's when my work went from, you know, doing, uh, you know, an overwhelming amount of work to, to double that, trying to make it ready for uh, other people to see our, our place and make everything exhibit worthy, you know. Isn't that always so nerve wracking when a lot of herpers are going to come over and see your collection and like, especially like legit people, you know, Carpet Fest will attract a lot of like big breeders, stuff like that, especially in Florida. There's a lot of people in your area. So like, people don't understand how hard it is to go in and clean and like get everything up to standard and you're, oh, to uh, you're freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. The 100%. And, and also you have some of, uh, you know, some of the uh, most hypercritical people, you know, when it comes to the husbandry and care and all of that of these animals and a group of people that generally and genuinely love to talk shit about somebody not doing what they're supposed <laughs> to be doing. Um, that, yeah, there's a lot of pressure to deliver, you know, on, um, on everything and make sure everything is up to that standards to give minimal uh, things for people to talk shit about while they're here. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's so, and a lot of, a lot of real big name people here that I, highly respect their opinions and everything like if i didn't respect their opinions i wouldn't care what they thought of me but these are people that i want to uh you know to look at our at our collection and go wow this is amazing people that we look up to so yeah it's a tall order absolutely so obviously we see a bunch of what seems like arboreal exoterras behind you so what's behind you right now well, actually, there's zoom meds. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, we're off yeah. brand. Yeah, no, yeah, they got the they've got the single pane of glass, not the not the double there. I I, I have I've never had one of those. So I'm sorry, I'm a bad reptile keeper. I've never. Well, you know, they're they're I've got a pretty good handle on the um, supplies and the different enclosures and stuff available. You know, in the in the reptile industry and we use exoterra we use zoomed and we use zilla and we we love them all for different reasons each one brings something different to the table for what we 
need it for. So sometimes we're using like Zilla lights and Zilla domes with a Zoomed tank or Zoomed tank with Zilla stuff and, and Exoterra the same way, kind of interchanging them because they, uh, they are awesome. Um, but yeah, so we've got some 18 by 18 by 24s behind us and some 18 by 18 by 36, the skyscrapers from Zoomed. And we have a really nice selection of montane uh, palm vipers, palm pit vipers in this room. Currently, we have three different species. Uh, they're, uh, they're cloud forest species, so they live up in high elevations and uh, need to be kept much cooler than um, a lot of other species of reptiles right now it's 64 degrees in, in here and these animals have feeding responses so they're uh, it's kind of in, it's kind of fun to keep a snake that the goal is to get them cold because generally like you want to steer away from that because of illness and respiratory and stuff and you know it'll be 60 degrees in here and they'll still want to eat so um we are really into mexican and um yeah, Latin America, South American, uh, herpetofauna, especially the cloud forest species. So uh, basically all encompassing. But in this room, we, we um, currently only have palm vipers and uh, the... Uh, eight, these these zoo meds were really good for a uh, for a naturalistic. Uh, we do all the uh, bioactive vivariums with uh, isopods, springtails, live plants. We have uh, LEDs for plant growth, uh, uh, UV B bulbs 5.0 tropical, and the blue bulbs ranging from 40 watt to 60 watt for uh, you know those those produce UVA, so that helps stimulate natural behaviors of the animal feeding, breeding, and that kind of stuff. And what's cool about the palm vipers is they stay small, so you can put them in these setups, and they don't destroy the plants, and they and they they rest in in, in natural positions, like so much more natural than if you just put like a couple branches in there for perching. Um, it's it's really cool to see them in a setup like this where they can kind of exercise all their natural behaviors. And would you set up something like, say, a green tree python similar, or are you keeping them differently? Um. We don't keep green tree pythons in these setups. If you could, but you would really have to do your, like it's a lot more, bioactive setups are, are, are simple and they're complicated all at once. And a lot of people will say about bioactive setups, like AKA never gets clean, bacteria infection, blah, blah, blah. But if you do the right things, you can maintain a really good ecosystem in there and keep everything in balance. Um, but for like a green tree python, you would need to have a really large one. You know, it wouldn't just be like crammed and, you know, maybe a, a smaller animal, maybe a yearling or like a two year old, maybe. But you'd have to watch. I mean, you'd have to be experienced with keeping them like kind of simple and like, you know, just like a, a cute, you know, 24 cube kind of setup for you know, an adult. And of course the size of the enclosure will vary, but like with PVC pipe perching for easy sterilizing and, and that kind of stuff, just to get your hands with it and then play with like the bioactive setups without an animal in there and figure out how to do that first. And then, uh, yeah, so it's, it can be, it can be a challenge and it, it, it could be incredibly rewarding if you can pull it off. Um, but th there can be problems with that. So like, uh, you know, definitely have to do your research. There's an amazing book by John Courtney Smith. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, the bio bioactivity, yeah. the theory of wild recreation. Um, and it's, uh, I read it, you know, from, from front to back and it, 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 it explains in a detail, a lot of the stuff that, 
you've noticed but you've never really paid attention to like uv and like how it bounces off of things from rocks and and plants and stuff in the environment and how it actually works and uh, so you really need to understand a lot of that stuff before you just go start playing with lights and and throwing animals and stuff in there sometimes simple is better and there's a, a lot of good information on on condor keeping like on the morelia viridis forms um on, online and then the morelia facebook page morelia viridis facebook page and all the other Condro pages usually have something that's uh, for people to just kind of bullet points on how to keep these things. But I would say the vivarium setup for like a green tree python would be complicated and, and for somebody that's experienced in, in that thing to do it. Y'all go to Ampia. Are you guys going to be like Eric and hang out the whole time in your snake room? Uh, no, because our whole, our whole house is our facility. So when, what people can expect when they come to carpet fest. Now I know a lot of like for a lot of people that may not be snake people watching this and you hear carpet fest. And what do you think? Think of an eighties porno or something similar. So this is not that this is for Morelia Python enthusiasts, carpet pythons, right? Because they're called carpet pythons, but they don't have carpet python in the name of carpet fest. So we have to clarify that it is um, a get together of reptile enthusiasts. You don't have to keep carpet pythons. You don't have to keep Morelia pythons. You can keep whatever you want, or you don't have to keep anything to come to this. There's going to be a lot of cool people here. Um, a lot of cool people to talk to if you're not um, a snake person and you want to learn more about that. They're the best people around. So, um, that's, I just wanted to get that out of the way that it, um, it was actually a, like a, a, a get together of reptile like minded folk. Just in case anyone listening wasn't. In sure. case any lesbians were listening or 80s porn enthusiasts. Here we go. I mean, you can still come if you're either of those, but the advantage is totally appropriate. So people also have asked, hey, is this a kid-friendly event? And I like to say, as kid-friendly as a facility full of venomous reptiles and a bunch <laughs> of foul-mouthed herpers. Because, um, I mean, of course, uh, you know, people that have kids are welcome. That They obviously have to attend them the whole time. They can't be running around um, our facility uh, is primarily venomous species. We do have some non-venomous species. We have Morelia species. We have carpet pythons. We have green tree pythons. But they make up a small percentage of the collection now because uh, we were unfortunately, um, you know, we, we get, got nidovirus in our collection, which wiped out um, a, a phenomenally beautiful collection. I mean, we had all the cool carpet pythons. Uh, we had rough scale pythons, some of the best designer green tree pythons that had ever been produced, legendary green tree pythons that fell to this virus. So this carpet fest is actually, um, we're raising funds that are going to go to nidovirus research. And Pia can elaborate a lot more on, on that. <laughs> She's um, like, no, I don't want to. No. She doesn't want yeah. to. He's a better talker than I Yeah, but you know. So, um, but yeah, so our, we live in our facility, okay? And people will see that. Uh, we, in, in our bedroom, we have a German Shepherd who was a former Volusia County police dog that we were able to adopt from the uh, sheriff's department, which um, I think may, was the first, ti first time that ever happened where they... Um, they adopted a police dog out 
a civilian. To a civilian. So that was that's cool. His name is Nestor. He's phenomenal. He had septic arthritis in the elbow, so he couldn't be a police officer anymore. So now he lives um, out a nice cushiony life as the security at our facility. So he'll be locked away in our bedroom, which doesn't have any snakes. Um, our bathroom is quarantined for just new acquisitions. We have an outbuilding f- uh, for the nidovirus positive pythons that are not exposed to the, the negative um, collection in the, in the main room. And then every other room um, in the house is just uh, wall to wall with different enclosures, different species. We have approximately uh, uh, 50 species of venomous reptiles and about uh, 250 specimens. So it's a large, uh, a modestly large collection. You know, some some people have larger collections, but it's uh, it's definitely nothing to sneeze at. It takes up all my time and then some. You know, waking up first thing. You know, as soon as the sun comes up, and I'll be working until midnight sometimes. Um, but uh, we 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 are permitted to keep. Uh, class one and two crocodilians. So we have our, our class one and two crocodilians license here so we can keep all of those and w- as well as our, uh, our venomous reptile uh, license that allows us to possess them. We just sent out for uh, uh, a, re- a renewal because to exhibit venomous reptiles, you have to um, go the extra mile. There's a $10,000 surety bond that you have to have to be able to exhibit them just in case. Wow. So, so, so we just, uh, we just did all the paperwork for that. Got the bond. Um, you go through an insurance company. It's a hundred bucks a year to maintain it. You don't have to come up with ten thousand rates right then, and uh, you, you get all the official paperwork. And um, you know that way people can come look at your stuff. And we're we're totally on the up and up. Our, we were we're really good friends with our uh, fish and wildlife officer. And every time we have a question, we well, um, you know, I'll call him up and we'll talk about it. So he said, if it was you hanging out with your buddies. That's one thing, but if they're going to be people that you don't know, uh, you have to have it just in case, you know, somebody calls, hey, there's a bunch of venomous snakes in here and, you know, that kind of thing. So we're covered there um, and we're getting a lot. We're, we, we just ordered 16 new enclosures to exhibit venomous reptiles that are in racks, and, uh, snake racks, and you can't see them without opening the uh, enclosure or the tub. Um, and we don't want to be opening venomous enclosures while, uh, while people are here. So, right. uh, you know, we want to get as much stuff on display as we can. Uh, the other two rooms are, are lockable, so um, we'll give tours in those individual rooms of the different venomous species that we have. And then once we do a walkthrough of a few people at a time, then we'll lock those doors and people can be in the main room because those will be more exhibit style enclosures that, uh, you know, the other rooms are kind of like the behind the scenes at a zoo and the main room will be more exhibits and we'll give like some tours and stuff. And we'll also have a species list of what we have. So if anybody like uh, is partial to something more than than something else then we can make sure that people see uh, everything if if they are interested in it that's so, so thoughtful are you gonna be wearing that the whole time um <laughs> i don't know what are the what do, what do the viewers want i'm i'm a man for the people uh, <laughs> I, the viewers want to know where you guys sleep 
uh, we, yeah, we sleep, we sleep, we have a bed. Um, we <laughs> it have, seems we like have... there's snakes everywhere. There are snakes. So yeah, this, uh, there, there are, and, uh, but not in our room. We, we, uh, we have a dog uh, and live like, a, like in our room, it's so normal. You just wouldn't even know, you know, there's not, there's just no, like, it's a, there's a bed and a dresser and a dog and it's normal. And uh, then you then I wake up and I have the shortest commute to work I've ever had. I just open the door and, and I'm there. Uh, which which has its um, benefits and and not so much because you know you're you're always there so you can see things and you know pair things like I I uh, will often hear a, th- a crash of thunder in the middle of the night with a rainstorm and I'll go oh I could go pair up this and that because you know the barometric pressure changing it's always a good time to pair stuff up and I remember a crash of thunder like damn near knocked me out of bed and I'm like I'm gonna pair Sri Lankan palm vipers tonight and I, I ran in there and threw the mail in with the female and by 6 a.m they were locked up so that there's a perk to to live in at work and then also you never get away from it so if you walk by and there's a dirty water bowl or something you can't just keep walking you got to do it right then and there so you keep up on husbandry more um but you never stop working so like i just will see something and, and just have to work and you know p.o come home from from disney and uh you know she'll go to bed and I'll just keep, you know, I'll be up until midnight sometimes doing everything. So, and Pia helps me when she, uh, you know, when she's off, but she does enough. So, you know, I kind of. Sure. Wait, wait, wait. No, just, no, no, no. I'm not going to ask something. I just need you to, to switch uh, ears. Yeah, because yeah. the, the it, mic is like rubbing against your chin. We're so demanding. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I wasn't going to ask, but you're ballsy. I, I felt rude. No, I'll take it off. I'll take quality it off. Quality over no. everything. <laughs> no, how. What? Uh, you could have kept it off. Now we're back to Robert Irwin. I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking it all off. <laughs> I put it in this ear. For an extra fee. The the part two folks didn't even know what you looked like. But there they could go, go they could go back and see the uh part one. Yes. The they, will see and they will hear the <laughs> candid commentary. Footage, I say, yeah. He would say it whether he was on camera or not. So. Uh, this is much this is much more comfortable too. That was it's it's not easy playing that character. I've had that wig since uh I don't even know where I got it, but when I when I uh li- since I've known you. when I lived in St. Augustine, I worked at St. Augustine Alligator Farm from two thousand and ten to uh two thousand and um fifteen. And early 2015 and some of the best times of my life at that place amazing people and uh there's a uh there's a local 80s hair band called paper cut and they do some they do some oh they they do some of these 80s songs better than the bands that made them they they do europe final countdown amazing and uh so i got this wig like i said i don't know where it came from but i have it and every time we'd go to a paper cut concert that wig was on and uh and uh, it was it's always a good time you know when that wig goes on so but uh and and, and somehow it like it made it to we moved to arizona for a year and and, and to, from 2015 to 2016 came back and uh and the wig somehow made it back you know like i mean so i just feel like it's meant to be no yeah it seems like you have something going on so what no i have to ask about disney oh <laughs> you work at disney pia yeah, I'm a veterinary technician at Disney's Animal Kingdom. So my, my day job is I get to play with rhinos and elephants and gorillas and Komodo dragons and all that stuff. So 
That is so awesome. So did you guys meet through Herps or were you guys into it beforehand before meeting each other? I'll let you answer. Okay. Um, so we met at the San Augustine Alligator Farm where closer. I was working. Okay, I got to get closer. Yeah. I don't, I'm sitting on the, I'm wearing a futon that's, it's pretty comfortable, but uh, I'm sitting on the armrest, like, cause it's, it's flat. <laughs> and, you know, I'm obviously a little bit heavier than, than Pia. I'm at the very end of this thing. So if she stands up, this futon might go flying into one of these zoo meds. So like, I, I tell her, like, if you could stand up to go get a beer or something, like, let me know. So, cause that would be the best thing that, that anybody could ever see right there. But I don't like, I've got a yellow blotch palm viper enclosure right here. And I, you know, don't necessarily want to go head first into it. More not comical just, for us, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not really worried about the snake as much as my head just going through a pane of glass. I feel like the snake's probably not going to do anything, but, you know, so go on, Pia. No, oh, you can go on. Oh, we're talking about how we first met. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Like, I'm on my second beer, too. Um, oh, Joe's now on his third. <laughs> oh, sweet. We now are, you know the standard, all right? Is this a big nose? It's a big nose. This is a big nose IPA from Swamphead Brewery. So if uh, whoever comes to Carpet Fest will be here. You plug, can buy plug, one of these plug. glasses. And you could have one of these beers. Um, so Pia and I met at St. Augustine Alligator Farm. Um, I was the veterinary liaison for the reptile department, basically the fancy word for uh, whenever we had an animal that needed to be seen, seen by the veterinarians. Um, I would put it on the vet list and I would stand there while they worked the animals, helping captures of uh, crocodilians, venomous animals, restraint while the veterinarians would work on them. And um, so... Pia was a vet. So the, the University of Florida, where Pia worked at the time, um, would come to, this, to the alligator farm every two weeks to look at animals, routine checkups, quarantine entrance exams, exit exams, just the basic stuff, anything real serious that re required surgery or something, then we would bring the animals to University of Florida. So Pia was a vet tech there, and I'm working there just kind of doing my thing. And obviously, I'm attracted to her, but uh, I also work with her, right? And what, what, I'm, what I'm thinking here is, okay, I want to make a move, but if this goes wrong, this is going to be real awkward for the rest of my time here because Pia's going to be back every week unless she's like, that guy's just, you know, is a creep, and yeah, and I, I, want, to, I want to be switched to another zoo. Um, so, so there's some mutual attraction there. Now, Pia actually um was the one who uh kind of i asked you out kind of asked me out there kind of subtly she knew that i was into venomous reptiles and uh she was saying she needed to get a little bit more experience because sometimes they see them there at uf and i was like well that's fine um you know carl barden who's uh the director of med talks and venom laboratories and the reptile discovery center uh is a dear friend of ours uh was a dear friend of mine then i was actually uh, i actually got to the uh uh pleasure of living with carl for a few months and and working under him and and uh just had a great time there and when Pia and I met and she wanted to get some venomous experience, I thought, what, what better way to do it than a venom lab? And so I called Carl and I said, hey, can I bring Pia down and, and maybe, you know, um, clean some cages and stuff and give her some exposure? And he's like, yeah, no problem. So came down there and, uh, you know, we spent our, 
our date uh, cleaning black mambas. And the night before, when we were, when, because she just said that she needed some experience. And then I, you know, but I saw, I read through the lines, right? So I was like, through, te- <laughs> through, through text message, I'm like, have you ever been on a first date to a Venom Lab? And she's like, what makes you think it's a date? I'm like, come on, like, really, like, what makes you think it's not a date? You know, it's like, so, um, and, and ever since then, we were inseparable. She lived in Gainesville. I lived in St. Augustine at the time. Uh, we talked on the phone for like five hours a night until we, we moved in together. Um, I moved to Gainesville because uh, I let my lease run out uh, at the place in St. Augustine because we wanted to save up for a property and no need to pay two rents. So I moved to Pia was like, you know, a hot skip and a jump, a jump from work. She like two miles. So n- not far uh, it made my commute to work an hour and 45 minutes. And I did that for probably about six months, which, which wasn't, it, it sounds worse than it is. It's like nice country roads. You know, you just have to get up early and you listen to podcasts on your way in. And it wasn't a big deal. Like people are like, two hours, you know, people do that to pee all the time. Like two, because pee right now has a two, two and a half hour, and a half hour commute to Disney from our property here oh. to Disney. Because when we got this I, property. Every day or is that combined? No, I just work three days a week. Uh, so, but so, still, yeah. No, I mean it. It it's a it's a lot to drive. But when we first met, um, we were, um, you know, beer. you're getting another beer. Okay. Um, okay. So then I'm gonna I'm gonna get in in here. Yeah. So so we're looking for a property in between Gainesville and St. Augustine. So we would both have a little bit of a commute, um, but it wasn't me driving two and a half or two hours and, and, and what have you. So the property that we're at right now um, is the property that we found five acre property because you have to have a minimum of five acres to have our class one and two Crocs license. Well, class one requires the five acres class two is two and a half but we have our, our both of them and um we wanted somewhere in between because i was always taking stuff home from the you know like when i would uh sometimes animal from the alligator farm going from there to uf they would you know a, a croc would spend the night at our house before we would drive up so to be on the up and up have my permit and, and everything and um so we did that for a, a little bit um I, I, and uh, I proposed to Pia in Gainesville at her loft apartment where we moved all of her Chondro pythons in. When we, um, when we first met, uh, you know, our big purchase together was a pair of rough scale pythons, which, you know, they, they were more money then than they are now. Unfortunately, both of those snakes are dead because of nidovirus, but uh, we, there was a, um, it, that was a cool first purchase and it was a, a real fun story that I won't get in, into right now, but uh, we, uh, we found this property. We, uh, I proposed in Gainesville. We, we, we found this property. We established our business terrestrial and arboreal in, in, in 2013 and got our property. And, uh, and then we had, and we got, and, and then, and then, and then we got married. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was after that. I'm just oh, yeah. kind of going in, I'm just kind of going in order here. So yeah, we, we did our business. We, we, <laughs> we, we got a property and then we got married in October, uh, 2013, October, uh, October 10th. Right. Yes. Yeah, see, I got it. You know, I still remember after a few beers, like it's legit. And, um, and, and, and our wedding was freaking amazing. It was the best wedding that anybody could ever ask for. And I listen, everybody always says it was the best wedding, but ours is seriously the best. Like, I don't care what your story is. We, um, everybody at the alligator farm, 
uh, like family. Uh, some of the best leaders, mentors, and people I've ever, ever known. Kevin Torgosa, who was the uh, former curator there, he's a... Uh, He's at the Bronx Zoo as the reptile collection manager. He's a dear friend of ours. Um, and uh, Jim Darlington, who is now the uh, curator of the alligator farm. He's been there for like 23 years or more now. And John Bruggen, the director, and Jen Anderson, who is the general curator. These, these people weren't just like bosses. They were mentors and like family. And everybody was all in on, on, on when I was proposing to Pia. They were like, you know, I, I was like, everybody was in on it. And um, after I proposed, uh, we wanted to have our wedding and reception at the alligator farm. And uh, they were like, of course. And normally they would charge like $5,000 for somebody to hold an event there. But, you know, I, I knew a guy and I worked there. So <laughs> like, uh, you know, I asked and, and, uh, and they were like, of course, Maximo is their all-star saltwater crocodile, probably the best saltwater, cro not probably the best saltwater crocodile I've ever seen. He's so clean looking, beautiful light pattern. He's a big animal, perfect teeth. And they uh, do feeding demonstrations with him once a week. And, and I was a part of that when I was there. And um, I don't know where I schemed it up, but I was like, we should get married at Maximo, Maximo's platform because it's a big platform where get, there's big glass thing with some um, places for people to sit and where everybody could see the feeding demonstration and everybody could see you very clearly and there's a, a PA system there. So I thought how cool instead of having like a unity candle or like glass in a stand that you step on or something boring to have a unity crocodile and have Maximo do it. <laughs> yes. So so I had a hooded rat, you know, like as the groom. <laughs> And Pia had an albino rat as the bride, right? And we we pre we prepared for this for a couple a couple months beforehand because when we would feed Maximo and how they still do it, um, bamboo poles with some uh, like uh, like uh, string or not twine. twine, like something that if he eats it, it can be passed through and it's safe and all that stuff. And hang the rat over and you get him to line up and then he'd jump up and he yeah. grab the the rat and it's always impressive. He gets love it. Well, Pia's from Sweden and born in Sweden and like a lot of her fam all of her family like a like a lot of them are all there and they don't see saltwater crocodiles ever, ever so you know i thought this would be really really cool so what we did we said we hang the the bamboo poles over there and we do a little little things to make the rats spin around each other and they would meet in the middle while maximo's lining himself up they jump up and grab the rats at the same time and you know we had a bunch of rats ready to go because we knew that like it was a different time of day normally the feeding demonstrations were at three o'clock so at, like as it would get darker, it, sometimes it throws them off. He was ready to eat, but all of our practice rounds were during normal feeding show schedule, so he was on it. This time, he, he met, like our practice runs every time they were like solid. When it came down to the wedding, he grabbed like Pia's and not mine, mine and then and then Pia's. So he jumped a few times, which was probably better than just what at the end he got both of them. So he jumped like three, two or three times be, before he got the, the both of them together. So like people got a feeding demonstration and got to see us get married. And on top of it all, Jim Darlington, who is the curator there now and also a dear friend of ours, um, he was the one that uh, the officiary that was doing uh, the all the the uh, uh you know back and forth yeah. between us that you know you see at weddings i don't know what you call that but he did all that he did a great job and uh, it was a great time everybody was there and then the reception was in the komodo area where the komodo dragons are and the lights are on there and 
uh, all the food and stuff was in the exhibit hall where you could see, you know, all kinds of different uh, Indonesian and Australian reptiles and stuff. And everybody just hung out. And Kevin uh, Turagosa, who's a, a microbrew connoisseur, was popping. We, we spent the, probably the most on beer, good beer on our wedding. Um, and Kevin was just popping good beers and, and giving them to everybody. And it was a really good time. And ever since then it's like i mean he's putting up with me and we live in a house that has just a bedroom of everything else is venomous animals and she's still here and so i'm grateful for that because uh she puts up with a lot she puts up with me so that's uh and that's saying something so cheers yeah. to you <laughs> wow. i could say that melissa would never put up with any of that <clears throat> with me uh that's not gonna be our wedding but uh, most people say their wedding is like one you've never been to before, and y'all a hundred percent. Yeah, you like you, you hit, you get to keep that title. Like that's like no wedding I've no ever. No one has shared a unity rat ever. <laughs> yeah, um, we could put. We'll post some pictures of that so everybody can see that that photo. So we, you know, because it almost sounds like it's made up because it's so awesome. So <laughs> a lot of people don't believe it in the chat right now. They're like, no, there's just no way. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can send a picture. Yeah, yeah, people will do that. Oh, she's gonna do that right now. Yeah, so people, wow. okay, okay. So then you guys just got me for a little bit. I was rambling, and I don't. Sometimes I ramble, and I kind of go on autopilot. <laughs> Those who know me will say that I do that all the time. You know, even when we go on, we go on radio shows like yours, and people are like, "Okay, Cody, you're a little long-winded." It's like it's a radio show, right? Like it's that's what it's <laughs> supposed to be. Like you want, like what if I do? If you're like, "Hey guys, what do you keep?" And I'm like, "We keep snakes," and um. You know, we're pretty boring and like, you know, like, I don't know, like if I was like antisocial, it wouldn't be as good. So like, I would rather us say one thing and you talk for 20 minutes than, than, uh, flip than like vice versa than you talk for like one second, you know? Yeah. So. Cause, cause like if you ask the right question, somebody can roll with it and, um, you know, and then you don't have to do much as the host. Like it was like, I was asked to do, uh, from, um, oh, I can't even, I can't even think the, uh, um, Which one? Nick Mutton writes. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, Nick, Nick Mutton's old podcast. Herp Nation. Yeah, no, because mm -hmm. I was thinking, like, because Nick and I talked about it all the time and stuff on the phone. And uh, Nick Mutton was the one who told me, he's like, you need to do a venomous reptile podcast because there wasn't really anything like that. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that because there's only so many people doing venomous stuff that I'd really want to interview. And then I would, and then I would run out of content. And then, um, and then they found Ray Morgan who uh, did the venom interviews documentary and Ray Morgan, he's also a dear friend of ours. And he's, he's also been on our podcast. So cough, cough. We know who he is. <laughs> so everyone should know who he is by now. Oh, that's awesome. I'm sorry. I, I know like, no, I you're... will let, Normally I listen to all these podcasts, but I've been so busy. Like I, I would listen to them on my commutes to work now that I'm here. It's not the same, but um, yeah, Ray Morgan, he's a master interviewer, as you know. And then, so Herp Nation got, got him to do the Venom interviews uh, podcast. And I thought, man, Ray Morgan is the guy for that job. Not me. You know, I could ask good calculated questions, but you could like i mean this is just one one room i got so much going on i don't know if i could come up with the content and then like if i'm having a bad day or something slugs out or dies and i'm like i'm not going on the air because i'm pissed you know the consistency would be my problem because of everything going i don't want to add so much to my plate so like when nick was like you need to do this i'm like yeah but i just don't know if i'm the right guy for the job and scott waters i talked to him about it he wanted me to do it and um and and all of that and i was just like 
Yeah, so it's the right person got that that gig, not me. I'm I'm so glad it was Ray and not me because it would it would have been a lot better. So, hi, welcome yeah. back. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So, what is your gonna be like the overall ground rules as far as? Because obviously, I don't know if you ever had a carpet fest with this many venomous animals. So, yeah, what are kind of the different. ground rules with guests around the animals? Well, um, yeah, I've never. I mean, I've only been to one carpet fest, so I've you know, and the venomous reptiles. This is this could be the first one. I don't know. Um, was your first carpet fest last year at uh... in Florida? Yeah, my first carpet fest was there because I mean, to be honest, it's like the, to fly out to just hang out at somebody's place for a day and then come back. It's it's a stretch. So like, I want to say like thanks to everybody that's that's coming from far places to be here because you don't have to. And in the world of like. You've got all these great shows, like all the NRBC shows and Daytona and all that stuff. It's like people are already going to these, and there's other there's other fests like Croc Fest and things that people go and spend a lot of money at already. The NRBC auctions always raise like a, a ton of money, so people might be tapped out when they're coming to these things and, and then spending more money to donate for like Nidovirus research and stuff. It's like there's just a lot of events going on right now, and it's like it's hard to pick like which one you go to. So like all those carpet fests up north, it's like we'd love to be there but it's like we you know it's hard for us to get away so the one in uh in florida was close you know i was like we don't have an excuse not to go to this one but like uh we were there last year everybody seemed really chill um at at the facility that we were at nobody was being rowdy i mean it's a bunch of people that already keep this stuff so i think a lot of people are very respectful of being at somebody else's place but this our place is where it really matters you know if a carpet python bites you it's no big deal uh, some of our snakes bite you i mean you might not make it to the end of our dirt road um before before you're uh, you're gone so um yeah so standard rules um you know, of course, the general stuff that, that pe- most people know, don't put your hands on top of tanks, you know, like a lot of things have lights and stuff that block your, your hand anyway, but like, you know, don't try to antagonize an animal to, to defensively, defensively strike at the glass or rattle. We have rattlesnakes, we have cobras, mambas, um, all of them are relaxed when we're working them because we're just here on the day-to-day stuff and, and we don't we don't really bother them other than when we have to manipulate them for maintenance. Um, but when people are here, it'll, they'll be the same, you know, but as long as people aren't banging on the glass, uh, trying to do that kind of stuff, then uh, I think we're good. I don't think we, we're going to, you know, we're going to talk to people when they get here and just kind of show them the layout and say, you know, be mindful of, of all this stuff. And I, I don't think we're going to have very many problems with any of that stuff. You know, if people have kids, you know, they're going to be, on their best behavior and we're not going to we're not going to expose anybody to have any accidents any rack systems that you know because by the state state of florida the, we we have very strict requirements that we have to follow for caging and all that like our facility is deemed escape proof by fish and wildlife we get three inspections a year because of all the permits that we have we get two inspections a year from the class one and two crocodilians and uh one one from the venomous so um you know it just like we're, we're constantly um, updating our facility to, to meet these requirements and exceed them. Um, but the two rooms are locked that have racks in there that, you know, like, but when the rooms are escape proof and the double door entry, all this kind of stuff, uh, escape proof things, um, you just have to have the enclosure secure. They don't necessarily have to be locked. So some of our rack systems just have like a pin or a latch or something that uh, prevents the, the, the uh, tub from opening 
opening up because it's only accessed by us and the room is locked. So those kind of enclosures, those will be the rooms that are behind the scenes that will open up and show people when we're not there with them. The doors will be closed. Things will be locked. Um, the main room, people can browse. We're going to make sure we have enclosures that they could just look at them like they're in a zoo and not have to open tubs and stuff to see see those animals. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I can, other than that, I can't really... Do we have foot baths? Oh, we do. We have a foot bath uh coming into our uh, house slash facility so uh like a legit like veterinary 100 plus dollar thing that you have to walk like we just got it today it's sweet it's cool it's got the disinfectant that goes in there and like little little foot thingies to scrub your feet on it it's sweet man like I, i'm i'm stoked on it uh and but nobody's going, the NIDO nobody's going in our nido building um I can see the outside of it yeah Hold on, let me take a swig of beer. <laughs> um, we have, I mean, we'll have some biosecurity type stuff that we kind of, you know, like the foot baths. We ask people to use hand sanitizer, you know. Um, if they're going to another facility the same day, we just request that they, you know, d you know, don't wear the same clothes to our place that they do somebody else's. Just kind of basic things that you would hope that people are doing. Anyways. Yeah, don't go to a ball python breeder's place and free, you know, handle. I say free handle because I do venomous. <laughs> like, just handle. <laughs> you free, you free handle. You free handle non-venomous snakes. That's acceptable. You know, so out there free handling your ball pythons, free handling your balls, and, um, <laughs> and, uh, Oh, come on, guys. Don't let your mind. I mean, we were all thinking it. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you do that, it, it, sterilize yourself, change your clothes, because if you don't, I've got cans of Lysol and I'll be chasing you around the property. Just, you know, and uh, so so like be I'll be honest, if you if you come from another facility, let us know so we can, you know, like, yeah, you might have to get sprayed down with a little Lysol to come into the house. Like you will definitely scrub your feet, but like just don't don't go handle other people's snakes and then come here. You know, we, we've already lost like a six figure collection in Nido virus and, and then like and isolated the problem and everything's clean on the inside now. Like don't, and we're not, we have condros and stuff that are actually available. So if people are interested in designer condros, um, we, we do have some that we produce that we've been testing from the beginning and are all negative and people can see them, but nobody's handling them. Like, you know, like there's no, like a lot of the, like we don't handle stuff and everybody goes with the venomous stuff. Like, aren't you, like, don't, like, don't you just want to handle them? It's like, not really. And like we do to, to, to hook them out of a can, uh, out of their enclosure to a holding can or something like that. You do work with them, but it's like, I'm not like sitting on the couch with my black mama, like just hanging out. Like, that's not the point of the thing. Like I, I know what a snake feels like. I don't, like we have to restrain them in tubes and stuff. Like I know what they feel like. I don't have to touch them all the time. Um, so it's not a big thing. So we probably won't be handling any of our non-venomous, but people can look at that stuff and give us money if they want to, because we appreciate that. You know, <laughs> you know, donate tonight of virus research and carpet fest, but also if you want a, a good thing like that, actually those pro those proceeds just go right to us to fund this operation because, like, we're just always not the night of virus stuff but just for selling snakes just for selling snakes <laughs> not for night of stuff. like if you want to buy our night of free snakes and give us money for for them yeah. i'll accept it and i'll give you a good <laughs> animal that's tested and all of that stuff but uh no it's gonna be a good time you know i'm gonna be out like i've got a lot of friends that'll be here that are all venomous savvy and if i'm not in an area people know like people that know us know our layout and stuff and we'll be watching 
uh, everybody and making sure everybody's on their best behavior. But I, I don't think that it's going to be a, uh, I don't, I think everybody's going to be really good. I hope, please, please be good because we don't want any problems. And like, you know, I don't need somebody, you know, getting hooked by some snake's fang through a screen and then, you know, yeah. It'll just ruin the party. It'll ruin the party because then it, like, it'll ruin the party for me because like I'm like on all the licensing and stuff. I don't want to deal with that. So <laughs> don't, don't, don't do, th- don't do stupid things. If, if, if you drink and you're one of those, like I could drink like a ton of beer and still be cool and not doing stupid stuff if you're one of those people that bros out after you have a few beers uh just don't bro out in the house go bro out outside in the woods um you know go bro down uh another another thing so we live out in the woods and it's awesome we got sherman's fox squirrels they're they're like the coolest thing ever they're uh, an endangered species at least to my understanding and they're not like a giant they're not like a normal squirrel they're huge they're so cool every time i see they're like a majestic squirrel they're like not the annoying ones that you see whenever you they got a like ton of phenotypes there's like gray ones and black but there's a melanistic one that and then there's one that it's like gray with a little white nose and a little like black nose but white around it they're so freaking cool and they just look at you um you know don't chase them because they're our friends we know them uh, I, I, I've, I've got uh you know don't throw rocks at them like they're a dumb squirrel because they're not a dumb squirrel they're phenomenal and uh we do we have venomous species that are native to florida that uh you know we've seen little a little pygmy rattlesnake on our property we don't see that was the only venomous snake that we really saw um you know like hog nose but that doesn't count and uh so there is like if and people and oh and coral snake I found it oh that that was a real cool story it was Daytona weekend <laughs> and uh, I was outside taking pictures of a carpet python right before the nidovirus catastrophe in, in 2016 and it's like seven o'clock in the morning and I'm taking this picture I see a flash of something by my foot and it's a it's a little coral snake taken off to the leaf litter and I'm like oh shit it's a coral snake so like I grab it by the tail. Cause I didn't want to get away. Cause I want to see it. You know, I don't want to keep it for ourselves, but I want to see it. So like, I, so I took a couple pictures of the, the coral snake in front of the carpet Python while I'm holding it. Cause I'm like, people aren't going to believe this. This is too funny. And uh, so I, I throw a, a Tupperware over the, uh, the coral snake i don't even know if i took the carpet python in at this point because it wasn't going to go anywhere it was a big palmerston jungle carpet it was like just doing its own thing and i pio was sleeping and i was like so excited to see this coral snake i was like ran in there and i'm like threw open the door like it was a freaking emergency I'm like i found a coral snake i'm like come out check it out pio like spazzes out out of bed and runs outside and uh, you know takes some pictures yeah. of it no pants on, no pants on. <laughs> and um and yeah that was really yeah. cool so your annuls oh the annuls yeah so we've got venomous species on our property be smart don't flip things with your fingers you know underneath the thing don't flip things anyway don't do that there's plenty of herping don't do it here like if you see something that's that's cool i don't want to be one of those guys but i've got like an awesome population of green annuls that when i'm working around property like i know them all and they're really comfortable with me being around them and they don't bolt and they look at you I don't want people trying to grab them and breaking their tails or something missing. Cause like, like I know I was there once, you know, you want to grab all this stuff. I'm at the point cause I've got so much shit I got to do. Like I, when I see stuff, like the last thing I want to do is put it in a cage. I've got like too much stuff going on. So I'm like, I, I really love annuls and, um, I love having annuls that I don't have to take care of that take care of themselves. And I see them all the time. It's so cool. And barking tree frogs, you've got a cool population of them. So if people see them, like enjoy them, take pictures, but resist the urge to grab. 
just resist that like that more than the venomous stuff like leave the annuls alone <laughs> i know i'm gonna see a picture of someone wearing them as earrings anyway so yeah and like two then, in the morning time stamped yeah yeah so, so um oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to take the, a, a, a second to thank our sponsors before Ian has it. <laughs> Did you just check your phone or something? No, like uh, there's a bunch of texts going off and I'm not, I, I'm not reading it. So I'm trying to stay focused because if I like, I can't be like texting while I'm doing a podcast. I got to stay focused. So um, I want to thank our sponsors for this. I'm including our like ourselves in it because we're here. So like there are sponsors, right? Like I'm like collectively we're all doing sponsor stuff. So or we're doing we're doing this all whatever. Okay, so uh, Cold Blooded Cafe, um, they are our platinum sponsor. Uh, Thirty dollars flat rate shipping on rodents. Check out uh, their website, uh, coldbloodedcafe.com. Feeder Source, uh, always doing all the different Repticon shows. Um, they have all different types of feeders. Um, the Reptile Report. Well, almost the same thing. Shit your reptiles and reptiles. <laughs> yeah, reports. same thing. It's like the same. So, Robin. so, yeah, Robin, right? And, same and people. Chad, and Chad. So, like, so, but like everybody, I'll thank them both uh, for our gold sponsors. Uh, ship your reptiles. Uh, we'll call it Reptile Report because we were on there a couple times. That was pretty cool. When you wake up, you're like, oh, they like I took something, a uh, picture of something that somebody cared about. Somebody you know? cares. Yeah, I know. Somebody cares. And it's crazy. Like, I, like I took a video of baby West African green mambas that just hatched and they were all hanging out on their branch together. I posted it on our terrestrial and arboreal business page. Got like 3,000 views, which I was stoked on. And then it got shared on the Reptile Report. And it had like 18,000 views in like two days. And I'm like, well, that was pretty sweet. That goes to show that nobody's paying attention about me on my own little thing. But every like how they have such a large following. So that was really cool. That gave us a little notoriety there, um, you know, positive notoriety. But uh and then let me, I guess I will announce. Oh, oh, oh no. so sponsor. sorry, sorry. Because... So, so, so sorry, sorry. Last sponsor. Because Justin's uh, here right now. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. I'm sorry. I was spacing off because I was thinking about something else. <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah, the Herpetic. It's distracted very the... easily. Can you tell? No, I, I was just, I, I got a lot of shit going on in my head right now because I'm planning for this. And I was like looking at this palm viper, just thinking how beautiful this snake is. And I'm sorry. Justin, uh, Herpeticulture Podcast. Um, and, uh, I think we're going to be on there at some point too. So we'll talk about some cool stuff there, but, uh, yeah. So thanks to all of our sponsors and for everybody coming and, uh, now Ian can sleep easy tonight. Um, I don't think Ian is going to get a good night's sleep till the day after. Yeah. Yeah, and, no, and, then, and then after that, it's going to be planning for next year, just like this year. <laughs> like, that's how it was. And so, like, I'm not on the messenger board um, because I asked to flatly be removed because uh, for my sanity. Like, I got to stay focused on, on getting everything done here. And, like, I, I, P and I sleep in the same room, obviously. We're married. <laughs> and she's on the messenger, and her phone's like, bzz, 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 all night. So, like, we don't need two phones doing that. Pia tells me everything that's going on and I just, I'm like, okay, and I'm doing it. I'm trying to stay focused. And, uh, and yeah, so, so, and there's a lot of other people that are, are doing carpet fest stuff that, um, that, that are doing a very valuable job. Pia could thank them more than I can. Not, to, not to sound totally rude. I appreciate <laughs> them, but I'll probably see them when they're here and we could all talk. Um, but I, you know, uh, our friends, Dallas and Amanda, uh, yeah. Rua, 
uh, good friends of ours met at the last carpet fest and uh, just hit it off and um, just good people and stuff. And when we were build, we were because uh, we're building um, a, a rodent breeding facility and and all of our racks and stuff for breeding just to save some money on on not buying professional you know freedom breeders and ARS racks which are amazing but just too expensive. But those guys were over here helping us uh, build racks and. Um, you know, just had a good work ethic and all of that. And, and, and I, I love those kind of self-motivated people that, you know, they're like, no, we sit like, we're like hanging out with us kinds of kind of sucks. Cause like we just work all the time and we're just cleaning snakes and building things. And because like not a lot of people ever come over to our house. Cause we really don't have like, we're, we're bringing stuff in for people to be able to sit on and, and be comfortable because when you walk into our place, it's like going to uh, like a little, like, like a zoo, you know, it's like, it's like, there's nothing, you what know, you sit down on? like, well, zoos have more stuff for you to sit on and do <laughs> stuff than we do. Like, it's like, you have a couch it's like a, it's like a zoo Wait, not the luxury. you don't own a couch a we... that we're sitting on is the only thing we own and that's in our montane room so we can enjoy the snakes yeah and like when people you grab... guys sit when you're like what <laughs> yeah. so we either work or we sleep those are the two options <laughs> that we do it's true yeah like all of our youtube and what like we don't watch tv normal tv because everything is on youtube so why even bother um you know and we just watch them from our from our iphones because every time we're like we should buy a tv or some common luxuries and we're like no we have to grow this and it's going to take money to do it so it's sacrifice like we don't need like tv and all that stuff because we could like we will at some point but right now we're growing and we have to stay focused on that we're going to be opening a facility to the public we're going to be moving from this place because like when we before we moved to arizona i took the curator reptiles position at the phoenix herpetological society i was contacted by them um for the position while I was working at the alligator farm. I did not want to leave the alligator farm. I was not looking for a job, but it was, uh, it was a step up in your herpetological, you know, herpetological career. Um, the pay was good and the freedom of doing every, you know, being a curator and everybody at the farm was very supportive. Um, we, they flew us out there to check out the facility and everything stayed there for a couple of days. We, we did the move, moved all our animals there. Um, Arizona does it, it. It's it's pretty. It's even more heavily regulated on exotic venomous reptiles than Florida, and um, so we put our venomous species on loan to the facility, so they would be there under that permit, and which was cool because I thought that's a win-win too. Now I'm getting paid to take care of my own animals, and this is awesome. Uh, the, the the long and short of the story is it didn't work out um, for multiple reasons. We were like the facility and Pia and I were on different pages after you work for somebody you know in the in the initial when they wanted us out there it, it all sounded great and then after being there it just it wasn't as what it was cracked up to be so we made uh, i resigned from the facility and we moved back in 2016 and that's when we got you know the condor collection that uh that was infected with nidovirus and um 
and we we went through all of that stuff so like we you know we're not going to name names and do any of that stuff that that's irrelevant but um you know that's what set us into the night virus journey and figuring that out and becoming more public so people kind of know more about that virus and that's the carpet fest here is going to be a lot about is uh to get a better understanding of that virus and we're not going to you know, we, we were on Morelia Python Radio with Laura Hoon Hanks and Dr. My, Mark Stingling. Am I saying that right? Like, I, I, Mark, if, if you're watching this, I hope I got your last name wrong, uh, wrong, right? <laughs> wrong. Sorry, I've been <laughs> drinking heavily. Uh, right. I have, I have, those guys are awesome. Um, being a part of their study was phenomenal. Pia can elaborate uh, more on that. We, we just finished a two-year study with them. So we just finished in December um, for doing this study for, yeah, two years, which was good times, a lot of swabbing. So, so nitovirus, I mean, is that affecting, because, I mean, I've heard it in ball pythons, obviously Morelia. I mean, what's the full, um, you know, things we got to look out for as far as species that can be affected by it? Um, so far, I mean, the, the thing is, is it's fairly, an, like, newly discovered virus. So I think the first paper was in 2011 which is new for viruses. Um, but the species that we've found it in so far, um, ball pythons, uh, green tree pythons, rough scale pythons, diamond pythons, carpet pythons, uh, blood pythons, reticulated pythons, Burmese pythons, um, woma pythons, uh, spotted pythons, corn snakes, king snakes, uh, emerald tree boas, Amazon tree boas. So basically everything. <laughs> so, and that's just the ones <laughs> that we've tested. Um, or not we, I'm saying the collective we, anybody who's done, um, been working on research on nitovirus. Uh, they've also found it in um, shingleback skinks in Australia in the wild, oh as well as um, in the wild. Some, shell, some turtles in the wild as well, which just came up, I think, a couple of months ago. So, I mean, and were those, were those turtles in Australia? Are they native to Australia? Um, I think they were near Australia as well. Um, I have to look at the paper to remember. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fairly widespread. I mean, you're, we're finding it all over Europe, Canada, U.S., Australia. So I mean, it's pretty much anywhere that, that these snakes have been. And, and, and let me just add to this too: is that there's a lot of people that like want to try to point do the blame game. You know, a lot of people always are asking where they think they it originated, and everybody's got their own kooky ideas on where it originated. But the virus has been around forever likely been in collections for the, as long as people have been breeding and, and working with this stuff but now there's a test for it a name for it a way to you know isolate quarantine and all this stuff there's still a lot more to learn mm -hmm. but like like saying like oh it came from the, like like let's just say that everybody has the potential to have it even if animals aren't aren't showing respiratory signs and the only way to know is to test for it um and uh you know people people the more people know then they can um they can request that from from sellers and stuff i mean there's 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 a lot of people that love us for for being very public about it and and helping people to 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 do the, the right thing and then i'm sure that there are other people that are not so happy that you know don't want to like they don't want to test because of, of various reasons and uh and that that might piss some people off, but it's you can't make everybody happy because if you make everybody happy, you're making some of the wrong people happy. So sometimes you got to piss some people off. Um, you know, at, that, at this point, as more people learn, now they're going to be able to know that this is a common thing in, in these animals, and uh, and to test for it. Just because somebody might test an animal and they might have an animal that came up positive, it doesn't mean that that person's a bad person or has a dirty collection and stuff. I mean, we're we're. We're as clean as you possibly can. And we all know her people, you know, like 
everybody talks about quarantine and stuff and everybody breaks their own policies all the time. You know, we're no exception, but we do our best. Like we do little steps to try to eliminate variables for problems. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But if you do the little things, little things add up to big things. And if you do those small things, you can eliminate a lot of problems. You might not eliminate everything, but it's not like this like everybody's got to burn their collections, tell people, you know, like point the blame game and stuff. Just real, like, accept the fact that this is a thing now. It's in a lot of different species and we can look for it now. Um, and then it's up to the individual with the collection to do the thing uh, to make their collection the healthiest. And it's like, people should want to test these animals because people should want to know what they have so they can, you know, even if you're in a studio apartment and you can't have an outbuilding or whatever, but you have a couple animals that you isolated that habit, but they're otherwise doing okay. Cause you could treat the symptoms with your various antibiotics. You do culture sensitivity tests, whatever to keep it in the game from dying. Um, the virus won't go away from those antibiotics, but you could still keep the animal and it could still live and breed and you could still produce um, negative animals if you're following the right steps. We did twice uh, with the carpet pythons and, um, and condor pythons. The condor pythons were the first ones or Morelia pythons, but everybody that keeps condor still calls them condor pythons. So even if the, every, all the science adds up for that they are Morelia, by popular demand, let's just call them chondros just because, because it, like it's not going away ever. Like they could change the species a hundred times. People are going to still call them chondros. Even the nuts that are like, they're Morelia, you know, they still call them chondros. But, uh, you know, just it's, it's not the end of the world. It's just a thing that you have to do now. And, and reptiles suck, right? You know, like I love this stuff, but you have to know so much to do this right. And as much as you know, as much as we know, we don't know shit, right? We don't know, like, we do our best, but, like, like there are probably viruses that are, like, floating around that we don't, like, that are maybe not killing or affecting anything, but maybe they're living with that haven't even been identified yet. These are exotic animals that, uh, you know, can't tell us that they're ill or do anything. You know, you got to look at them and actually test something when something goes wrong or when things die, like people necropsy your stuff for just like the, the knowledge of the herd healthier collection. Yeah, I know it sucks. And, and everybody says, they go, oh, I don't want a necropsy because nothing ever comes back. It's like, well, then you know something. But I want to know if I've got something because I want to know, like we've got some amazing palm vipers in this room and I'm not going to give it away right now because I want people to come here and check this stuff out. But we have some cool, cool shit. Like, like zoos and 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 enthusiasts these things would drool to have some of these these animals you know and i want to know if something dies sporadically like i want to know why because i don't want these snakes to die because of my my cheapness like yeah like sometimes the necropsy costs more than the animal but when you have a group of animals it like when we get a necropsy back and it's just some random thing I'm so relieved because now I know, you know, we figured out nidovirus in our collection because we necropsied and didn't just throw a damn dead chondro in the trash and say, oh, it was just, you know, it got a little too cold or stressed or whatever dumb kooky excuse people want to say, you know, it's like no matter what, without testing a necropsy, you don't know shit. Like, I'm just going to say it. You don't know because every time we necropsy, I'm like, didn't see that one coming. And now I know more. 
Now, when certain animals die, I'm more aware of problems and maybe what caused them so I could be better next time. Because I've probably killed more snakes than anybody that's, that hates snakes collectively. Maybe not those rattlesnake round. <laughs> three water dudes. I think they yeah. win. Yeah, but by learning, you know, like when I was a kid, there wasn't like Facebook and all these forms and stuff to like, like actually get a good edge on the game before you even get an animal, you know? And a lot of the stuff that I was getting was wild caught and want to eat frogs and lizards and shit like that. And you're trying to figure out like how to, how to keep the animal from dying and then also not get a fang prick on your finger and you die trying to force feed something because it won't eat. Um, can I get another beer? Are you? Okay, sweet. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, uh, every time you just got to do a little bit better and now that you know we can we can test for a lot of this stuff it's uh you know why why not do it you know like i know i i would personally rather buy a new cool animal or something cool like a new vivarium set up for three hundred dollars or whatever the 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 uh the neat crops is but uh but you just do what you have to do like i I hate when something dies for so many reasons, you know, I'm like, oh, like, what could it be? Because your mind always goes to the worst place ever, you know, you're like, what could it be? And then that's followed up by I lost the animal that I had taken care of. And a lot of these things are like, you know, non replaceable, like, they, you know, one, they, they're a huge financial, you know, commitment when you're buying some of these things you know so so like all these palm vipers are like anywhere between you know 2500 to you know oh. 4500 an animal or or more you know so we we pay that money out of our own pocket because we love these animals and we want to learn more about them you know it's not like a dog or a cat right you know like it's like it's not that it's not that people are like oh you have venomous reptiles as pets they're not really pets but we're so mesmerized and like in awe of these things like i feel humbled to be sitting in a room with three species of montane both riekis that uh like it's crazy to me that i get to be in the presence of these animals and i want to do right by them you know like we, we put a lot of money into this to, to learn more about them and to enjoy them and when you when you look at everything invested into it a 300 dollars necropsy is not it, it, it do your you and your animals a favor and get it done and learn something you know just don't think that you know because that's the problem with reptile people is that they they think they know everything and they're not like uh, it's like like i look terry phillip he's the curator of reptile gardens he's another really good friend of mine and um you know, I remember I met him at, at uh, uh, hey, no secrets, guys. What are you saying? I just, sorry, I got distracted. And I didn't hear the name you said. And so I was asking Joe what you said. What? Because I, I heard Reptile Gardens and my. Oh, you he was about? talking. Because oh. there was, um, now there's going to be Reptile Garden in oh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Thinking. And that's what you're thinking of with Randall and yeah, Ryan, Ryan and Graham. But now, yeah. and then, you know, for the last, I mean, shit, they probably opened Reptile Garden in, like, the 50s or before then. Terry Phillip is. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. in, like, North Dakota or some shit. He's, he's, he's in uh, Black Hills, South Dakota. And, you know, I'm really ashamed that uh, we've, I've known Terry since 2000 and uh, in 2006 when we went uh, when I went to the IHS that was in San Antonio. We met there. We hit it off. It was really funny because uh, – uh, my friend Kim Anderson, who was um, 
was there at at, at that uh, conference is also friends with Terry Phillip, and he had this Reptile Gardens T-shirt that I wanted. And uh, during the auction, Kim grabbed Terry and pulls him up on stage, and, and they're like, "We're going to be au- ra- auctioning off this uh, Reptile Gardens T-shirt," and like spinning Terry around. And it, it was it was a joke to like Kim and I were going to bid on the shirt. So one of us won. And then, um, you know, I got the shirt. And uh, so I think Kim outbid me and she won. But I got I got the shirt anyway. And uh, Terry's like shirtless in the elevator. He pushes me. He's like, damn it. You know, like he's like all laughing and stuff. And uh, it, it was a it was a real good time. But uh, yeah, Terry, uh, we've never actually got a chance to go up and visit them at uh at reptile gardens in the black hills and and our our friends uh, De- uh forest and, and desiree fanning they're from there and that's how forest and i met uh actually that shirt i was wearing it when i lived in las vegas i grew up in las vegas and uh there was a little cool little reptile shop in a flea market called the snake shop and there were only two pet stores in las vegas exotic pets where uh kim was uh a, a, yeah kim foos uh and ken, ken and kim foos um, well, we have a low battery. Twenty uh, percent. We could still do this. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the phone might oh, die before Cody on? stops talking. So. Well, I mean, that's the point, right? We've just we've already we've already covered that. We've already talking. established she's going to talk. Yeah, and we're yeah, going to talk. Right like now. Pia told me that she like for everybody that's like, hey, Cody's over talking. Pia, before we got on, it was premeditated that I was going to do a lot of the talking. See, and Pia... I, I don't like talking, and Cody likes talking. Hence, why we're a great couple. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's it, it's good. I don't like talking, so you guys can talk. But this is your podcast. No, I just ask questions. He that's that's the that's point great. there. You 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 ask a question and you let and let them do the talking. And Pia is really good at keeping me on track. I'm like herding cats, right? So it's like, uh, when I when I veer off, Pia will bring me back. Or if I'm thinking about something and I'm like. I've got a hundred other things going through my mind. I'm like, what am I talking about? She's like, to talk about this. I'm like, okay, that's where we were. So uh, yeah, we're good. But like for all the <laughs> listeners and viewers out there, I'm not just trying to hog the glory. Um, you know, Pia could talk however much she wants to. Okay, she doesn't want to talk. <laughs> what were we talking about? I mean, I thought it was interesting that like, <sighs> sorry. Oh, 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 so about, about, about <laughs> I, I, I know. Uh, Forrest and, uh, and, and, and Terry and the shirt. So I'm wearing the shirt and, and Forrest is, uh, I'm hanging out with Randy, who's the owner of the snake shop and Forrest sees the shirt and he's like, oh, Reptile Gardens, uh, have you been there? And I'm like, no, I, but I just know the curator and this shirt came off his back and he goes, oh, I grew up in South Dakota and um, I know Terry and uh, he, um, you know, he's into chondros and has this awesome chondro collection on top of being in the zoo field. And that's kind of how I got into chondros is because I never kept them before, but I was real into venomous, obviously, and a uh, big fan of Terry Phillip, you know, like, w- like not only is a, is a friend, but he's somebody that I look up to and try to emulate. And, um, you know, so what was I saying again? Talking about the shirt. The shirt. Yeah, I know. So, oh, yeah. So I didn't. I didn't go to Reptile Gardens, but I, I knew Terry, and Terry invited me up there. But it's like hard to get to South Dakota. After that, uh, Forrest and I were were best friends ever since. But uh, we 
known each other since 2007 and we were roommates. Um, I actually, I got a black dragon from the snake shop and uh, I needed a cage and Forrest had a six foot vision cage and uh, he was like, oh, I'll sell it to you. And he gave me like a sweet price on it. It was like 200 bucks or something. That's a big deal for a six foot vision cage. And uh, ever since then, we were, we just hit it off and we went to Daytona. It was our first Daytona in 2008 and uh, in Florida, obviously, and the Daytona Reptile Expo. And it was awesome. We loved Florida and we moved there because we wanted to get our foot in the reptile world. I, I wanted to go more towards the zoo field and Forrest wanted to, to do rodents, all my rodent stuff that I know about rodent production and everything. Forrest uh, taught me all of that. We kind of grew together. We got a, a cool little, um, we rented out a building from the se Senator John Lee of Las Vegas. Uh, you know, it's the Senator wow. to breed rodents. Like it was just like a little mini like mall thing and just like a little front thing with the back area for rodents. And he thought that it was cool. A couple young kids trying trying to get a business off the ground. So we did, we did rodents and, uh, and that's what Forrest wanted to do. And I wanted to get in the zoo field. We both accomplished our goals and, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was a good time, which, uh, but then uh, we, um, we decided Las Vegas sucked and I, I, I grew up there and, you know, it might be fun to visit for the weekend, but if you live there, it's really not the same. So we, we left Vegas for us coming from South Dakota. He moved to Florida to do timeshare stuff. And then he went to Reno, Nevada and then came down to Las Vegas for more timeshare stuff and got me into timeshare after we met. And then we were like, yeah, screw this. Let's go to Florida and do reptile stuff. So we basically did that. Our, our buddy Rigo, who was a roommate with us at the time, Forrest and Desiree left to go to Florida first. And Rigo and I were, were left to, to get other stuff together and bring all the snakes down with us. And we bought a $700 like old army van. It was, it was white primered. It was like, we called it the Urates van. It was a stick shift oh, because it, 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 it looked like a Urate, right? And, and and we had like a couple hundred snakes in this thing that were driving across the country, Rigo and I, and they all defecate in the bags at the same time. So the thing the smells like a urate. Um, it looks like a urate. And it was just like the funniest road trip. The, the van didn't go more than like 50 miles an hour on the freeway. So from Las Vegas <laughs> to Florida, we were going like 50 miles an hour the whole way there. And it was like crazy stuff happened. We broke down in New Mexico. It was like 40 degrees outside. Um, we, uh, we, we were sitting on the side of the road in this van and semis are driving by and they're coming within inches of the van. We're like, we're going to die. So we walked out to a truck, a truck stop, like two miles down the road, ran into this cop and we're like, cool. A cop's going to be finally like going to help us, you know? <laughs> and he just was like, acted like he had something better to do. And he left. And then we walked back to the van because we had like, you know, a bunch of valuable snakes in this van that just like ghetto van that didn't have like heater AC. And we're like, in there, like, man, this sucks. And then that cop showed up and, uh, and jumped us on the, on the highway, which got us to the truck stop. And it was the alternator. We had no money. We had like $500 to get us to Florida. And, uh, Rigo like sold off his DVD collection at the pawn shop. That was also, <laughs> the mechanic place so to get the alternator and and he he had mechanic skills so he put it on in the parking lot to save us money and and then we then we were driving we break down in in, in mississippi and it like it was a wheel bearing it sounded like the front wheel just fell off it was the scariest thing and some guy pulls up to us and he's like are you guys
guys from around here? And we're like, no. And they're like, be careful. There are these crackheads down the street and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we thought we were going to get That's murdered. what happens before you get raped or murdered. Yeah. That's you don't want to hear that. It was super sketchy. And then, like, um, then this guy, this Boomhauer guy, you know, because he was like, <laughs> he was like, I mean, he was like literally Boomhauer. We didn't understand him, but we understood that he was going to help us. And he, like, he went to the big, uh, like, the auto parts store, got whatever wheel bearings we needed. He put it on. He charged us like forty bucks and set us on our on our way. He was such a cool dude. We, and, but he was so he's such a boomhauer. We didn't understand a thing he said, but he was cool. We understood that he was going to help us, and that's all we needed to understand. And then finally, we made it to Florida, and Forrest, Des, and Rigo, and I lived together, and. And uh, and from there, I met Carl Barden at, at Reptile Discovery Center and met Toxin and got my foot in the door with him, which got my foot in the door at the alligator farm to, to get the job there. That eventually would lead me to my amazing, beautiful wife and uh, grow our business from a, you know, just a breeding business to eventually a public uh, facility that we're going to we're going to be able to let people come in and, and visit and not be in our house. So right now, people like are going to get to see the growing like we're acquiring the species that eventually that we're going to be exhibiting. Um, you know, we we have uh, we have a lot of cool friends that are helping us, uh, you know, like you don't ever do it like anywhere worth going. You know, you don't get there alone. You know, you got to have a ton of people. And um, so we're going to be incorporating a lot of, like, our friend and Andreas Navalis. He, we uh, showed he's us around. right now. He's, he's he? talking in the chat. Oh, is he? Oh, we love Andreas. So we, we met Andreas. In Guatemala, uh, or it, well, in Costa Rica first. We, well, we met him in Costa Rica first for the uh, 2016 Costa Rican Herb Symposium uh, led by our friend Caesar, who uh, is on Facebook, Frog Doc. So you could look him up, Frog Doc. He does ego tours and stuff in um, Costa Rica and takes amazing pictures. He does, like, he's all over the place. Every time amazing. I... He, he takes amazing pictures and he's always doing something cool. Every time I see it, like he's somewhere else and I'm jealous that he, like he does this for a living. He's a PhD, he's described multiple species, super cool guy. I wanted to see yellow blotch palm vipers, which we have in this room, one of the species. So there's a little teaser. Um, and we really wanted to see him in the wild. And I, I text Caesar because I knew him and I said, I really want to see these in the wild. And he goes, I think I know. I, or I know a guy and I'll get back to you. And we planned a date in May. Andreas was the guy. We didn't know Andreas at the time. We're like, oh, who's this guy? Like it could be like sketchy and whatever. And um, so Caesar and I planned out and we show up and Andreas is driving. And just like the coolest person you've ever met, like it took us to all these amazing habitats. We went to uh, some amazing cloud forest to, to see these yellow blotch palm vipers. And, and we were lucky enough to see three of them within uh, like 72 hours of being in, in the cloud forest. And Andreas made it very clear that these animals were not common. And, uh, and we, we just, we, we lucked out. And Andreas actually saw more uh, yellow blotch palm vipers, the Bothriacus are for 
this year than he's ever had. He's seen nine in the wild on, on, on several different trips, and they're amazing species. Uh, if people look at my Instagram, you can see the video I was taking when we found our first one. Pia was looking in a bromeliad looking for a bronia, the, the arboreal alligator lizards, and because they're in that area too. So we wanted to see a bronia and these and these palm vipers. We didn't see a bronia. They're they're you know usually up in the bromeliads and stuff. Sometimes you could see an, in a bromeliad that fell out of the tree on the ground, but we weren't we didn't we didn't get to see one. But Caesar, Caesar hung back at the the uh, I guess the eco lodge. Um, was, was was like his uh, back was hurting him or, or something and, and he wanted to kind of just take it easy it was during the day and usually you know it's like you're not finding and like most of the stuff that we saw was after dark so you know the time to hang back at the at the the, the lodge was then and so Pia and I were and, and Andreas like we're out there we're looking for stuff and I'm not expecting to see one of these during the day you know they're typically a nocturnal uh, pit viper tree viper and um, maybe not seeing them during the day right so we're walking and I walk right past this thing and I'm, I start filming Pia on my phone just like just BSing, just getting some content of us being in Guatemala. And and the guys were teasing me the night before, you know, we were out looking for stuff and they're like, Arafer, Arafer. And this cloud forest, there's a lot of biological stuff going on there. There's a lot of uh, students and 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 um, researchers that are, are studying different things in that area. And one of them was on predation of these palm vipers. So a typical to name yellow blotch palm vipers have yellow blotches on their back, but sometimes they could be almost patternless and stuff like that. So they were, they had like a putty snake, like made out of like Play-Doh. It looked like Play-Doh, right? Like a green one that had no pattern and one that had pattern to see like what, like the predation effects. Did the ones that, that had the black and the yellow blotches on them get more like nicks in them for from possible predators or the patternless one so we're walking and i'm like wouldn't that be cool if we saw uh rfr right now and they're like there's an rfr right there and i like almost died like trying to get down to where the snake was where i thought the snake was because i could see it with my light right it was like they wrapped it around a branch and looked all obvious and because we were just talking about how in arizona game and fish will often put like you know fake look-alike Gila monsters on the road to get people stopping to, to poach them. And, um, and that, that's exactly what happened. Like, we weren't trying to poach them, but, but I was like, they look just like the snake from a distance. And I, you know, when you see a snake in the wild, you freak out and you have to run and go look at it. Right. Like before anybody else. And, and uh, so I get down there and everybody starts laughing at me and Caesar's like, Oh yeah, you want to see an R for me too. So we went out the next day to, to go out during the day and I start filming Pia looking in that bromeliad and Andreas, he's like, do you want to see your first Arfur? And I turn the camera and I'm like, are you serious? And he's like points to it. And I could see it from the, the top of the hill that I was sitting on. And, and uh, there was some profanity that went down, like out of the excitement of finding that animal. And it was so cool. And then that night we found a neonate. And then the next night we found an adult female in the riverbed and andre when we got there we were like these are they're palm vipers right so they're arboreal and uh you want you like you're like where do you normally find them and andrea says we find them everywhere we can find them on the ground in the tree you know uh we've seen them in the riverbeds you know and i'm like the riverbeds like a like an arboreal snake in the riverbeds and sure enough that female was sitting in the riverbed it was like 55 degrees and she was alert probably looking for frogs 
got video of this. I'm actually editing it on my on my phone right now on iMovie, all the footage. And I was going to uh, post that up on YouTube so people could see it because it was a it was a really cool trip. Not only did we get to see all those the, the yellow blotch palm vipers, we saw so many other cool species. <laughs> Over 60 species. Over 60 species. And we got to go to the Heloderma Preserve that has the uh, Guatemalan beaded lizards, the, uh, the Heloderma, um, Charles Bogardi. Uh, Andreas says it a lot better than me because he's got the accent. So it's like Charles Borregi, Borregi, uh, I can't even say it, Bogardi, Charles Bogardi, but just put a, uh, an, a, a Spanish accent on there and it sounds way, way, way better than me. So I just, <laughs> I, uh, I, I just, I, I, can you see us? There you yeah. go. I'm sad for the moment when y'all, your phone dies and y'all drop out. We got 10% left, so we probably should. Uh, it, it's okay. We could talk and, and we'll, we'll figure it out. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, so it was, uh, yeah, uh, I say Charles Bogardi because I'm, um, I, I don't have the accent. So it's the, or, 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 or Charles Bogardi. I think, I think that was another thing that Caesar said. We, we went over some scientific stuff because, like, all of us Americans, we like to say I at the end of it, like Charles Bogardi, but it's Charles, uh, Bogarty, Bogarty. Like, so, so his name wasn't Bogart, and he put an I on it. It was actually Bogarty. Right. Like la my last name is Bartolini. You don't say Bartolini yeah. I, right? You know. So kind of like, like, like they <laughs> I also, do, made, yeah, that, that, they also made that pretty obvious. But Andreas is, and and Caesar are do like so. When we went out there, we had a great time. I I got. Like I got sick like within the first couple of days of being there, like the flu. The flu yeah. It was it was it was shitty. So I'm trying to like, um, you know, enjoy it the best I can when we're finding these amazing snakes. And I feel like death. And you know, it's like 55 degrees out, but super humid, and you're wet and sweating, and like it sucks. But you're like you're putting up with it because you want to see the animals. And um, you, you know, got food poisoning. And then after that, we went to another. So just as I'm feeling better, we go up to another cloud for us to look for both Rachis the Maradon palm uh, pit viper, and a, a big deal snake, a real big deal snake. And uh, we went out there, we found some eyelash vipers that were really cool, almost patternless white, like really cool stuff, salamanders, um, and a, a, lot, a lot of fun stuff happened there. Well, these guys, when we went to the store before we went up here, because we had to take two transports to get there, right? We had to get uh, go from like a ground one up to the base of the mountain and then a four wheel drive to get to the top. And then they told us that that, that person was not going to be there on the way down in the next couple of days. We were going to have to walk back down there. So I was like, Oh, whatever. That looks like it sucks when I'm feeling pretty good. Well, when we went to the store to stock up on food to be there for a couple of days, cause we're out in the middle of nowhere, no power, no nothing. Um, all these guys thought it'd be a great idea to get deli ham in a package when there's no refrigeration. Oh God. And we ate it like the next day. Like we didn't eat it that day. We ate it like, and everybody's like, Oh, it'll be fine. And, um, and I, I, uh, Pia made her sandwich and, um, and I like, commandeered it. I commandeered the sandwich and <laughs> I was the only one that got just the worst food poisoning ever ever like we went out for uh a, like a hike that night and i wasn't feeling good and i came back and we were all like we had rum like guatemalan rum and we're like roasting marshmallows and stuff and andreas is trying to take this really sweet picture of like the like because andreas takes amazing pictures and uh you know you have to be still for this thing to get all the stars or whatever i'm like pacing back and forth because i feel like i'm gonna you know vomit and i'm like i'm just gonna go like because everybody's drinking rum and stuff and i you know i'm 
I'm not one to turn down beer, rum, or, or, you know, have a good time. And, like, when I smelt the rum, it just did not make me feel good. I didn't want to drink the rum. I dumped it into Caesar's cup or gave it to him, and he slammed it. On, and I just kind of, like, disappeared into the night, laid down in bed, like, doing those breathing, you know, that breathing that where you're just trying not to throw up, and you're like, maybe I'm not going to throw up. No, no. So then spent the rest of the night throwing up and other things. Um, and it was just the worst time ever. And, uh, like I, like it was so bad. And then we had to hike down the next day and we actually did. I I thought I was going to die. He looked like he was going to die too. We got terrible. We got some really good footage, uh, of me like collapsing. And, And one of the guys that like the Rangers up at that area that like helped us down, they kept asking if they wanted to take my bag, which was like 60 pounds. And like, I was like trying to like, you know, I was trying to be tough. And I made it through most of the way. And then finally, like, I took the bag. He was, like, kind of on, like, a little motorcycle thing. And then he took everybody's bag. And I was so grateful at that moment. I was, like, in tears. I was, like, oh, thank you so much, like, for being so generous and holding these things. And I got better. That, And then after that, we went to the Heliderma Preserve and, and found some really cool stuff, some, some uh, neotropical rattlesnakes and boas and, uh, you know, other, other really cool things. Uh, Guatemala is a great trip, but, but Andreas and Cesar are, uh, that was kind of our, their test run for their eco tours. And, um, and the, so they got to learn a little bit more about bringing other people into these areas. So they're doing that now. Um, so I'm going to plug that, that Andreas and Cesar are doing uh, cool eco tours in Guatemala. Um, amazing people, um, both bilingual. And uh, so we, the whole time that we were there, we felt very comfortable. Andreas knew his stuff, knew where to go, knew where to find animals. Um, Andreas is super young, too, like, what, 21, 22? He's um, older than 22, I think. No, I think he's pretty young. He's like, a young guy, though. But he's, like, incredibly smart in college for doing, going towards, you know, wildlife stuff and um, knows everybody at all these different preserves. And, you know, the Heliderma Preserve is a protected area, and you need to have special authorization to go on a lot of these places, with, which Andreas was uh, able to get because he knows everybody there, and he does so much for the animals and for, uh, for the people there. So... Uh, anybody that's thinking about doing that, Andreas, uh, what, uh, they got to look on my phone. It's well, Andreas, uh, maybe, uh, the, 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 yeah, I know Novalis, but uh, underscore wildlife, Andreas, like, where's my, the Instagram? I, wa- I want to, uh, we'll put a link. Yeah, can we do that? Can we do a link at yeah. some point? Yeah, okay. just give it to we'll, us we'll do that, yeah, because I, I definitely want people to, 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 uh, go take the, uh, those guys up on that stuff because um, it's not like you can't just go to Guatemala and like go herping, right? Like Andrea says, "You're a crybaby." Those sandwiches were fine. <laughs> I, I mean, we were all fine, but Cody got sick. Everybody, yeah, everybody was making fun of me too. They're like, "How could it be the ham sandwich? Nobody else got sick." I'm like, "I got the bad ham." It's like let's let's uh, let's eliminate our variables. Like we were all we're all drinking the same water. The water was clean. We're drinking clean water. Um, we're eating like crackers and like granola bars, and we eat a ham sandwich with like mayonnaise that's like sitting out that maybe is supposed to be room temperature mayonnaise. Some Guatemala. Like, I don't know. <laughs> room temperature mayonnaise, the Guatemalan I mean, mayonnaise. Yeah, and, and, and ham. I mean, if I was going to guess what got me sick, I would definitely say it was that. Like, just because, like, and I, I eat everything. I love food and I will eat everything. And, um, you know, it's like, I, I think I got the bad ham. Like, I, and Pia and was going to eat that sandwich. I will take what happened over her having to deal with I, what I had to do because it was, it sucked. It sucked. And she was going to eat that sandwich. I saved her. 
from. Yeah, you took a bullet. I Pia, took a why bullet. did you eat it? I was I, I was gonna eat that sandwich, but he he took it from me. So. And I guess now he would have. And oh, you know no. the thing. You know the thing is too. If Pia ate the sandwich and had that happen, everybody would have been all sympathetic, like you know. But it's me that eats it. And Caesar comes in there. He's like, "You're so dramatic," and I'm like, "I'm dying," you know. And they're all making fun of me. Oh, and Caesar, like when we got there at this place before the food poisoning, somehow they find they are like they found one of those cockroaches that has the giant wings, like the biggest freaking cockroach you ever saw. Like any cockroach enthusiast, like this would be like their prized animal. Like I'm not afraid of cockroaches, right? But I'm not like I don't want the thing in my bed. You know what I'm saying? And I walk into my room and it's like a cabin, like two story cabin. This cockroach that's like five inches long and like four inches wide. I'm not kidding. It's like the it's, it's what you know, the South American cockroaches that are like impressive. Thing walks up the wall. I start yelling at everybody. And Caesar comes up with the camera. He's, he's like, what is this? You know? And then like two like a couple of minutes later, a giant scorpion like crawls up the side <laughs> of the thing too. And I'm like, did you put that there? Because like and I obviously he thought he found that cockroach and put it there. He's like, I didn't do the scorpion and i saw a shed a molted skin of the scorpion in between the bed and the wall and i i was like i'm also not afraid of scorpions either but while i'm sleeping i don't want to be like fornicating with a scorpion or a cockroach in my sleep you know what i'm saying like i don't want to i don't want them in the covers with me but it was a it was a good trip like we had a lot of laughs like um i mean we were all family at the end of it so i would definitely like go do that and guatemala it's, is, it's an amazing country it's beautiful that like the, the culture the people they're all awesome and the reptiles and amphibians are, are second to none like like i said mexican and guatemalan and, and and all that latin american stuff it's like australia and africa and all those other places are cool but like look in our own backyard it's like not expensive to get to these places and the biodiversity like when you herp in the states, like you mostly don't see stuff when you got herp, and when you go out to these places, you're finding stuff all the time. It might not be your tar. Mm-hmm. Like we um, we found like a six foot Bothrops asper. Uh, uh, it like people call them Terciopelas fertilans in Guatemala. Barbara Maria is 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 uh is what they call the the Bothrops asper, and uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Andreas Andreas taught me that. I didn't know that before. <laughs> I was calling. I was calling him Tercio Palos and he's like, no, not, not Tercio Palo here. Barbara Maria. You know, I don't know if I'm saying that. I, I do my best. So, um, no, great time. Um, and, uh, I wish we could talk about it more because we're running out of batteries so we could, we could move forward. Maybe. Talk Is it about possible it. to plug it up? No, cause we can only do the headset or the battery. Oh yeah. Stupid uh. iPhones. Ugh. Yeah. Th- they used to be able to plug it in yes. and charge it, and that. But then they got they got they had to get you somehow, right? Of course. It's like, it's like I can't listen to something and charge my phone. This is stupid. It's like you guys are are iPhone. You're Apple. You got, like Apple. If you're watching, you got to make it to where you can charge it and and do this at I the hate same this time. I because hate I get Apple yeah. listens to this podcast every single week, <laughs> and I've been waiting to tell them these kinds of things. Well, so I'm glad well. you're here. Yeah. I mean, Apple is not a sponsor of ours, um, so I just want to make make that like we just gave them some promo um, and all that. But yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Andreas because uh, the, and what what a cool experience, and we're gonna um, we're gonna get down there to see him this year as well at some point. That Thalassinus, the Maradon palm viper, we didn't find one there, and literally like 
a week later, Andreas, he, he has one in a bag, catches it, find, finds the baby at another location. And he's like, look what, he goes, oh, look what I got, the baby Thalosinus. And I was like, oh, and, and Caesar's just like, you know, does a, you know, just freaks out over the messenger and stuff. And I'm like, why didn't you take us there? You know, when we, when we went, but there was a couple different areas. So we got to go, got to go see it. We went to Guatemala Zoo and um, amazing, amazing zoo, like on par with Disney, you know, as really? far as the care and look of the, like you, you, you wouldn't think it, but you go in there and like they redid the reptile house and it was, it was spectacular. It was really cool. Um, had a good time. So I just wanted to, yeah, we could talk about that another, like the, the full on, uh, you know, the whole expedition and stuff. But uh, Andreas would be another cool person for you guys to get on and, and interview because uh, he's got a, a lot to talk about. Um, cool person doing a lot of cool stuff for Guatemalan reptiles and amphibians. And he's he's on the level. He he knows what's up because there's a lot of stupid people out there like and a lot, like in high places doing stupid things, you know, for the, like like. You know, I, I think Andreas is telling us that like venomous reptiles are not protected in Guatemala, so people can kill them and stuff like that. And it's like because people are stupid and the governments are stupid and they, you know, are ours and 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 everybody else, like everybody, there's shortcomings everywhere. And you get people that just have a bias against not liking snakes and they don't understand them. So, you know, like they make all these dumb rules and stuff. And Andreas is one of the good ones that if there's anybody um, that has a chance of persuading people to do the right thing. He's um, he's doing that, and we are go- We want to uh, partner with Andreas when we open our place to the facility. Um, maybe helping, you know, get people down there to see that stuff, or help, um, you know, donating towards like research in those areas for conservation of those species because they're just uh, animals that uh, we're just fond of. You know, I don't know why. Like everything's really cool, but I have a, a real soft spot for Latin American reptiles and amphibians. So. I like that. She doesn't even have her content because she doesn't she, like, she, she, she doesn't even care. She hears this all the time. Like, she doesn't either. All the time, so, You're not know. talking. It's, so it's do you guys, do you guys have any other plans as far as like herping trips go or animals you want to see in the wild or places you want to go in general? Oh, God, the list is endless. But right now, I would love to see Bothraica's bicolor. Uh, the Guatemalan palm viper in the wild. Um, they're a phenomenal species, specifically Bothriacus bicolor ornatus. It's it's a, a subspecies of bicolor. They're found in, in Mexico and then Chiapas. And then you've got the Guatemalan bicolor that... Um, that have a different look. The, the, the bicolor ornatus are, are, they have like electric blue with black peppering, like the definition of mite phasing in green. Um, we actually have one behind us in this enclosure right here. So that's another one. I'm giving everything away, but we have a, we have a, a, a pair of these amazing snakes. And, um, you know, the male is, uh, was a neonate when, when we got them. And the female is probably, you know, like a two-year-old animal, um, so we're a little ways out from breeding them, but an unrelated pair as so we're really excited about them, but we had the yellow blotch palm vipers in our collection before we saw them in the wild. And it was so cool to see them in the wild. Cause you're in the temperatures, you're finding them and it gives us a better idea how to, how to better manage them in, in, in captivity. Like captivity is not the wild. And there's some things in the wild that they're going to be getting that you can't just can't duplicate, but you know, we, we want to do our best. And they're a small manageable species where you can you can kind of do the fun stuff like we're doing. We got foggers on these things to mimic clouds going through their environment and everything. And, and it's like because it's fun, but it's like not just 
uh, what the animal needs, you know, it, what the animal wants, you know, like you can, you can keep them in a tub probably and, you know, a boil tub and keep them successfully, no problem. Um, but do a little bit better. And uh, it's like, you could live in a prison cell for 50 years and have a toilet and a bed. Wow, and food. wow that's harsh. And, and, well, no, but that's no, how that it is. is. And, and, you, and, you, and you could throw, you could throw, a, a, you know, you could throw a female in there and I'm, I'm pretty sure that you can get breeding. You Real know? quick if I'm in a jail cell. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but, but wouldn't you be more happy if you were on like a nice uh, property and you can go do things and see things and smell things and like enjoy the sun and do, and do, so just do better, you know? So like we, we like, every animal that we could try to do, you know, like some, some things are challenging to do in our setting right now, but like, as we grow and as we, we, we do bigger things, like just because the animals will, will, you know, um, live in those conditions and breed, you know, you could do better for them. Like I hate seeing things on Aspen and mulch and paper, um, but I, we do it too, right? I've got things in racks. I've got things on newspaper. I, bad, I, Cody. You know, no, but like, but but they live and they they're healthy. But it's like, you know, there's all these uh, companies and uh, caging and equipment where you can do like Zilla, Zoomed, Exoterra, uh, Doug Bars, uh, Herp cages, Vision, uh, all these different lights and all this different stuff. Like we like people are doing so much. Like don't be cheap enjoy the animals like i think animals are only 50 percent of the equation like having them in a natural setup where you can watch them do more natural things you'll learn more about them and you're going to enjoy them a whole hell of a lot more I, i'll guarantee that because like the vivarium builds and all they're fun you know they're fun to do it's uh it's kind of like a hobby at the same time um you're, you're giving the animal what it wants not necessarily what it needs you know if you're a chondro would you rather sit on a piece of PVC or like crammed in a little V of a branch somewhere? You know, they want to sit. If you ask the chondro, what do you want to sit on? You want to sit on a PVC, you know, or you want to sit on a branch? The chondro is going to say, I want to sit on a branch. You know, like I one of my one of my friends sent me a picture of um, of, a, of, a, of a palm viper on um, a lot of people like to use uh, this like plastic hardware cloth for them to perch on like little arboreal stuff. And it's fine and it's acceptable. Um, and a newspaper and a water dish, right? Except, acceptable husbandry for, for the animal. Let me just say that right there. And he's a, he's a very, very seasoned keeper and knows his stuff. I'm not going to name names because I already set this up. So, you know, but he sends me this picture of this thing sitting on there with newspaper. And he's like, because he knows that I do all the vivarium stuff and everything. He's like, check out my vivarium. And I'm like, it looks like it's sitting on a bunch of garbage, you know, cause you got, I said, it's sitting on a six pack wrapper on newspaper. I'm like, it's your recycling that this like, this snake should be sitting on a bromeliad, you know, somewhere, not on a piece of plastic on newspaper. But like I said, it, it meets the captive husbandry requirements, right? The animal survives and does well, but it looks better. And it probably feels better. And, and like, like I said, I've got stuff on newspaper and PVC. So when people are like, you know, cause I post stuff on Instagram and Facebook and people are like, Oh, you know, you know, like the pot calling the kettle black, like, let me know. Like I want it to be known that I know that and I want to do better, but sometimes space is an issue and those simple require. I totally I mean, agree. We I was, the same I'm thinking thing. that the whole time, like, 
yeah, I really want to do that. But we live in Philadelphia where the bedrooms are the size of jail cells. Well, and it, it's also we have over that... a, we have over a hundred snakes in jail cell rooms. So well, and I, jail and I understand tubs. the fact that I mean we've been our standard at this point is if my animal survives and breeds, and all of a sudden that is a indicator for good health and contentment with our reptiles instead of like, come on, man, like humans will breed in anything. I'm sure snakes will probably, you know, they're born to pass on their progeny so like i don't think that it's very far-fetched to think that maybe you know we could do better than just survive oh, we were all saying we can do better yeah but I, they may have died by the way oh yeah they froze well like wait, wait a second wait a second waiting wait. yeah they're out okay yeah so they died <laughs> wow uh, they didn't even died. hear our answer i bet <laughs> yeah but i mean we might as well we went like we ended up going a decent amount of time when we weren't supposed to but um so um, yeah i guess we could just close out the show which is kind of a, an abrupt ending right? stupid apple it's all apple's fault i think it oh wait is cody just met cody just messaged cody said phone died we can call for mine yes yes I got to pee. Can I do that? Can you talk? Yeah, I yes. Pee? Let's keep really the talk? party going. Except, you know what's funny? I told Joe. Um, I'm going to get more beers, by the way. Is that frowned upon? Can you get me? Oh, no, I have my wine. It's funny because before do this. You want more wine? No, I have my. I brought the bottle up. Um, before this podcast started, I told Joe, I was like, <clears throat> I have Grey's Anatomy at eight o'clock tonight. Like, I can't miss it. I'm not going to stay the whole time. I'm going to leave at eight o'clock. Um, and then Cody just as awesome and I want to keep talking to them and so I'm here still and I'm even suggesting that this goes longer than two hours I bet a lot of you people listening never thought I would say that um but yes we're trying to get them uh back on just I'm telling him to sign on to Pia's email or we can send a link to your email so they run Pia's before, but I will try to uh, get everyone's questions in. Obviously, you see it's hard, but Cody is such a great person to listen to. And clearly, if you are anywhere near Southeast Carpet Fest, you should definitely go to meet Cody. I'm going to try to find some random uh, rich uncle in Joe and I's uh, family lines to get us to Florida, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Someone, maybe someone won the lottery in our families and will buy us plane tickets who knows but this has so far been a great podcast thank you guys for sticking with us through the technical difficulties and everything that our normal podcast suffers through um okay now i need to send cody an email of the link and hopefully i can get them back on Okay, okay. What do we do? Are you um, still talking? Yes, I am still talking. Oh, wow. That's um, impressive. This is the most I think you've ever talked. Shut up. What are you talking about? You've peed before, weirdo. <laughs> he, he told us to plug the auction. Yes. Okay. Do it while I send this to Cody. <clears throat> so they are at like an obscene amount of money already. Which really? Is totally what is impressive. it? impressive. It's like over $11,000. Whoa. Yeah, Ian still wants to plug it. Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. But I mean, if we could get to like I mean, obviously, we're going to get to, like, 15K at least. That is... Yeah. That's legitimate. So, right now, the... um, uh, Oh, 
You, we don't need to hear anything. No one's here, you dumb Well, dumb. but I'm going to do it for the future. You always got to think about the future. Okay, well, right oh, now. Oh, so Ian said over 12 Sorry, everyone. Sorry, sorry, Ian. Thank you. Ian, the fact Thank checker. you. Um, if you, okay, I need to back up. If you go to Facebook and search the Southeast Carpet Fest, it's a group, right? And an event. I can't remember. Yeah, that's the one thing. of those. I, have a couple of I don't. Pages, I don't remember if it's. We'll a, link it I out. think the there's the event, and then within the event page, there is the group. Um, and on the group, also, even if you're friends with Ian, you can go to the post about uh, the auction. And there's been one release of auction items, and then there's been a second release. Owen, or Ian says he has 50 more to release. Don't know when that's going to happen. But the real interesting thing about this is that right now, um, if you comment on the post in the auction, you know, obviously, if you have the highest, you, you think you get it. But at the actual Southeast Carpet Fest will be the finale of the auction. So it kind of sucks if you don't live anywhere nearby, but it's an incentive to get there that um, at the at the actual Southeast Carpet Fest, that will be the end of the auction. So you could think you're winning on Facebook and then someone could outbid you right at the auction. But don't let um, but, that disappoint you. That means that maybe if you're not in person, I mean, feel free to run up that price a little bit and have some <laughs> sucker buy another one because it all goes to Nido Research. And yes, quite and frankly, as Cody has described, like Nido sucks. <laughs> and so we... if no one knows, like five years ago or so, I had a decent ball python collection. We were breeding ball pythons, all that stuff, and. I had half of my collection die for the most part from what seemed like some type of chronic RI that I could never find out how to, you know, we took it to the vet. I mean, he even did cultures and everything at that time. I don't think they had sequenced, you know, whatever NIDO was or my vet wasn't privy to it at the time, you know, five years ago or so. So, I mean, I just had ball pythons getting RIs like, all the time and they were incurable whenever anyone got one they died no matter what we treated it for no matter what we cultured we couldn't find anything um necropsies all that stuff i mean i guess they just didn't you know and it went to like the cornell labs it's not like we were sending it to fucking right down the street to some bullshit i mean it went to the cornell labs and nothing came back and it looked like there was some type of like liver damage or something if i remember correctly so i wonder if there's any correlation there because someone in the chat said like the symptoms of ibd or inclusion body disease are very similar to nido and that's exactly what i found in when i had those animals that had what i'm suspecting is something if it's not nido it's something totally close to it because we had tested it for ibd and all that stuff and um you know nothing nothing came out of it so therefore i mean this is something that and I mean, at this time, we're seeing ball python breeders drop like flies. And I wonder if this is part of it because no one says shit. Ball python, I mean, let's be honest. And that's not just ball python people. Snake people in general are protecting their projects, right? They buy a $20,000 animal hoping, hoping that they can breed it and sell $10,000 animals. They're not going to tell you that an animal's sick. They're not going to tell you that animals in their collection are sick, vice, you know, all that shit. So, I mean, I can imagine this is much more prevalent than anything, you know, could ever lead on as far as um, not just nidovirus, but things in general, things in the hobby that happen, sicknesses in the hobby, because we're keeping all these animals within like two inches of each other. You know, how hard is it 
to stop spreading of diseases when all of your animals are within a few feet of each other. You know, we keep them in such close quarters that things are easily spread. And therefore, I mean, I think it's interesting that Pia said that some turtles had it and stuff like that. And they may have been from Australia. Like maybe we somehow from Australia got, you know, this night of virus that could have passed to this, that, this, and I mean, it very well could have come from multiple places, but you know, it's definitely something that we need to be cognizant of. And I think it's interesting that she said it's also been found in corn snakes, which is also something that, you know, why don't you do it through there? I've done it both ways. Uh, so is, she said it's also been found in corn snakes, which is like crazy because we already have crypto, which is very similar in a way where you see that mid-body swell. And then you'll have an animal start regurging and not digesting food in any type of way. And then eventually your animal gets skinny and then eventually your animal dies. And it doesn't seem, you know, it seems to have affected a lot of people's collections. But luckily, with a little bit of cognizance, a lot of the corn snake breeders have bred that out. But I'm sure it still exists. And these types of things are imperative to people who want to keep these animals in their collection. Because, I mean... It will be tough if we have these things like this in the future, you know, jeopardizing us keeping our animals because not only are is there, you know, laws in place and stuff always coming down on us trying to get us to, you know, not trying to get us not to keep our animals, but against keeping certain animals and things like this just add to our predicament as far as, you know, obviously we want all of our animals to be healthy, but also we want to show everyone and prove to everyone that our animals can thrive in captivity. And if we have things like this threatening our captive collections, I feel like we are not showing or we're not doing the due diligence to find out how to mitigate the situation. So obviously we're taking it upon ourselves to mitigate the situation, kind of to raise money and all that stuff to make sure that, our animals are healthy, but also to make sure that we have a thriving community and we're able to breed animals and sell animals that do not pass on viruses and we don't have our customers have animals dying or anything crazy like that. So, I mean, does Cody have the... Uh, so, um, I don't know, when they open the link, it says there was a, like, error and they said they could do it on PS, but then they, like, have no headset. It says it's going wrong on the the website server oh I why don't they just try to do it on ps so we can put a bow on this bizarre. but we know how bad the feedback usually is yeah typically it does feedback i mean if you think about it when you're facetiming it wouldn't but right why does it do it right why does when, it do when it? you're facetiming why does it not do it because you're hearing the persons and i don't yeah I guess because you're not recording when you're FaceTiming. You're not trying to record this. I have no idea. I don't know. I hope people are still listening, though. Even though this has been um, a crazy debauchery of uh, all types of stuff. But trying to keep it up on this Thursday night. Still got work in the morning. Ooh. I mean, you got work on Mondays, too, so nothing different. Yeah, but... I'm letting it go past our normal time. That's what I'm Ooh, saying. That is true. You got it. You got a point there. So while you were peeing, I was telling everyone I'm determined to find a rich uncle to get us to Southeast Car- Carpet Fest solely so I can meet Cody. 
just because I've oh he's officially one of the more interesting people we've ever had yeah ever and one i want to see if he's this way when he's drunk (laughs) well i mean he had a few beers so i'm sure he's but I think this is his normal. But after like so a I, I want to see his not normal, because <laughs> um, I just can only imagine. Two, yeah, like before I was like, oh yeah, South East Carpet Fest, like that'd be cool to go. But like now I'm like, oh no, I really. I, I want to go just. I want to go now, yeah. just for him to entertain me, because <laughs> um, I think he'd be really entertaining. Um, also, him, he kept talking about like you know kids like be handled i'm excited for him to see kids not being handled because if someone brings like a three-year-old they they're gonna it's you know something i can imagine three-year-olds when people like us like don't have kids right like uh-huh. we don't have kids or they don't have kids or like you know honestly there's a lot of people as far as like animal people who choose not to have kids and it's like i can't I don't know what to do. If like if someone's kids going crazy, I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm a teacher. I know, but it's like, but yeah, if you don't have them, but I mean, they could be around a lot. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So I while you were peeing, I was telling them I'm determined to find a rich uncle to get us to uh, Southeast Carpet Fest. And Robert is your uncle a dentist? He's okay. Not he's... a rich uncle. <laughs> Just because he's, he's steady. If he we're gonna go off that, off. both my parents are lawyers, and so that doesn't mean like, well, yeah, they yeah, can pay can for us them. to go to Southeast Carpet Fest. <laughs> yeah, the whole just job equals richness isn't a thing. <laughs> job um, equals rich. I mean, no, no. Uh, steadiness yeah that's for sure okay steadiness but we breed snake i mean steadiness doesn't get you get us to florida but you're not only but but you're talking to a bunch of snake people lawyers are very very wealthy compared to most of us normal snake people well snake people are not you cannot compare snake people to to any other job no to any other regular job the percentage of snake people who are wealthy versus regular is very very like you i'm sorry there's probably 10 wealthy sink people just i know quite a few okay how many wealthy sink people do you think are out there like real well like a lot like like make every like breaking to 200k a year um i know one offhand okay thank you that's but that's one you tried to act like there was a bunch okay (laughs) so so there is a bunch they're called dwight howard they're called the goalie he moved from the Sabres. I don't know who he plays for now. Wait, are you talking about people who have like one or like two professional snort? I'm no, not professional snorts. Snort. Sounds like snort Professional sports players aren't snake people. They but are, they're rich no, as fuck. And they, they are human snakes. individuals who own a snake. That is Get different than a snake person. Dude, that goalie, that goalie bought Ben Rennick's collection. I don't know if that's a secret. So sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Is that inside? I don't think that's insider information. But that, from what I believe, so yeah, he has a whole collection who's being looked over by someone who's competent in the reptile community. I mean, but they will that throw was them backwards. That was backwards. And he, Kerry was a, King. he was a rich goalie first, and then he became a snake person. No, he may have there's had no, an interest. There's very though. few snake people who are self-made snake people only who are rich. Yeah. There's very well, few. Well, the chat told you one that is. Yeah, right? we're ignoring that. Okay. You want to rip out I'm, my ear? Sorry, that's now? the one. That's I'm not I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm not he has done it. That one in the chat. Oh, but and there's, Bob, there's not a million. I mean Bob Clark. Okay, but two? Two? 
Come on. Bob so, so you I mean, cannot compare snake people money to any other normal job. Also, yeah, Brandon said Jesse Kabelka drives a Porsche. I mean, yeah. And he he's definitely a baller <laughs> in certain things. I mean, but he's not obscenely wealthy. You know, he's not your you're looking for fucking. Well, because you're trying to you're trying to compare apples to oranges, and you just can't do that. Crutchfield, dude, you can compare <laughs> fruits. We all know you can compare fruits. All right. Okay, fucking... wait, hold on. We got to see Cody's here. message. Uh oh. Uh oh. We just... suck at this podcasting thing. Sorry, Siggy. It's just not. It doesn't even want to work. Period. Ask him to try to use Pia's. This is least... Pia's. Oh, what the fuck? You want to send it to her again? It just doesn't like them coming back on for some reason. Yeah, but I think, you know, and I always disagreed with the whole, like, there's no money in reptile. There is. It's just not what you're trying to say. It there is. is. It's just not going to be buying a ball python and breeding another one and breeding another one. I think there is in the currency of our industry. So what is, you know, they say during the gold rush, the people who got the wealthiest were the people who handed out the pickaxes, right? They're the people who sold the supplies for the people who are going for the gold rush. Therefore, look at, you know, ball pythons five years ago as a gold rush, right? Who really won in that? Who won? Freedom Breeder won? And all the rat people in the world won? And guess what? And look at some of the top breeders from 10 to 5 years ago, and most of them are out of it. But who's still here? Freedom Breeder, Reptile Basics, your supply companies, your rodent breeders. Those are industries that don't fluctuate as much with the market. When with ball pythons, it's 100% a pyramid scheme. With any morph of a reptile, it's 100% a pyramid scheme. You are paying $25,000 to be on the top of that pyramid scheme, and then you're selling it to someone, sorry, I cracked, who can afford the $10,000, and then they sell it to someone who can afford the $2,500, and then it goes down to someone who's never going to fucking make money on it, let's be honest. And you got to be cognizant that your money isn't necessarily going to be tied up in, or, I mean, you can... You can make a buy with a decent amount of money a year breeding reptiles. Don't get me wrong. You can make it. I mean, look at Vin Russo and stuff like that. But still, Ooh, most of Dan, them. Dan's doing pretty good for himself. Yeah, but he doesn't even really captive breed that much. But and where did he get his money? Dan Mallory? Mm-hmm. Well, I hate talking about people when they're not here, but... <laughs> Sorry, let me stop. <laughs> yeah. I think back in the day, we used to talk about people like they would never be on the podcast. And now it's like a... we've had a lot of those people on the podcast. Meaning like... Uh, so Justin at uh, the Herpeticulture podcast, they actually had uh, Dan from Dino Exotics on. So <gasps> What? Wow, aren't you jealous? So, like, it's possible. So you Now can... <laughs> I'm wishing we had been ballsy enough to ask. I know. We suck for not asking. And Corrales Radio had him on, too. We're just pieces of shit. No, really you're just wusses. But who had Marco Shea on? Huh? Hot <laughs> huh, nerd? Huh? Huh? Justin? Get it. Get okay. it. Yeah, no, stop. just stop. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I want, you know, we want all those people on. Because really what we're finding out, though, is that there's so many more, like, amazing people people than we realized 
Meaning that every time we think that we get to like a dead end as far mm-hmm. as who we have on the show, we explore like a different avenue of people, which I think is super beneficial to what we're trying to do as far as like, I don't know, man, you don't want to hear the same thing over and over again, but we're trying to get different people on. We want to still have that reptile community feel as far as the people who we have on are in the reptile community. They are reptile breeders, but we also want to have people who are outside of that so that we're not preaching to the choir all the time. You know, other people who respect animals or <sighs> other animals or whatever, you know, we want to have a lot of difference. So the universe just doesn't want them to get back on. They have the Google Hangouts app on their phone, and every time it just keeps saying, sorry, it's taking longer than expected to load your accounts, and just, like, won't let them get into the app for some reason, and even when they try on Cody's. Um, And, you know, maybe if they indulged in luxuries, they'd have a laptop to get on. (laughs) Wow, you piece of shit. (laughs) But but, wait, let me finish. But then their facility would not be the amazing facility it is. So I understand and respect them. Wait. Oh, Oh, we're back. We got to work. Wait, that's so that reaction was too much, I that's, think. Though. It's just awkward. But we were very surprised. The statement that just came out of my mouth. <laughs> hey, how did it work? I turned off my phone, restarted my phone, and then went back to the email. Wow. Take when in off. doubt, turn off the equipment. <laughs> well, we arranged that with our computer 20 minutes ago. So then it worked. You guys so. rearranged a little bit. We did. We're in in a different position, so now we can charge the phone. But wait, I don't want you to have to stand up and bend over. (laughs) Can we sit? Yeah. And the feedback isn't bad at all. No, no. Is it all right? Um, Yeah. yeah. Yay! We're back. We are back. It's okay. It was great. Joe and I went on a total. I, I don't even remember. We went on a I rant about Nido and being wealthy in this state community. <laughs> we went on a total, total sidetrack, but it was great. <laughs> well, I guess to carry on our conversation. Oh, okay. Where do you guys? So obviously, you guys are trying to pursue this as a full time venture, and we were talking about kind of this money and breeding snakes, whatnot. I mean, what are your guys' plans as a business as far as, like, going forward? What's your, like, dreams and hopes? Dreams and hopes. Um, I guess I'll try to keep it short and simple, which by now people know that's probably not that. <laughs> um, I mean, moving forward, I've done a, pretty much everything that I've wanted to do in herpetoculture. You know, I, I started doing this when I was just a little kid before I could even register what reptiles were. I remember that I always loved reptiles and my parents were always very cool about the, the whole thing. They weren't into them, but they, they never um, told me I couldn't work with them or have them. So every place that we ever, every house that we lived, uh, I always had a dedicated reptile room. So I had, you know, I was in, I had all kinds of different scorpions and tarantulas and uh, all kinds of lizards and snakes. I mean, like make the rounds, right? Like, and I was fortunate that uh, Exotic Pets Ken Foose was like right around the corner from us and was like an uncle growing up, you know, I'd always be in there bothering 
bathroom about stuff and you know eventually like I never went away you know so I, I, I kind of grew on those guys but uh, so I was fortunate to live in a like in Las Vegas that out of the like the two coolest reptile stores Randy's place at the snake shop and exotic pets um, I always had a lot of cool herb stuff I was doing um, I was in the Southern Nevada Herb Society like my whole life ever, like when I you know uh, uh, got connected with exotic pets and all that and went to all these meetings. you know my parents would always you know I'd drag them to these meetings and they'd sit through them and there'd always be a guest speaker you know how herb societies are and eventually um, I ended up being the vice president of the Southern Nevada Herb Society um, in Las Vegas before I moved out and, and moved to Florida and um, I always wanted to get in the zoo field and, and venomous and crocodilians are kind of uh, uh, my main interests uh, professionally and, and, uh, and always have been and of all, all species of reptiles really but my heart's really with venomous reptiles and crocodilians um, worked for the best facilities around and you know I got like I said I got into St. Augustine alligator farm in 2010 and unfortunately left in 2015 because if i if, fortunately and unfortunately um because I'd, I'd still be there right now right and i love those guys but we're still really close you know like the, the relationships are all there I, we could see them whatever we want to they're like family all the keepers there um everybody there we have a good relationship with but by when i resigned in arizona we moved back here pia <clears throat> excuse me Hold on a second. I'm going to, you guys hold that thought. I got to go get another beer because I'm parched. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm I'll take this off where we left off. How Pia is here, like, I don't know what I do. I know. I'm like, oh, God. Now you're going to ask me questions. What are your hopes and dreams? My hopes and dreams, um, I want to ride unicorns and drink beer. No. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I don't know. I like to help animals and that's what I like to do. So, whether it's in the zoo field, whether it's at home, whether it's wherever, I just want to help animals and help the, you know, people who take care of them. So, so it seems so you're like- you're already doing that. <laughs> no, so I'm living the dream as you speak. And it seems like you work with a lot of mammals and not necessarily cold-blooded animals too, right? Yeah, so I work, I mean, I work with a lot of mammals and birds and all sorts of things, so, so yeah. So you get wide variety on the spectrum of animals. Yeah. Nice. And I always joke that I like I get the best of both both worlds because at work I get to work with like rhinos and giraffes and like all sorts of like crazy mammals and then at home I get like black mambas and like cobras and like all the other stuff that you know most people don't get to play with at work. So, do you see a point where you won't be able to do Disney anymore? Maybe if I can't walk or something, I don't know. I, I, well, I don't know if your facility is, you know, as your home facility grows and everything, I don't know, you know, would it be a point that both of you need to be there at the time? I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe there's a point where that will happen, but not for the next like five or 10 years. I don't, I don't foresee that happening. So, and plus I like rhinos too much to like, cause, and we can't re keep rhinos at our house. So. <laughs> <laughs> And the thing is, when Pia and I met, like, why this works, because I've dated reptile people before, and it doesn't necessarily, like, like I mean, you guys are reptile people, I'm not going to say that, right? Like, you know, I don't, don't know your story or whatever, but I've dated people that were in reptiles, and I got into it, and it was almost a competition in the relationship on who's the cooler person, and I'm not 
in a competition. Like, that's not how it should be, you know? Like, I, I was told, oh, you know, everybody wants to talk to you and living in your shadow, you know, kind of stuff. And it's like, no, that's not what it's about. It's like, if you talk to people who listen, just because I already have, you know, friendships with people doesn't mean that, uh, you know, everybody just wants to talk to me. So, like, rep, like that didn't mix. When I met Pia, she was into reptiles, but she wasn't like a breeder and a keeper. She was on the veterinary side of things. So I came in from the husbandry, propagation, interested in all these species things, like working in this, like how we met. I was working in the zoo, doing all the zoo stuff. She's working with zoo animals, but on the healthcare side of things. So we're, there's never a competition between us. There's never an argument about reptiles. There's never... Like there's, it's, it's always when we work together on grabbing an animal for a procedure or whatever, we barely even say anything to each other because we're just dialed in on that kind of thing. And it works out really good. You know, um, he is more involved in the reptile stuff on, on like on, um, social media on a lot of these things than I am because I've kind of had it up with, I had enough of a lot of the reptile industry things. So I don't pay attention to it as much, but because he is doing so much with fish head diagnostics and nidovirus, she's got to be out to date on what's being said. And I'm, I'm just trying to stay focused on our, on our big term goal. Like I'm still on social media and doing this stuff, but I'm not as active on just regular debates because I just like right now at this point, I'd rather like focus on another um, demographic, not reptile people. Like, so when we established terrestrial and arboreal, it was like, it was a business. We've been a, a legitimate LLC since 2013, but it was like a breeding business. And I was working at the alligator farm while I was doing this. So it was like a hobby business. When we went to Phoenix Herp and then I resigned and came back here, Pia got the job at Disney and the alligator farm, although you know they say I'm welcome back anytime, um, we're full and, and they're not gonna fire somebody because I'm, I'm back, you know, kind of thing. So I was in a position to um, do this full time breeding and selling and, and uh, you know, we also we also do rodents as well, but we're not we're not on like forest level, we're not doing like international shipping and all that stuff. It's just local, we sell all to one person and that just helps us um, fund, you know, helps us feed our, you know, feeds our collection and then helps us fund the next stage of things. You know, we're not trying to be rodent producers. It's just a, uh, it's just an extra income generator. Um, and uh, so, so like I said, I, I've done a lot, like since I was a kid up to getting into the zoo field, working at the farm, being taught crocodilians by the best people, some of the best, the actually not some of the best, the best crocodilian people on earth, Kent Fleet, Matt Shirley, Jim Darlington, John Brugan, um, uh, Kevin Turgosa, if I didn't say that, because he was at the farm, but he's at the Bronx, and we're still close. All these guys, Jen Anderson is a general curator there. Uh, she was bird mammal curator and then moved into general curator, but also obviously been at the farm for a long time, so, so reptile savvy. All these people molded me and developed me. And so I remember getting in John Brigham's office, just asking him questions about business and things like that, trying to move up the ladder. And uh, I mean, these people were like family. So it was really tough to leave there. Um, but it was kind of a blessing in the disguise going somewhere else and then coming back because Pia was able to find Disney and make more money, do more stuff, do work that matters. And, um, and now I'm doing my own thing. And, um, that's why we're moving out of this place because Pia can't commute two hours and 30 minutes every time she's going to work, you know, and we have all of our permits in Florida to do 
what we want to do wherever. So like we, we moved here initially because she was working at University of Florida and I was working at St. Augustine. So this was like the middle ground for us to both be able to do our, our dream jobs. Then we, it was a big decision to move to Arizona, obviously. And then um, we did it and uh, knowing, knowing that uh, things could not work out and that's why we did not sell our property. We, we rented it out. So when things didn't work out, we moved right back into this location. So that's where we are now. Moving forward, he is really happy at Disney. And even though we're building this together, I know like I like her doing what she's doing because she can, she's got these skills, veterinary skills that, um, that you can't just have be managing this collection. You know, she goes to all these conferences and all this continued education to know what she knows. So when something goes wrong in our collection, we know all the top veterinarians are friends. Um, Susan Fogelson, who is business partner in this, is who does our necropsies, the best necropsies you'll ever have, like pictured reports of to, to, for the layman to understand what's going on. Um, you know, we... Uh, like she needs to do that. Like the rat, like she could manage this business together with us on her time off. But you know, she, like she said, the best of both worlds, like we're not keeping rhinos and we're not like, we, we would never have the budget at Disney. Like reptiles are this gig and she could do a professional gig and we could all live in, in harmony. We're going to move closer to Orlando, like let's say moving forward. So terrestrial and arboreal was the breeder side of this, like pythons, uh, you know, uh, chondros and carpets and the venom and stuff. We went with terrestrial and arboreal because we didn't want to put our names in the thing. We also didn't want reptiles in it. And we, we like just as because everybody had their name or reptiles or this or that. And we, we didn't want to be limited. So terrestrial and arboreal was pretty broad ranging. So like we weren't limited to what we were, you know, what we specialized in because our specialty is whatever we happen to be interested in at the time. So we didn't want to be like, at first, we were doing a lot of pythons, and we wanted to do maybe something with pythons in the name, but like, no, but we do all this other stuff. So moving forward from breeding, um, a, being, working in zoos, being a curator, and doing all of this other stuff um, it has kind of groomed me for running my own real facility, uh, open to the public, being able to be around education curators and directors and, and all these zoo people and holes, um, you know, there's a different mentality when like being a professional institution like that, you know, it's, it's, it's not just the same thing as, as breeding and whatnot. And you could still breed and surplus animals, but it's a little bit of a different thing. And like, if I had not worked in a zoo, like, and I think that's where, where PHS had the shortcoming and that, and that's why they hired me is because they were private individuals that built up this facility, got all these amazing animals and permits, and they needed somebody in there that had professional institution experience to, to bring the facility forward. It didn't work out, but that's the way it was going. And I would not have been able to go into that job and do as well as I did if it wasn't for me being at the alligator farm and being around such amazing leaders and mentors that developed me to be, you know, I was, yeah, like, I mean, like I said, I talk to these people all the time, they're like family, but um, now after doing that, I can't think of like thinking about working in a zoo 
it doesn't do it for me because as much as I love it, the work is hard. And unfortunately, the zoo field doesn't pay a whole lot of money, you know, requires right. degrees on all kinds of different levels. I don't have a degree, but uh, just experience and drive, uh, you know, and work ethic will go a long way. And then and being likable, too. You know, you got to, like, not be a dick half the time. But sometimes I'm a dick, but like, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a funny way, but like. Um, you know, that'll get you so much. Like if I was in a hiring position, we have all these crazy venomous species that, that take real skill and um, maturity, to, maturity to handle. Like you, like we you got to be on, on, your, on your A game. And I don't necessarily need somebody that's like has reptile experience. I could teach anybody what, what they need to know. Um, but are you open? Are you teachable? Are you humble? Um, are you motivated? Like, like all these things matter to me more than what's your reptile experience? Because that doesn't really matter. Cause like you'll eventually get it, you know, cause working in a zoo is not the same as work, you know, doing your own reptile collection. It's really not, you got to do like all the zoo people. They always go, I got in the zoo field because I don't, you know, I'm not a people person. Well, if you're in the zoo field, you better be a people person because you got to talk to people all the time and you got to convince people why they should go from killing snakes to, to preserving them. And, um, you know, so you better be a people person. Like I always bitch about people, you know, on my, my profile picture on, on uh, Facebook is save the earth. Don't give birth with the baby crossed out and all these animals around it. I stand by that a hundred percent. We're real conservationists. We don't need more people. We need to, we need to get people to stop doing shitty things. Animals don't need to be conserved. People need to stop breeding, putting Walmarts on, on, on places and, and developing and the animals will do just fine. We don't need to save the species. We need to stop being fucking assholes and doing something other than just like, you know, drinking Starbucks, eating McDonald's and, and, and just like watching the, the Kardashians, like, yeah. you know, it's, uh, <laughs> well, no, the, the biggest problem is fragmented, you know, habitat. It's not the fact that there's, there's obviously too many people and too much development going on. But I mean, if you think about it, it's like, what is there like 6% of the fucking long, Longleaf pine forest left throughout the whole east coast of the United States, where a lot of our keystone species live. There's so many things that are so fucked because we can't stop procreating. We can't stop wanting what we want. We we want our first world lifestyle in many different ways, and us included. We're in a fucking three bedroom house right now with fucking heat in it. We wouldn't need three bedrooms if, if someone didn't, didn't breed snakes. Just, <laughs> just saying. But I mean, no, yeah. No, I don't, and you know, and, and, I, and I agree. And like, with all, so for to keep venomous reptiles or crocodilians in Florida, for venomous reptiles, you have to now have a thousand hours of experience per family group. So by Paraday, uh, can you hear me? What's going on there? She was telling me to stop drinking. That's what she was doing. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I think you should. We, we killed a six pack already. I'm just saying. Oh, uh, he I killed can... a six pack on his own. <laughs> he's, that's about awesome. he's about to open seven on his own. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Cheers. 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 Or anything. I'm trying to slow him down. <laughs> Cheers to that. No, um, He's drinking Yingling, so that's like really like three and a half beers. What, yeah, this is good ones, right? Uh, black and tan, so it. Oh, black and tan? Beer. Hey, Yingling is the world, you know, the nation's oldest brewery, and that's it is acceptable. Neat. It's exactly. acceptable. 
This one tastes like butt, but what better. What percentage it's is great. it? I don't uh, know what the percentage. It's like five percent. It's like a normal beer. Okay. Oh, we're drinking. Um, we're drinking another brew. This is Bold City Brewery. This it's is Mad Manatee. Mad Manatee. This is, is another, another IPA. Yep. Oh, I can't do IPA. But usually IPAs are pretty high on the ABV as far as like alcohol. Yeah. Oh, They're yeah. like 7%. Yeah. Okay, yeah. while I have everyone in a pause from their soapboxes, <laughs> I got to say some things. Yeah. Excuse me. Your friend Robert calls bullshit on the name. On what name? On y'all's name. He says the reason you chose it is because you like tea. T and A. He likes so, T and A too. Tits and ass. He's he a that, ass. That's the main reason why you chose it. Not because well, of that terrestrial and arboreal was broad, <laughs> but because Robert Reeves. Oh yeah. Um T and A definitely sex sells. So, so. <laughs> tell the story of how like cause so I was at a conference in Texas when we were trying to figure out a name and we were going through the list of like I don't know. It was like oh, so it was I like looked, newspaper chondros. No, newspaper pythons because going back to vivariums and all that stuff and keeping things on paper, we of course had pythons on paper. So I'm thinking of all these like ghetto names like newspaper pythons and then <laughs> I was I was I was living in a trailer in St. Augustine, yeah. you know, paying six hundred bucks a month, ten minutes away from the beach, awesome. Like before we, we were keeping venomous here in Florida, uh, we had chondros and again all the bedrooms were chondros and and I didn't have a bed. I lived on an air mattress because I was like, if I could afford $1,000 for a bed, I could buy another designer chondro. So I've always pretty much lived like shit to be able to grow this business. And, uh, you know, like Dave Ramsey says, live like no one else so you can one day live like no one else. You know, like, I don't know if anybody else has a, a house full of venomous reptiles and lives in their bedroom to, to grow something bigger. But if they are, you know, more power to them. Hats off to them because it's, it's not an easy way of living. It's really not. And um, you have to want it. You know, people always say, they always say, like, uh, how do you make it in the reptile business or get into the zoo field? And the answer is real simple. You just have to want it. And you like you have to want it more than anything. And you just got to do it. You know, you just like I don't have a degree. So I didn't have the luxury of just putting down like I've got a bio, you know, a bachelor's in some zoological sciences or something. I had to work harder than like people that go to college also have to do work, but they have to just memorize what's in a book and jot it down on paper. And like society makes everybody think like if you don't go to, to, to college and you don't get a good education, you will not be successful in life. And that's total bullshit. Especially in reptiles, you can learn no matter what. You can read books on your own. The fact is that school, you're going to have to go through so many prerequisites. You're not even going to know shit about snakes until you're six years in. Well, yeah, and, and 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 even when they when they finally get to that, they're just going to give you the basics. They're not giving you, you know, like like a book's not going to teach you how to keep a twelve foot angry black mamba on a snake on a snake hook without killing you or somebody else in the room. You know, so you got some sometimes you just got to learn that stuff on your own, and hopefully it goes okay. You know, and when I when I got like I learned dry with venomous stuff. You know, I didn't have a mentor uh, when I. When I grew up, I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, where, you know, hookers and gambling and drinking are totally legal. But if you have a passion for venomous reptiles and you want to keep exotics, well, they're, they're illegal in that state. 
well, I lived in a state where I could find some of the coolest, the Southwestern rattlesnakes and other cool stuff that um, I could, like, as a, as a young kid, use as currency to people in other places that could have the exotics legally. And, uh, and I did a lot of trading. I had a beautiful venomous collection uh, that was 100% illegal in Las Vegas. And just growing up, loving reptiles, loving these things, doing the right things, being like I started... Um, with native venomous i didn't start with exotics it started like i got my first uh rattlesnake when i was 11 years old it was a panamint speckled rattlesnake we were road cruising it was with my stepdad mark my stepbrother and a friend and i was bugging ken foos forever about venomous reptiles and him as a responsible adult uh was like don't do venomous don't be an idiot don't you know like everything that i would tell somebody too actually i wouldn't say that because I wasn't qualified to, to have these animals, but I had to learn somehow. But I wasn't like I respected them. I, I was like I don't think that every 11 year old should have a rattlesnake because um, I mean it, it could kill them, right? It's like a life-threatening animal, um, and if, if you get bit. But if somebody, you know, everybody's different, and a lot of the, the badass herpers like Dean Reaper and all these guys, you know, keeping venomous snakes under their bed, parents don't know. Like you're gonna find a way to do it if you want to do it. And those are the people that will make it to the top. They're going to find a way to do it. And um, and they love doing it the whole time. When I saw my first Panamint speckled rattlesnake, they're just called Panamint rattlesnakes. Now, they used to be Cretalis Micheli Stevensi. Now, they're just Cretalis Stevensi. I found it, like, when we were, we were road cruising, Ken finally, after, like, bothering him, you know, he's like, if you go road cruising after dark, you could find these things crossing the road. I'm like, no way. You can just drive and find snakes <laughs> on the road. That's awesome. So... We're driving, and we the first snake we see is a really big Great Basin gopher that just got hit by our uh, Great Basin gopher snake, you know, uh, that just got hit by a car. And it was a bummer, but it was the first time I saw a snake on the road where I was like, no shit, this is real. Like, this, you can find a snake. And we're driving, and my, my stepdad, like, starts slowing down. He goes, I think I just saw a snake. I went over it, but it could have been a branch. So we just, like, stopped the, the truck and got out because we didn't back up and i had a, like a million watt candle spotlight and we're walking up and we see this silhouette of you know a sticky looking snake thing and i hit it with the spotlight and there it was like a like a like a juvenile maybe a, a yearling or so panamint speckled rattlesnake and it was the it was amazing it was blue, it was like this powder blue we we collected it. It was legal at the time. Like native venomous were okay. You just know exotics, and there was a bag limit of how many you could have of the natives. But I think it was like two per species. Um, so we were legal, right? Then as a, as a kid, but probably not my age. I don't think eleven year olds. Like that's probably not the thing. But you know, my parents were basically like, because I already had a bunch of snakes, and I've been doing this for years in reptile rooms, and I've always been interested. Like before I. Like, I was just always interested in venomous. And it was, to me, it was like the difference between freshwater fish and saltwater fish. You know, it's like you could go and look at some amazing freshwater fish. But when you go to an aquarium and you see some of those reef tanks and shark tanks, there's no comparison on, on, on the awe that you experience. And that's how venomous were for me. It was never like, a, oh, they're badass because they could kill you. There was something about them that they just carried themselves differently than another, you know, a non-venomous snake. So I was always interested in, and, and uh, so I got that, that speckled rattlesnake was our first, my first rattlesnake, first venomous I ever had. And at first we couldn't even identify it because it was such a stellar specimen. 
we had the North American field guide to reptiles and amphibians with the little the little green field guide. And the picture in the book of the snake that we caught looked like a banded rock rattlesnake from Arizona, mm. right? And the range map says, you know, southeastern Arizona and New Mexico, Texas, all that stuff. And I'm like, but this is the snake and we are not near those places. Like, so right. what is this? Because the picture of the, this, the, the uh, um, panamint rattlesnake in the in that book sucked it wasn't a good specimen like ours was rad and this one was not as good as that picture so we're like looking at it and we're like i guess that could be it because it looked so clean it looked like a banded rock and i'm like 11 years old so i'm still like i you know there's no internet there's no forums where people could yell at you and tell you that you're stupid for doing this <laughs> stuff and like discourage you so so like i learned like i learned like Every day I try to remember that feeling when I found that snake because it was before I knew professional herpetologists other than Ken. And um, and and there was like a, a, like a group of catty people that talked shit about everybody and, and like all of this stuff. Like when reptiles were just cool because they were reptiles and venomous just really did it for me. And, uh, and I knew that I wanted to work with these animals forever. Like before I knew I needed to like make a living to pay the bills um and i just never lost sight of that i never went to college for it but i put myself in the positions because i love knowledge and i love to learn but like like college curriculums high school curriculums they're boring they don't make sense like i'm not into that my head's elsewhere i'm thinking about something else and you're not catering to my needs like i think i i think i would have been a lot better off in life if i would have dropped out of high school at 16 moved to texas and started doing other stuff but everything happened for reason anyway with the vet, with the native venomous, that led me to the path of the dark side because now that you have a taste of that shit, you want like so. I had all the native stuff. I had all the native stuff for a couple of years. Now I got this stuff when I was 11 years old, right? So we go herping, we find sideliners, we find speckled rattlesnakes, and all of this stuff, and um, you love them. But then you would be like, you'd see other stuff, and you're like, man, I would. I got bored of rattlesnakes. I was tired tired of hearing them rattle. I was like, man, what I'd kill for a copper a copperhead. Now, 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 now in comparison, like a, a, a speckled rattlesnake and a copperhead, anybody in the venomous are going to be like, dude, why the hell is a copperhead? Because like the speckled rattlesnake is amazing. But like when you grow up around them, I'm thinking, dude, copperheads are so rad. Pygmy rattlesnakes are so rad. So in Vegas, those are see, even though they were native to the U.S., they were exotic. To, to Nevada because they're not found in Nevada. So, but my first, my first illegal animal that led me down to the dark side, <laughs> at least venomous reptile. Uh, I call it. We're going there. I call it. Well, statues of limitations now, are up. What's that? Statues of limitations are definitely up by now. So I think you're good. Oh yeah, so like I mean, because wow. because if people if people Google my name, they're gonna see it because there's a federal indictment on the Lacey Act on my name on Google. If you Google my name, you'll see that. And there's a there, there's a cool article on there that makes me sound like a villain. You know, I made the second page of the Review Journal before I turned 21. You know, like I'd never been in trouble a day in my life, never did anything wrong. You know, and uh, got convicted of three counts of the federal Lacey Act because. Because um, 
of the um, interstate transport of prohibited wildlife, which were the exotic venomous. And unfortunately for me, I keep pretty good records. So I had like all the records of getting these animals and all this stuff. So it's pretty easy to prove that like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to. And, um, you know, my first my first illegal venomous snake was um, a pair of white lip vipers, which are Asian species. They're green. And, you know, like uh, for most people that keep venomous that have arboreals, they're they're not the highest end animal you can they're like a training wheel type animal i mean they're seen as not as dangerous as most of the other vipers from my understanding yeah they're like like and i I hate to say that because they're all fucking dangerous let's be right right like the the most dangerous one is the one that just bites you and all and all that stuff but like um nick no doubt you know necrosis finger loss possible death but as far as like you know, like it, as long as you don't let them bite you, they're not a, a difficult animal to handle. And they're not necessarily a diff- difficult captive if they come in a good condition, captive born, what have you. Um, but I initially was going to get a tiger killback snake. And this was some guy in, in Washington when like maybe venomous reptiles were legal back then. I don't know. This is a long time ago, right? I'm, 11, I'm 32 now. This is 11 years old. But well, like when I'm getting illegal stuff, it was like 14, right? Because after a couple of years of having all these native rattlesnakes, I'm, I'm bored and looking for the next fix, right? What is it going to be? And I'm on kingsnake.com and somebody has a tiger killback snake and that's the rhabdophis genus. And they were prohibited in Nevada. They were a um, illegal, you know, exotic because they like known. Just because they're rare thing or is there any, is there any, what's the idea there? Why they're illegal? Um, so there, the, so in the rhabdophis, the keelback group, there are, are both venomous and non-venomous um, species where there's rare fanged ones and then some that are, are te- like considered to be non-venomous. Now, like with Brian Fry's work, a lot of this stuff is proven to be venomous. And has he, I think he believes that almost every snake species is venomous in some form or fashion, kind of like spiders. But. Yeah, former fashion, you know, he's doing all the, the work and, 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 and actually, you know, in the in the lab proven out that technically they are, but the way that they deliver it or the amount and the and all of that stuff varies. So like, you know, all of that stuff. But so Rhabdophis, like they can be a very dangerous snake or a completely harmless snake. Well the tiger keelback snakes don't get like all you herpers out there that might know better than me right now after a few beers, don't don't crucify me for this. I want to say the tiger keelback is the one that's now considered both venomous and poisonous because they're eating the, the toads and they have that ridge on their back that holds the toxin. You know, if something bites into them, they're going to get, you know, some some poison. And if they bite something, then they can envenomate. Um, but so that was going to be my first exotic venomous. So Nevada prohibited them. The guy was going to send them, and I because they look like a garter snake, right? You know, like, and plus, that's a, that'd probably be a decent starter species for any normal human being getting into venomous, I would suppose. I think you know, after you've kept rattlesnakes and stuff for a little bit, I think like having a garter snake, you know, going back, like, because that's what it is, it's like a lethal garter snake that's a little that's prettier, you know, depending <laughs> on your point of view. And, um, but at this time, like, they, they look like a pain in the ass to take care of, and that that proved true in this instance because the thing died before shipment, and the guy messaged me and said, or he called me because there was no messaging at the time. And I'm like a kid, but everybody told me I had a real deep voice as a kid. So maybe people thought I was older than I was because like no sane person would ever sell like a 14 year old venomous snake. So, but I talked the talk, right? And on the phone, like, and, and, and fortunately these guys, like it's crazy because they would send me illegal animals and um, 
And I respected him for that because I really wanted him. I won't do it because now because I'm in a, like, we've got all our permits. I have a lot to lose now. I learned my lesson, and, 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 and we'll get to that. Like, paid my fines, did the time, did all of that stuff. What had to, to, too many beers? Uh, just just peeing. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good idea. You could talk to Peter for a second. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like trying to answer everyone in the chat and also listen and everything. This and everything is... else. Tell yeah. us about all the wine you have. Yes, which I am three-fourths of the way through. So that's oh, good. Okay. No, okay, I can ask you all the questions that people have been asking that I won't ever be able to ask Cody because he's never going to take a breath. Yeah, um, he, he talks a lot, and that's why we love him. <laughs> so, like, literally, like, over an hour ago, our friend Carly asked, what is your long-term plan with the animals that are NIDO or that were tested for NIDO positive? Are you going to keep them in quarantine forever? Like, what's your plan with those? Yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're planning to keep them in quarantine hard, forever. Um, so anything in our collection that tests positive stays in the NIDO shed. So even if they test pos or test negative after they are positive, they're going to stay out there. So I think our our kind of brand plan is for all the positive animals is to stay in there and just basically monitor and breed them and just kind of keep them as happy and healthy as we can. Um, we currently have, I think there is, what, uh, six, six or seven green tree pythons and a pair of uh, carpet pythons and a pair of olives in there that we're just going to keep in there as long as we as we can and just keep them as happy so, and healthy. I want to also note that the olive pythons are negative. Yeah. They were negative from the beginning. They have been negative. But, but they were in the rack uh, system where things were dropping like flies, so we didn't want to take any chances and we put them in there. And we've been testing them the whole time during this whole outbreak and all this stuff. And still after two years, even being in that building with all those positive animals, they still are negative. Yeah. So pretty interesting there. And I mean, all the pythons are pretty bulletproof, but like- Have you seen any liasis with nidovirus at all? Um, us personally, so we I have- No, I don't think we've seen any liasis that are positive. But the thing is, so there might be different strains of the virus we're not picking up on the PCR, or there's different strains of the virus we're just not picking up. But I mean, as like from what we've tested, we have not seen anything through our, our olive pythons. And we also have um, a pair of black-headed pythons and a pair of Sabu pythons. Yeah. Now they were never um, exposed to this group from the beginning. We got them from a veterinarian friend of Pia's, mm -hmm. um, but we tested them just the same and they're negative. I mean, they've never been exposed to the positive group, but uh, the olive pythons um, have been from the beginning. Yeah, they've, they've been in the NIDO building for two years and still have tested negative. So, so. like, uh, they're like, I like them. Like, I've always liked them. They look like a non-venomous black mamba sometimes, you know, like they just kind of got that look and they're just tough. And uh, if, if people are looking for a real hardy snake that just kicks ass and, and thrives and, you know, not saying that they can't get it, because um, um, I think they might. There, there might be some in, I mean, in sure, Australia because sure Australia's got it. We've got a couple of veterinary friends, um, Joshua Linnaeus, and um, uh, no, don't say it, the, uh, uh, Shane Simpson. I because I because he's watching, and we're like we're like you know we're all kind of like they're awesome. I met them at one of the uh, veterinary conferences last year in Texas, and uh, just went to another one in Atlanta, 
almost just to see these guys because uh, the, uh, Shane Simpson does the pro props. So if you've seen the acrylic things that pop open mouths to be able to, um, you know, force feed or do whatever. I think he's, what is it, the exotic dock or the, the reptile dock? Reptile dock on Instagram or something like that. But he's the cool guy. He's doing cool stuff. But when I was talking to those guys at the last conference and I was talking to Joshua because we were talking about venomous stuff because we tested our venomous for nidovirus and none of our venomous have come up with nidovirus. Not saying that it's not possible. Like we tested all our tree vipers and similar snakes to chondros or carpet pythons as, as far as like physiology goes, I guess. Like, am I using that word right? Okay. Like, um, <laughs> Just make sure I don't sound like a total idiot, you know what I'm talking. But like, you know, a, like a, a palm viper and a chondro, pretty close. You know, they're venomous, but they have similar body types. They're semi-arboreal to arboreal and, and all this other stuff. So we were like, well, let's test those guys first. And, and, and nobody came up positive. And when I was talking to Joshua and Shane at the conference, I said, because they, they have vet clinics in uh, Australia and they do see venomous species. And uh, they were saying that they didn't see it in venomous, at least at the time that I, I talked to them, yeah. which was reassuring because most of our collection is venomous and we lost most of our relay collection to nidovirus. So that, that's another lesson in, uh, you know, diversify. Don't put all your funds into one into one thing, you know. Um, and uh, but the uh, but I think he said that he's seen it in all of pythons, blackheads and all that other stuff. But I mean, that's mostly what's in their collections there. So um, going back to let's let's figure out who we need to blame for nidovirus. Well, if Australia's got it and Europe's got it and America's got it. Let's just figure out how to nature. make things better. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, nature. For this nido virus you fuck yeah like like if anything we could just blame nature and um and what we should do is just put walmarts on all of it because, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> no i'm just i'm just kidding but uh but no seriously like nobody's to blame it's there let's stop like blaming and being stupid and like let's just like proactively come up with something better to not be pieces of shit to our animals and 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 our customers and other people and give people good stuff and you know when we send anything out like I don't send anything out that I wouldn't be stoked to get here myself like when I pack a box it's a serious thing like I I like there's a presentation there because like I remember when I would get new stuff and I'd be so excited to see like it was like a Christmas present like so I want to make sure people are getting good stuff and the quality of the animals I don't want somebody to open something like i would never send a state a snake with stuck shed like what the hell are people thinking right. like if the thing has stuck shed soak it and pull it off before you put it in the bag how lazy are you like mites like really it's not acceptable to send mites like in a weird scenario where you got like a rattlesnake or something that's got keeled scales and they're a dark colored snake and you might not be able to see it accidents happen but it's like if you got like uh you know there's some stuff that is just like it's not gonna fly like you're gonna see it and like inspect your animal before it goes out when we send animals out not only are we doing the night of virus testing and stuff for the, the animals that that applies to but i'll soak them right before i ship them to hide to make sure they're hydrated before the the, the trip but also because hey mites happen we've had mites you know like you don't know what it's gonna happen have, yeah you know, soak them to see, like, cause you'll know, you'll see them floating in there. Like give them a, a, like a little soak before they go out. You're gonna let them drink, but you're also gonna find out early before somebody else does and then slanders you all over Facebook for being a piece of shit and sending an animal with mites. Like, just like, it's like- take the extra step to figure it out before then. Yeah. 
yeah. to be cautious. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest about it too, like we had a carpet python that had some weird lesion in its mouth. Yep. That like we we did a biopsy and it had some some it was it was like a weird cancer. It was like a, a weird cancer that, that we found in the mouth and like had you not like opened his mouth and looked at it before you sent it out, like nobody and, would and, know. and we told the customer what was up and yeah. and then we said like we could either refund your because he was buying a bunch of snakes. We could refund your money for this one or um, we had other stuff available that yeah. was more money and and you could pay the difference which which they did and they were and we sent them the um the readout of everything that came back from the tests that we did so they knew that we weren't just full of shit like here here's we did the test and um and people appreciate the honesty like i know if somebody called me up and told me that snake wasn't doing well before like they sent it out I would like I wouldn't be mad because if they're like I'll give you your money back or something else that you want and usually when they give you something else it's something better than what you wanted. Right, because you know they feel bad, so they're gonna give you something better usually. Yeah. Well, and that just happened to me with a pair of rhino vipers. I had a pair of rhino vipers that were babies that were doing well for us, and and uh, and the person bought them, and then they 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 were kind of doing crummy and they weren't doing good and they they uh, you know they were. They were imports. I didn't get them as imports, but somebody brought them in and didn't want to deal with them. Uh, so I, I got them at their cost. And uh, so I was like, all right, establish them. They were all eating and doing fine. And this this is the last pair that we had and they started doing crummy. And I could have sent them, right? Like people would send them, I could have sent them. And then when they were wheezing outside of the box or whatever, go, oh, they were fine when they left here and say the same old shit everybody right. else says. And nope, but I, I messaged them and I said, they're not doing well. I shot them a video of me uh, hooking the animal out of the enclosure so it would move and breathe so they could see that it wasn't doing right. And I gave them the option. I said, I will either refund your money or I've got a pair of rhinos that are sub-adults and there are reserved stock. These weren't for sale. These were our animals, but they were worth more money because they were bigger and ready to breed. And I said, I could either give you your money back for these because he was buying other stuff too. Or you can take these rhinos because you want them. You want rhinos, but they're going to be more money. And of course, he, he chooses the rhinos that are reserved stock. But you know what? We got a happy customer on a lot of different levels. We got somebody that is happy because you were honest. You didn't send him crummy animals and he had a bad experience. And then you sent him your better animals. So like now, now we don't have any rhinos in the collection and somebody else does. But that's a part of it. Sometimes you got to let somebody have something cool that you didn't want to let go. And it makes their day. Don't we know? <laughs> and it's not right. that exact same situation, but we're in that right now. We got um, recently. Joe took his dad's ball python collection, and we sold one of the snakes. Turns out it was pregnant, um, had babies, and we told the guy like, "Okay, you bought the snake that's pregnant. We didn't know, so obviously you get first choice." Yeah, grab it. Good we, job. We buddy. were like. <laughs> Excuse Sorry. Me. Sorry, you, you, may, you may have had one too many. I just had to, you know, I couldn't let that continue because I gave my buddy Forrest such a such a hard time because he he posted on on uh, Facebook of something about a a pregnant abronia because they give birth to live young, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's gravid, and we talked to some veterinary friends because still gravid, I believe. Sorry, gravid. Yeah. 
Yeah, so unfortunately to some people, we have the advantage of friends with some of the best veterinarians. And we were talking to our buddy, Dr. Richard Funk from Arizona. And he goes, well, the only say, the only reptile that I guess technically could be pregnant is, I guess, a species of skink that has a placenta because you have to have a placenta to be hmm. like, eh, and, and I might be butchering this because I, you know, I'm not fully up to, you know, whatever, but you know, so so and reptiles, live bearing reptiles, other than this skink, are technically gravid. So I made this big deal about, um, uh, uh, you know, I was texted Forrest, and I'm like, because he posted on Facebook that I was pre- pregnant, and I said something real condescending in a private message saying like it's 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 gravid, and I'm like, what are you autistic? And and it's a joke. It was like an inside joke amongst all of us friends, you know, not making fun of people who are actually autistic. It's just like a phrase, right? You know, like, don't take it so personally. And so I said that to him in a private message. And he goes, I'm going to I'm gonna post that on Facebook, just messing around with me. So he takes a screenshot and he puts it on, on, on Facebook and uh, asks it like a bronia guy, like that does all this stuff. Like, hey, I'm just, you know, like, like try, being humble about it and whatever. And like, Cody's saying this and whatever. And then like, this guy was like, unfortunately, I think Cody's right in this regards because I was being real arrogant and stupid because like we were just, because he should have posted in the beginning because it was a screenshot. And like all these people like lost their minds that I said autistic and like, like I was a terrible person. And Forrest was getting calls from like moms and stuff. About, like, oh, God. Like, and, 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 and like, like, I don't know if they were like, hey, it's okay. Like, it, we understand what you're going through. Like, they actually thought he was, you know? No, they're like, Cody's a monster. We gotta <laughs> yeah, get- no, like, yeah, like, He's I'm a monster. monster. So, so eventually, Forrest, <laughs> Forrest, Forrest pulled the, the thread because um, because too many people were getting all, like, I was, and, and like, I love, like, sometimes it's really fun to upset social media land because no matter what, you can't win, you know? So sometimes you just gotta have fun with it. So like, as people were getting more offended, I was getting meaner because it was really, really funny. And then eventually we pulled it and it was like a big joke, but uh, yeah, a lot of inside jokes. People are real sensitive. You gotta just- Well, I'm sensitive right now. Um, I know veterinarians know a lot more than me, but the definition of pregnant is a woman or female animal having a child or young developing in the uterus. Do snakes have a uterus? So that's the definition of pregnant. Go on, Pia. Well, it depends on the species. So some of them don't have uteruses and some do. So So, so some can be pregnant. True. So, so there's somebody out there that knows more than all of yeah. us that's really getting mad at whatever we're talking about. I'm not, I'm not no, saying I, I definitely, no, someone knows more than there's, me. There's but by Googling of the definition. Most snakes don't have uteruses. They have like the oviducts and all the other right. like stuff. And, yeah, so they're not technically pregnant. They're brown. Unless they have a Unless they have a uterus. Yeah, but I think I... I would say the majority of snakes, as far as I know, don't have uteruses. I'm going to go check my snakes for uteruses right now. <laughs> no, but the thing was with the Dr. Funk and everything, like, when, the way that it was going is, like, I was questioning myself because I was so confident that it was gravid. I'm like, oh, maybe maybe I'm wrong. So, like, 
I had the veterinarian in my yeah. corner, which was helpful. So it was like phone a friend that knows like actually more than you do about that part of it. So then, you know, you find the answer. And then, of course, you arrogantly regurgitate it to your friend that you're like, it's gravid. I was right the whole time. But yeah. I, I could have just <laughs> it. Like, I, I was wrong and right at the same time because there is a lizard that does that is that does get pregnant. And then there are not. So, yeah. you know. Uh, we don't know everything. I mean, there's so much to learn. And that's what's cool about the reptile stuff is like when you get bored of something else you're doing, there's always something else to learn. And as long as you are willing to learn, it, it's really fun. But um, so like going back to prank, like, so we're, like we're going off on all these tangents and we're drinking and stuff going back to the illegal, <laughs> the illegal stuff. I want to I want to like put that to rest really quick so people just don't like you know, whatever. I grew up in Las Vegas, had these things, got those tiger, like the tiger killback snakes where uh, they died before they sh they shipped because I think, you know, like that's probably what they did then and do now unless somebody's really dialed in with those guys. Um, and the guy was like, I've got a pair of white lip vipers that I could send you. And I was like, I mean, he was going to send them UPS, you know, overnight, just like you would do a non-venomous reptile or whatever, like FedEx or whatever. And, um, you know, put the venomous labels inside the box and labeled it on the outside, just like, like, like nothing or what I just tried. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and so, I remember it was so it was so crazy because like I didn't even know what a white lip viper was then, right? Like all I knew was it was it didn't have a rattle and I was stoked. Like so I'm looking it up and like this is like now the internet is becoming a thing and you can like look up some stuff and I look at this picture of a white lip viper and like I said, like we were talking earlier, like as far as the tree vipers go, they're not as expensive as some, they're low end, they're pretty common. They, I think they attribute to some of the, like the, the most snake bites in Asia, like not like we're not talking Russell's vipers and soft scales and all of this, uh, like, or not soft scales, but like all this other stuff, but they're very prolific. They're found in like a lot of these plantations where workers are getting bit, like not the most fatalities, but the most venomous bites now, like, I'll cite my sources like I last time I, I checked that that was the thing like they they bite a shit ton of people but you know you could lose a finger and you could like whatever but you know low likelihood of death but still a, a, a viper bite and, and nothing to sneeze at right um but like when I saw like I didn't know what they looked like at first I hear white lip viper you think a lot of things and I have like I'm used to native rattlesnakes that are like you know earth colors you know they're not they're not fluorescent green so we get like this, the shipment comes and I'm nervous, right? Because I don't know what to expect. This is the first time I ever did this. Like I'm a kid, right? <laughs> Coordinate, coordinating this stuff. And we, uh, I think it, it was a day, like it was a Tuesday where it was a long weekend at school or whatever. So I was off and the UPS guy comes and a friend of mine was staying with me like that knew that you know like was into the reptiles with me and, and all that stuff and like as a kid I'm a responsible venomous cute I'm not doing stupid stuff I'm not free handling them I'm not doing as that. responsible as a kid who's getting in a white lip <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Friend, yeah right right I'm like I'm pretty I was I'm pretty much I was the same person then but like you know like smaller right and, <laughs> uh, but like uh the ups driver hands us the the box and he goes you boys are in a lot of trouble and i i was like oh fuck we're done <laughs> we're done because i'm like because i know like i'm like i'm so nervous right and i didn't say anything yet and uh he goes aren't you boys supposed to be in school 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, we had an off day, whatever, you know. I got the box, ran inside, like, oh, my God, and uh, opened it up. And there were deli cuffs inside a pillowcase. So they're double bagged. They're really professionally packaged other than they were sent totally illegally, right? But, like, nobody would have been able to get hurt by them unless you opened it up and took a bite. And through, through the bag, to this day, I have not seen brighter white love vipers or better looking ones. And it's been, it might have been my young eyes as a kid not seeing another one like it, but I've seen a lot. I've, we've bred them a couple times. We don't have any in the collection, but I bred them at the alligator farm, or I didn't breed them. We, we housed them together on display, and one day there were babies, and it was like a year and a half old that the female gave birth, you know? Oh. And um, we just had them on display just to have um, more than one animal on there. We weren't thinking breeding. And one day there were babies in the enclosure. And that right then and there, I was like, this is why they attribute to so many bites is because if females are producing, it was only like four or five babies, but the next year it was nine. And then it was like 19, you know, but if they're producing at a year and a half old, they're, they're making a lot of those snakes. But when I opened that bag, I could see the fluorescent green through the pillowcase and it, in, in the cups and I was like because I didn't I didn't know what these snakes looked like I saw on the internet a picture of a white lip viper and it was like this green viper I'm like that's what they look like I got I got them for like $125 for the pair or something like yeah. I'm like are you kidding and I opened them up and they were the most amazing snakes I ever saw and um and Wait, I was you that money at 11 are you still 11 in this yeah but I was but I was also I was also, you know, selling and trading, you know, other, other snakes. So I was like, I was funding my, my reptile addiction, you know? We dealing. Yeah. We were dealing. He was a little living. Gary V. Yeah. He was a little hustler. Like Gary Vanderchuk? Yeah. I feel like you were him at 11. That's what Gary was doing at 11. He was hustling and doing all his little baseball cards. And oh, he stuff. was. Yeah, no, yeah, I was. I was listening to, I actually just listened to the whole patio book from Good to Great the other day. So uh, really, really, like, that's what I mostly listen to now. Like, as I was listening to all the podcasts for reptile stuff forever, and then I just got so sick of everybody saying the same stuff. And then, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I'm going to just, I'm going to listen to business podcasts and leadership things and, and grow the business from a business point of view not from a herpes point of view and uh, and all of that stuff but uh yeah no so i i got those snakes when i was well i was like 14 at the time okay so a couple years had passed at that point and i got them and i mean i those snakes were so amazing and i was hooked and and it was like more secrets secrets don't make friends uh he was whispering me to me uh, i can't even talk straight um he's whispering to me that he's getting more beer yeah this is where the podcast gets really good well yeah. i think I, we're already on for like two hours right everyone's even the part two like even after our our thing restarted we're past two hours it would have been it this is yeah I originally told everyone I have to end this at 1030 because I need to sleep before I go uh, enlighten the mind of tomorrow's future. Um, but I have a half a glass of wine. And so I extended the time to when I finish my glass of wine, this this has to, to end. But I'm slurring my words currently, so it's not even good right now. But Cody, Cody can Cody can. She looks like she's got a buzz, at least. At least I'm on, like. 
I don't know, beer four or five. And I'm from Las Vegas, so I have a pretty high tolerance. So I, I wish I could use that. I'm from New Orleans, but my tolerance is not that high. See, New Orleans is another one of those good ones where you really could be like, whenever I do bad behavior, I always blame it on I'm from Las Vegas. I and like that. for being from Las Vegas, I think overall I'm pretty good, you know? I get that. I get that. Whenever I, I tell stories of like my my growing up i'm like yeah Savages. but I'm, from, I'm like i'm from new orleans though like you know first time a friend got alcohol like went to the hospital and got alcohol poisoning that was eighth grade for us like most people that's you know junior year of high school but it was like eighth grade my friend got alcohol poisoning went you know went to the hospital so but i'm from new orleans so disgusting that's disgusting cajun you know, when, I, when i was when i was a little kid when my buddy matt pilkington like we were best friends and uh their, their parents had a cabin up in Mount Charleston, which is in Las Vegas, and like right outside their little snowboard resort, ski and snowboard resort that you like you wouldn't expect in Las Vegas, like 20 minutes away from where he lived. And um, they had like an awesome liquor cabinet, and the parents went to bed, and I don't remember how old we were, but like definitely nowhere near old enough to drink. And we we opened this liquor cabinet, and we're like, we think we're cool, right? We're like, oh uh, yeah, liquor. And you don't like so we're taking shots at everything that's in there everything like they're like like not good like there's a lot of stuff because we don't know and then we're chasing it with heineken's like the worst beer on earth definitely not a sponsor um, <laughs> yeah. but hey hey swamp, uh, swamp well we're drinking mad manatee yeah. from bullhead but we love Swamphead, uh, obviously and should i get a little yeah, oh yeah, plug for Mad Manatee. Not a sponsor, but if you want to sponsor, it's a Florida beer. It's a Florida beer, and if you're watching um, and you want to sponsor us, we're we're happy to be sponsored. But Swamphead, they're gonna watch this later because we're gonna go up there because we're gonna try to see if we can get a, you know some kegs from those guys down here. See, you're you're conflicting because this podcast is sponsored by Yingling, so that's awkward. Well, we be sponsored by all the beers. Any good beer companies. Feel free to sponsor. I'm not here. I don't care. We've been trying to get that. Care. We've been plugging beer for the past 104 episodes. I don't we care if it's some that. fuck in his basement. Oh he God. better sponsor Swamp our Yingling. Well, that's a big one. I can't say that. Yeah, I don't know. Yingling. Whatever it is. <laughs> I want a beer. My mom is from Pennsylvania, and uh, so Yingling, like, I, I've not been there, but I've seen the building driving by. Um, so, like, I, I, I'm also partial to Yingling, but uh, but I'm an IPA guy. Like, I like Yingling, they, they have a great lager, but maybe try IPA, you know? Oh, like, you're, like, total anti-IPA. We're stout, ambers, browns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could drink all of those, but I'm 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 a, like I like I navigate towards the IPAs, but I'm like as long as it's not a Budweiser or a Bud Light or a Bud Lime, hey. a Bud Margarita, yes. Yes. A Bud, like a, a what do they call them? The, the, Lime Marina. <laughs> oh yeah, like what? No thanks, you know. I'll take uh, all these. You know, I, like, and I, I let me give a shout out to Kevin Torregosa again, former curator at the Alligator Farm, collection, uh, uh, reptile collection manager at the Bronx Zoo. Uh, Kevin is the one who highlighted microbrews and um, got me drinking good beer, which eventually yeah. led to me being with Pia because I don't think I would have been able to get with her so if I didn't like her. And I was Kevin's. For it dating somebody was they had to drink good beer. Like yeah, did you have a list? Huh? Do you have a list? 
my list was drink good beer, don't drink uh, Bud Light and watch football. Those were those were my list. So so Cody like and, on our first date he had And be really, really, really ridiculously fish. good in bed. Yeah. No, he had <laughs> really, really ridiculously good looking. <laughs> and really, really ridiculously good looking. Um so on our first date he had good beer, which was one of the like qualifiers for me. And that was all Kevin. Like, thanks again for that one because um, I don't know where I'd be right now without this one because, uh, yeah, she definitely does a lot around here. We both do. We do a shit ton of work. It's hard. It's a hard life, but it's fun. Um, but yeah, so those white love vipers, man, they were awesome. And uh, and that led me to the path of keeping all this stuff. And I, and I had, like, I got my first Mambas when I was 16 after that. Uh, my first elapids were like 15, and, I, and it was a Mozambique spinning cobra and an Egyptian cobra. So those are good. And then um, I got an East African green mamba when I was 16, working at a movie theater in Las Vegas. So that was like, oh. I was, I remember I was texting on my like, my Nokia people, the person, you know, getting these animals. And I was like so stoked after that, a black mamba. And, and just the whole time I'm getting like, it, I, I'm not feeling like I'm doing anything wrong or illegal because I've been doing it since I was a kid. And it never felt like I was doing anything wrong, right? Like I was breaking a law, but I wasn't a criminal, you know? Like somebody said, oh, we're not gonna allow, allow keeping of exotic venomous because the people would be like, who the hell should be able to have a mamba next door that's not a zoo or something? I get it, right? Like I get, Politicians, they've got a job, although lots of it is corrupt. They've got it like their paycheck depends on making people happy. So if, like snakes are not regarded, you know, that's why we got to change people's minds and stuff. And it's hard to do and it's, and it's slow going. But, you know, if you're a politician and it's like somebody's got like, you know, our next door neighbors, they all know that we, we keep this stuff and they're all really cool about it. Might, might not be their thing, but they've got kids and stuff and like we're put together people. But like to think that you have some of the world's most clinically lethal venomous animals in your home. Now, mind you, legally, we we have to like whether you're a zoo or a private person here in Florida, they all have to follow the same requirements. And, um, you know, so we're, we're on the up and up. But still, it's unnerving to somebody that might not be a fan of snakes to think, hey, next door, this person's got, like, I mean, we probably have 30 mambas in the collection of every species, you know? And, and that's, in my opinion, the most dangerous captive venomous snake on the planet. Like, I've worked everything. All, I've worked all three species of taipans, brown snakes, uh, mambas, and consistently uh, mambas take, I mean, like, Taipans can be sporadic, brown snakes can be sporadic, but mambas are calculated. Like they're, you got, you have to enjoy working with those animals and you have to do the necessary things to keep them or that, you know, they're a lethal animal. Like the, like when we work them, we work them real smooth and easy. And when people see us do it, it makes it look like anybody can do it. And it, it literally boils down to just being like so super exposed to these animals and learning them on a real slow level to where you know. And it's like there's a lot of venomous keepers that won't keep mambas because of what, you know, what they're. And they're not like the, the stuff that the sensationalized media makes them out to be. They're not going to chase you down the hallway or, or whatever. But if, if prevented from escape or, 
or they're trying to be killed like in Africa or something, um, they may be one of the most capably killing venomous snakes to, to bite you in your face from, from being completely on the ground for a large mamba. Um, but there's ways to handle them to minimize stress on the animal and the keeper because we've got Western green mambas. When that door opens, it's game on. Like I'm on my A game when I'm working with those animals. If I'm in a bad mood, I'm not working them. You know, if there's anything in my mind where I'm just not feeling it, because you gotta be patient, you gotta be calm, you gotta be collected, and you gotta be watching them, and you have to have a huge understanding of what that snake is capable of. Because I have so many close calls handling these snakes, doing everything you're supposed to be doing. And we don't do trap boxing right now. We're gonna incorporate, we're, we're getting new enclosures to incorporate ship boxes from the outside and stuff. So when we do a public facility, we could have interns and keepers and stuff that may not like, like, what I know, I don't necessarily want to teach other people to do the same things that I'm doing. Because, because there, there are things that I know, like, if I'm doing something, I know I could be tagged. But because I'm watching the animal, and I understand what it's going to do, because I've, um, like, taken on that, like, um, experience or whatever. Like, like I built up to that and mm -hmm. and I'm and I know those animals like somebody that doesn't know that a mamba could go from 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 calm to over your shoulder the second it bumps into the wall or something and spooks itself like they like when you throw a live rat in there um, like they're very visual hunters they'll eat frozen thought and stuff but we breed rodents and so live is easy and the mambas they just nip it and they stand back and they wait for it to die. And it takes like 30 seconds because it's a mamba. And they'll be, we've got them in big enclosures. Like, well, we got them in all different size enclosures, but the adults that are in, in large enclosures, they could be on one side of it and you throw the rat on the other side and they're resting. And but when the rat lands, they're there, they bit it and they're back and the rat's flopping around. And I'll stand back like six feet, you know, five or six feet when I open the door. And because I like sometimes they'll stretch out, you know, in a feeding response and then they don't want to come out the rest of the way because they'll suck back in because they really, you know, to, to service their enclosure, you have to like get in there and and like we've got in perching and stuff and, and pull them out. And it could take a minute of patience and, um, and the whole time, you know, like those snakes can go from in that enclosure to in your face if you're like point blank. So you really need to start from, you know, no, no pun intended, from the ground up to 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 get into into this kind of stuff. Because I started keeping corn snakes and like all the other <laughs> basic, basic stuff, right? Like I like and I and, and I love corn snakes. I love all this stuff, but like. I learned all the techniques to keep stubborn feeders, a non-venomous alive before I got into venomous and then applied those techniques, but on a much safer level, doing different things to keep your fingers out of the snake's mouth, to keep them alive and you have native rattlesnakes and then move into exotics. Mind you, it was illegal, but moved into exotics and then started with like something like a white lead viper that gives you some exposure to exotics, but they're not that dangerous other than that they're venomous. Mm. And then like Mozambique spinning cobras and Egyptian cobras are elapids and teach you, like taught me basic elapid body mechanics on keeping them on the snake hook, but they don't hold a candle to the ability of a mamba. And I don't want to make a mamba sound bad, but they are 
they are amazing animals. And oh, they're they're a fucking predators. They are, yeah. They're, they are amazing, and they're so inquisitive. And when we walk in the rooms, like if they're hiding, they, they come up. They can recognize the person. Like that's that's the weird thing with mamas is they can recognize who is in the room versus who is not in the room. Like they have seen you before, they know that. Like it's really? they can recognize all that. Oh stuff. yeah, we've like when we go in there, like we've got our mom does never act like they're bothered with us. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the westerns are the worst in my opinion. Like at least the worst ones that we have as far as. That, like we raised their captive born animals we raised them from babies they're like seven feet long now and they're very flighty they're and bigger than seven feet. yeah they're, they're you know i try to under exaggerate because everybody's they're always eight. Like, they're probably <laughs> yeah like we've got like 10 foot western green mambas but they're they're not they're not small and they're difficult to handle and because they're flighty and they're nervous like and because they're so fast and that like they they can wrap their tail around your wrist real quick if you're tailing them and um and then you're attached so if the animal wants to come shooting back over you know in your face and they're on your wrist you're gonna have a bad time we wear the hex armor gloves um they like i don't want to like they're they're bite resistant right they're not bite proof but i've tested them time and time again it's like, it's like a condom yeah it's like 99 <laughs> you don't want to trust it like all the time but i have personal experience with these these gloves grabbing balls out of smaller dna yeah. venomous and stuff so it like eliminates the need to hook out a small snake if you need to if you need to change a water bowl but um uh, mambas and stuff they can bite them and um don't go through the gloves like not saying that like across the board so there's insurance things or people are like oh i got bit and i'm gonna sue you but when we're restraining them and stuff i've taken bites on the hands with mambas and and smaller vipers and stuff and uh, no problem bigger and bigger vipers but i'm not gonna sit here and wave my forearm in front of a big eastern diamondback or right. and let it rail me like but like when we're, we're trying to do like, if we want to open up the mouth, mambas are incredibly difficult to get into a snake tube. There's various ways that you can do it. You could put a, uh, like you could get a PVC cup link and, and tape a pillowcase around it and, and hook them into it. Um, you, if you want to bag them up, um, tubing, you know, but like you have to be patient because mambas, they've got such a big mouth. They gape their mouth, like a cotton mouth, like a black mamba will open its mouth to show the black interior of its mouth. And they've got a long head and their mouth is really long. So if they're gaping, it's hard to get that tube over their head. Well, I'm like, it's hard to get the tube over the, you know, sorry. Uh, but, uh, but no, seriously. And, and, and they're so flighty that the second the tube touches them, they, they start bouncing off of everything else. So with the glove, like we'll use tongs. Like we're not like, now let me just say, I'm not an advocate of tongs. People misuse tongs all the time and they don't know how to use them. But there are certain techniques with tongs where you don't hurt the animal if you're not an asshole and you know how to use tongs. Um, we'll, we'll restrain them and get a tube over their head. There's an there's a, a, a technique where you'll see people they'll use a, a pair of tongs and they'll they'll tail the mamba and they'll wait till the head when they start backing out and they'll close the tongs on their head but they're not like going for the kill they're not they're just putting enough pressure on there to restrain the mama to to to, to get them uh, behind the, the neck and you got to do it fast like the because because they start rolling so if you do it you got to grab them and and the way that you got to do it like they're different than a viper because they don't have like the, the swinging hinged fangs or whatever they got these little front fixed fangs and they've got a long head so you could 
now th and this is also for all those who are watching this isn't a, a lesson on how to do this this is just my own personal yeah. experience um you could uh let their lower jaw rest on like your index finger while your thumbs on the top of their head because their, their, their nose is out here for a larger mamba and i've never used that technique before until we moved to Arizona and my uh, buddy Christopher McHale, who spent tons of time in Africa and did like, like a mamba guy, um, they would catch them out in the wild and they'd have to grab them like that and put them in the pillowcase. And then yeah, you probably have seen the technique where they grab a mamba with the pillowcase and then flip it inside out and touch. Yes, we watched Snake City. <laughs> and we, we see it. We, we watched Snake City in South Africa and we see yeah. that. Yep, yep. So that's how they do it with the mambas. And because when we were about to bag up everything to move to Arizona, and we were trying to figure out, like, we had a large mamba collection, and we're like, what? Like, how we, like, we knew how to bag them and stuff, obviously, but what's the safest, most efficient way? The, the, the uh, PVC cup link idea was my buddy Matt Cruz's technique that I think, I think. I heard that after the fact, you know, so that wasn't on the table. And it was a real common sense thing like, oh, yeah, tie a pillowcase to a PVC coupling and you hook them in there and they think that they're the hide. So they go on the pillowcase, you put the hook on the pillowcase, tie it, you're good to go. We had the gloves already and we were like, oh, we could do this, that and the other. And our buddy Chris was like, like... It's like, how are you going to do all of this? Like, it was basically like, this is the technique. And he showed us how to do the, like, he did one. And then I did one next. And it was like the most nerve wracking thing I ever did. Because when I started keeping mambas, when I was basically, you know, a kid, 15, 16, um, I never grabbed them behind the head because there was never a reason to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah. I never... Yeah, I, I never did that. And um, when it came down to bagging them, and he and he was talking to us about this technique, I wanted to learn this technique because I had worked with these animals for so long. And you think about what if I'm in a scenario where I don't have certain, I don't have my gloves, I don't have tubes, I don't have, I need to know another way to, to do this. So he did it a couple times and instructed me through it and man, like I have some, I had some experience, like real experience with mambas over the years. Never that. And when you have one behind the head, and its lower jaws resting on your on your index finger, and your thumb is on it, and you're like, if this thing's fang scrapes my finger, it's a full, it's a full on bite. I could be dead in 30 minutes. Like it's a, it's a real issue and um so i'm holding this thing and most of the bites with captain mambas and and, and what what not happened through a, a bag like they people get bit yeah. once the snake is already in the bag and they bite through the bag so i get the snake behind the head on my, on my left hand and the uh the technique you put the, the pillowcase somebody puts a pillowcase or you put it on there if you're really talented and by yourself and you, you have a mamba in one hand and put a bag on your hand and then you do the switch, right? So you've got it in one hand and you got the bag in the other and you got to put that snake from here to there to where you're holding it with the pillowcase and you do that switch. And that's, my knees are shaking, you know? Like, oh, oh, my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So like, I, I've got the tongs and I'm good with tongs. I'm not going to hurt. I'm not going to break its neck. I'm going to let it go. So I got it. I start closing the tongs because you do it about like a third of the way down from the head. So they want to go backwards. So they go backwards. Then you slowly start, 
you know, putting more pressure to where way up. Mm -hmm. Yep. So once you got them here, then it's game on. Like you got to be able to feel it through the tongs that you got them. Because if they slip out when you go to put your hand there and they go through your hand, you can get raked by a fang. So it's a big deal. So you don't want to get bit. You don't want to hurt the snake because you're grabbing it behind the neck. So and, and they're not a fan of that. So they're going to flip around and they're going to try to, you know, they could kill themselves. So everything's on the line. You go like that. I got them. Go down there, grab them. Now I've got the snake in my hand and I'm like, all right, you know, my knees are shaking because the adrenaline, you know, and then you do the switch. And like my buddy, Christopher, like he's shown like with a cigarette lighter, he's shown me like the technique to roll the snake's body into the other thing and, and hold them like this. And he's like, the fangs are up here. So it's like, you would never hold a viper like that because they're just going to go bam. But the, 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 the Africans, the, you know, the, the people that work with the snakes out there all the time, that's a common technique. Theolicia Conan, um, out there, like there's a, a, a Netflix documentary with her and all the Black Mamba. She's on Facebook. She's like amazing with them, you know, and she's grabbing, you know, big Mambas like that and like just having a casual conversation with this big all Black that. Mamba head. You know, she, she's, a, she's an amazing person. Um, but like, so I'm doing this and, you know, because I've worked with them in a captive set in a captive setting where I've never really had to restrain them like that. But it was a technique I wanted to learn just in case I had to do it like that time. And so I, I roll them over in the pillowcase and I've got them. And then I flip the pillowcase over, pietize the bag. The fangs instantly go through the bag so you can see them. So you pull the bag back and the fangs are a lot longer than you think an elapid's fang should be. You're like, people say they're short fixed fangs and they are. But they don't they're really, long. They're long. Yeah. And I, I can uh, see death right now. I can see death. Yeah. And the, the bag gets the bag gets soaked with venom. What's that? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was yeah. trying to read the chat while keep talking, to Cody. Keep time. talking. Yeah. Yeah. So so the so the so the. Uh, the bag gets soaked with venom. The fangs are through the bag. And so the bag's tied, you know, and then Pia hands me the bag. So you're holding the bag. The fangs are in there. You still have the snake behind the head. And you're just hoping that when you release that, like, you have the sweat from your hand from, from you know, like, be like, oh, like holding a mama behind the head through a pillowcase, you know, when you go to release that, it doesn't stick to your hand and the thing slick, you know, slices you with the fang and get, gets venom in you. So it's like a one, two, three, kind of throw the bag, but still holding it and getting those things away from you. And, uh, and yeah, so that was like, we don't do that technique hardly. Unless we need to. Unless we need to. And we've only had to do it twice on moving animals like that in a large capacity. And now with the gloves, the hex armor gloves, you could do that same technique, but wearing the gloves, so adding an extra layer of safety to it. But like occasionally when you like, if, like I would do it, like I haven't done it since 2016 when we were at the Phoenix Herb Society. Um, but occasionally I wouldn't be opposed to doing that technique on a moving an animal just to retain the skill of being able to do it in the event that it has to be done. Going back to trap boxes and stuff, mambas heavily use them. If you put, if you use trap boxes with mambas, they will use them. You can shift them. Uh, you don't have to have contact with the animal. Um, do you lose dexterity with those gloves, by the way? Um, a little bit, but not as much as you would think. They're like, as far as gloves go, they're they're pretty good. They're better than they're better than something like the like welding gloves. Yeah, like yeah. 
yeah, they're they're pretty good. Um, Venom, like the the hex armor gloves are also like it's um, a, a certain type of hex armor glove that's uh, one reptile company has basically just uh, they're they're selling this glove and, and marketing it as the Venom Defender glove, um, which is made by Hex Armor and it's like a level five puncture resistant. They say puncture resistant because they can't say puncture proof, but it's like for working. Uh, you know, heavy machinery with like needle, like puncture resistant stuff, or if somebody's sorting through like needles, like used needles or something, you can grab them and they're puncture resistant or whatever. So a lot of tests have been done with venomous snakes biting them with, with saline gloves in there and then analyzing for venom and stuff. And um, we've had a lot of experience with these gloves and, and we personally stand by them, but there's a lot of people that are skeptical about the gloves because it, it is a different kind of a feeling to get used to like putting your hands on a venomous animal, but we don't um, solely use the gloves. We utilize a lot of different techniques. You know, sometimes I'll grab a water bowl out with a pair of forceps or, you know, if it's a, if it's a, a neonate, I might use the gloves or if we have to restrain a mamba and you can't get the tube over the head because they're gaping and uh, you, you want to use the tongs and do that kind of the, the, the pillowcase technique. And, and, and the reason why you tongue them with the gloves is because they're so capable of shooting right back in your face. You couldn't just reach down there and try to grab them because they would get you in the face. There's no question about it. I would never chance it. So tongs to some extent, but being gentle, not being abusive with them, just a quick restraint to grab them. Because there's a lot of times when we got to get in the mouth and check stuff out. And for somebody who's skilled that it like has gone through it multiple times it's it's a pretty safe way to do it but if you've never done it before and you don't have somebody that's like helping you along like i said i started drawing i learned slow along the way interacting with these animals slowly but like i wouldn't i wouldn't just jump into um you know like getting the gloves and think i could just reach down and grab them because like it's just more than that it's another tool in our belt um so we practice all these different handling techniques um, and uh, we're going to be getting, like I said, enclosures with shift boxes. So I don't have to necessarily handle every one of these animals every single time. I just want to change a water bowl, you know, like I don't want a life and death situation every single time I change a water bowl. So but I do like to know how our animals behave. Like if you come over, I could tell you how each Mamba's personality is because I work with them all the time. And there's a real comfort in knowing how your animals behave. Like I, I always expect the unexpected from Mambas. So whenever they do something I didn't expect, I already expected them to do that because they're Mambas, um, you know? So we, uh, we, we try to keep our skills polished in all the different arenas. So if we're not able to handle them a certain way, we have other techniques and we can share other techniques with other people. So like, there's a lot of things that work, but, um, I think I think what's interesting is that we had Jim Harrison on the podcast and Kristen Wiley on like a few weeks ago. And I asked Jim like, hey, what someone getting into venomous reptiles, like what do they do? And it's like unsure how you find exactly a mentor because obviously there's responsible keepers, there's not responsible keepers. So what's kind of your ideas behind finding mentors in the venomous snake community? It's you know that's a that's a challenging one because 
we're in that position right now where we can be mentors to somebody else. We have all the proper licensing to do that. And we're really selective on who we let work with our collection um, because not only for their safety, but for the safety of our animals. Um, somebody's inexperience can just as easily hurt the animal as, as the animal can hurt them because the animal might do something very basic for that animal's behavior. And because the person doesn't have the experience to expect it, like with the mambas, we expect all of it. So it's not unexpected, but to somebody that's never done it before, you know, we would never put them in the situation with the mama, you know, like, it, like you got to really, you got to look at them and watch them behind glass and watch them do other stuff and, and work with other people that have worked with them. Like there are people that have done it dry, like me that, that have worked their way into awesome, you know, awesome positions and doing great things, but they're the exception to the rule. Like if people have a fascination with them and want to get them and they haven't like, you got to have that right. You just got to, have the right personality to do it like right you know and there's a lot of other people that could do it but they just need a little bit of guidance first they shouldn't go into it dry so like a lot of the venomous people say like to start with you know to when you start with venomous animals the best venomous snake to start with is someone else's somebody that can you like you could come over and work with their stuff first and hear their experience and and, and all of that stuff um that's where we are right now we're like where the collection's at it's getting to the point where it's, it's getting difficult to manage because it's a lot of stuff and we're looking into interns um and when we get interns and employees um we're gonna make sure that uh their their mind is in the right place like if, if, if they come here and they say i want to work with venomous reptiles but can't tell you anything about venomous reptiles they're probably not doing it for the right reasons. Like when I was a little kid, I was learning as much as like, you know, I, I had the snakes of the world book and I sat there standing at, sounding out the scientific names of the animals and learning as much as I could. Like I knew more when I was a kid probably than I do now. Now it's all practical experience, but like book stuff, you know, like there, there are probably 12 year old kids that know more than me about this stuff because they don't have a job and they, uh, they, they can do it. They remember shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 easier to do it like that but like we want somebody like i said somebody that's humble open teachable um and wants to do it and is self-motivated i don't want to motivate somebody to do it i want somebody to come here and tell me like how enthralled they are with these things and already know a, a lot of the like it, like already done their research on those animals and they come here and they want a little extra and you could sense in their personality when you're talking to them that they're really into it you know because we, we meet people that are like oh yeah i want to get into venomous and I, i'd like to mentor with you and we're like, oh, yeah, what venomous species do you like? And they can't come up with one. It's like, well, then you probably don't want to do venomous. Because when I was a child, you know, I was was on. Was already keeping and breeding and selling and doing all this shit. <laughs> well, I actually wasn't. Oh, shit. I just I just knocked over my beer again. That's the second one. But I mean, look but at. You were I already. Mean, you were frown. way in. You were way into it at eleven. But I don't think that that's as unusual as you're making it out to seem. Is the fact that like there a lot of herpers, like like Dipmars, kept in a New York apartment. He was getting Bushmasters when he was like fucking that age too. It's yeah. like 
there's been crazy motherfuckers since the dawn of time. I mean, Cody's not the first one to well, be. Yeah, Cody wants that kid. one to be working with. He he wants that kid. And, and those and motherfuckers those who are they good definitely to be, exist. Yeah, and, and those people yeah. who are that serious. That's what he needs to put out into whatever world. No, you're I mean, like there, there's a, that kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a ton of people that have done it far before me. Like I always think back when you think about herpetoculture, that when you think you're unique. unique there was somebody a hundred years ago also keeping the same stuff, but we just didn't have like as, as cool a caging and stuff. That In a fucking wooden crate, yeah. You know, and, and a lot of the scientific literature still holds merit today. Like stuff has changed, but like, you know, like there's a lot of stuff on the internet, but there's nothing like picking up a raw book that has that information to learn in there. Um, you know, if anybody came to us, like when we're looking for somebody, they don't have to have a degree to work for us. They don't have to have as much venomous experience as, as I do to work for me. Be, you know, like I want somebody that's, that's stoked on this and wants to learn and wakes up every day motivated to do it. Um, and, and, and all that other stuff is it's on the job training. Like I, I learned all this stuff every day as I went and learn that, hey, like the snake doesn't like it when you do this, or you gotta approach them from this way. And I always tell people when I'm training them, like I could only give you like the fundamental principles of how to keep your fingers out of the snake's mouth. But a lot of these things you're gonna have to apply as the snake's on the hook and you feel comfortable manipulating. Like I'll tell people like, I do this with my fingers with like rotating a snake hook instead of like some people will just use too much wrist and be kind of fumbling or you could be add a little more finesse to it. But that all comes with experience and comfort. The more you do it, the more exposure you get, the more comfortable you're gonna get, the better you're gonna be with the animals because you, after you see a few examples of their behavior, you, it, it's not a surprise to you anymore. So when I open a cage for a mamba and it, it comes out halfway in the feeding response, I'm not surprised by that. I expect it. And that's why I stand back so far because I'm like, yeah, they could fire out and hit me in the face from probably much farther, but they don't <laughs> want to. Yeah. But I'm paying I'm paying attention to everything they're doing. But, um, you know, like, like I said earlier about the degrees and stuff, like when I was a little kid, people beat into my head that I would not be successful in herpetology unless I went to school and got a degree. And that's 100% bullshit. Um, Kevin Torregosa, he's working on his degree right now just because, just because he's doing it moving forward. But when he became curator of the alligator farm, uh, he didn't have a degree and he started when he was 18 and mm -hmm. was there for 10 years and learned from the best people on the face of the earth with these animals and would run circles around other people with uh, with book knowledge. And Jim Darlington, who trained Kevin, um, you know, like I like he he's incredible. One of the one of the best crocodilian people out there. Like especially with you know practical like hands-on work and capture and restraint stuff. I, I mean I I put Jim against anybody on this earth and and he's got a real level-headed understanding of the animals, and like all these guys are super humble. Both of them don't have degrees, and um and and I've learned so much from that. And one of the some of the most respectable herpetologists on the face of the earth. So like. I don't think sitting in, you know, spending four years of your life or however much it is and getting in debt to learn a couple basic biology things, 
feeds hands-on experience with the thirst to know more about that subject, you know? Um, like, like Eugene Bissett always says, like, there's no, there's no course for Ophidian, uh, you know, reproduction. We're writing, uh, Ophidian, uh, you know, reproductive physiology. We're writing the curriculum, you know, and, and that's important to note is like, you know, if you want to be a doctor, you want to be a surgeon, yeah, there's some things you need to go to school for, but you don't have to go to school for everything. And just because you don't doesn't mean you won't be successful if you want it. If you want it, you'll find I love knowledge, but I hate school. I hate <laughs> yeah. school. Like, like to think about going to college right now gives me anxiety. You know, like I just like the money and sitting through all the mundane BS that doesn't even apply. Because guess what, guys? Information, everybody out there in Internet land colleges are a freaking business they're a business and they're designed to make money so guess what the marketing is you won't be successful if you don't go to college which is fucking bullshit you know it's like and we leave all these trade schools electricians uh you know plumbers and stuff and people say oh if you be one of if you're one of those you know you didn't go to college and you're a you know you're a loser you're a but loser. It's like, yeah. yeah, guess what? When, you're, when your water heater goes out or your AC goes out, man, when those guys show up, they're like a superhero, right? You love those guys. <laughs> so, like, and, and, and guess what? Anybody in the zoo field, if they left to go be an electrician or a plumber, they'd probably be they make more. six figures. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they make a lot more. And, and, and it's a niche field to be in herpetology. Like, you go anywhere on earth, everybody wants a plumber, electrician, a carpenter, a mason. Like, you know, so like, stop telling people if you don't do that, you know, it's like, oh, I've got my liberal arts degree. Like, I can't find a job and I'm $200,000 in debt with a degree that I can't even use. Like, all right. I mean, man, I really got on the yeah. soapbox there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. But I agree. No, okay. Let's okay. Wait, 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 wait. Let me say, though. Let okay. me say, we are not telling any high schoolers that are listening on this podcast right now to change whatever their plan is but don't be a little bitch hey, and hey, go hey, out hey, and hey, get hey, what hey, you hey hey let me finish okay okay let's see where she would say on tv i mean we're on, on tv, TV. on a minute wait oh wow 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 let everyone me calm down let me finish we are not telling any do not open that beer. Stop it. It's 11 o'clock. Oh, both of you. Okay. We are not telling anyone who is under the age of 18 to disobey their parental figures or what their plan is in life. We are saying that college is not the only option, but college, don't you open your mouth. College is an option for some individuals. If you, as a as a teacher, I a hundred percent believe in college for teachers. Listen, if you are a <laughs> doctor, a done. lawyer, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not. Yeah, done. but I'm yeah, but done. I'm not. Yeah, but we grew Stop up. It. We grew up in different families. I grew up. We didn't have money for my parents to send me to college. <laughs> so about, why would I waste my time? Money. It's not about money. It is I'm, though. But I'm not talking about it from my upbringing. I'm talking about it from my post college experience. That teachers. Yeah who have gone to yes, college versus sense. teachers who have not gone to college, there is a difference. And I'm just saying right. from my personal experience- Doctors, lawyers, maybe teachers. Let me finish. 
teachers and there's i'm just saying there's some professions that college is good yes. for in that we as a podcast are not promoting no college for everyone i'm just saying that and covering our bases before someone tries to use us as their argument against their parent Okay. All I'm saying is don't get into a hundred thousand dollars yes, in debt just to get a job right. that makes you seventy-five right. grand a year. That doesn't make a, okay. any sense. Okay. Okay. Especially okay. if you're going to okay. go into a zoo field where you're gonna make twelve dollars as a zookeeper and you have a bachelor's degree that cost you fifty thousand dollars to get. How does that make any sense? How will you ever I, pay I that didn't back? Say that. It didn't say that. It didn't say that. So let me let, let me let me let me let me break this up and let me just say this: you you put out your uh, disclaimer, and as the guests, I'll say I, I like I'll agree with you on there, and I'll also add to this that um, in the words of Ken Coleman, so we want listen to the Entree Leadership podcast. Ken Coleman is the uh, um, the host of it, and amazing, and he uh, and they were talking in one of the episodes that um, you know people always say. Uh, follow your passion, follow passion and you do just great. And Ken Coleman likes to say, listen, I'm passionate about football or, or basketball, mm -hmm. but I'm a five foot, you know, you know, nine white guy that can't jump over a piece of paper. And, um, you know, I love watching basketball on, on, on TV and play and another beer. Yeah. And, and, and Wait, play. no, we are ending this soon. Don't get another beer. <laughs> Well, 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 the party's going to end out, you know, it's going to keep going out. out. <laughs> but, there you go. But, 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 um, but Ken Coleman would, would say, like, if he was trying to feed his family playing professional basketball, they would, they would go hungry because although he's passionate about basketball and loves the sport and enjoys, you know, in his words, sucking spectacularly on the weekends playing basketball with his friends, um, you know, he could not be a professional basketball player. There's no way around it. So if, you're a, if your skill doesn't line up with your ability, it doesn't matter how passionate you are. But if you bring your passion with you, no matter what you do, whether you're going to college, you're doing it your own, yourself, or whatever, if you bring your passion with you, you'll always do good. So, like, I've always strived to be doing what I'm doing with reptiles, whether it was in the zoo field or doing what I'm doing now. But when I had to work other jobs, like the movie theater, Timeshare, which Forrest got me into and, 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 and showed me everything about Timeshare, and everything I ever did, I always did it with excellence. Like, even if it was something that I knew I wasn't going to do forever, I got into it, and I did it, and I brought my passion for with me. You know, I was into snakes, but I was passionate about snakes while I'm trying to get passionate about this and whatnot. And um, if you if you bring your passion with you, you always do good. But don't follow your passion because sometimes your passion doesn't align up with your ability. But just whatever you do, do it with passion and excellence and take it with you. And you'll always do really good. Um, like I said, moving forward, like what? So like, let, let's close the chapter on the, the illegal stuff in Vegas really quick because we were talking about that. Um, so. Eventually it caught up with me. Two, two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. you know, I'll go, full <laughs> I'll go full circle because I worked for AZA, top of the line AZA facilities and done that. Like this is in 2006, 2007, you know, like this is a while ago, but it's out there. So like, I want to say it before people can say like, oh, this guy, you know, the Lacey Act stuff was, was misdemeanors, not felonies. I think a lot of the law enforcement people liked me because I was like real humble and I wasn't a dick when I got caught. Like half, when, like, so when I got, when, when I got busted, I wasn't even at home. These are all in my 
parents' house. I'm you were in Belize? <laughs> no. no, no, I was actually, I was at a strip club the night before. <laughs> it was my friend's birthday. And That's reasonable, out. yeah. And, uh, and I crashed at his house. And, you know, like going from like native rattlesnakes to all these crazy exotics. And... Like again, I, like I'm feeling, I'm not breaking the law, or I'm not doing, I'm not a criminal because I'm enjoying it. Doesn't it, like it's not like I'm killing people or you know shooting up heroin or something yeah. like that. You know, like I don't feel like I'm a, like I'm a reptile geek, you know, and like with something that most people just don't understand. I'm not putting really anybody at risk other than myself. Like all the caging that I had in Nevada was everything that would get approved here in Florida with some of the strictest regulations in the country to have these animals. I had labeled danger venomous reptile, common scientific names, all that stuff, snake bite protocol. I had I had my bases covered for doing the shit illegally. And there are so many people that are underground that are probably watching this right now doing it illegally because there's no make sense rule in their state. And they're into this stuff. They might have a good job. They could be lawyers. They could be doctors having a couple illegal venomous snakes or whatever because they're illegal in their area. But like they can't move to a state where it's legal to do it. And it's like, uh, you know, let's just say it's a, a native to the U.S. snake that Profab works for. But it's a snake that's not found in that state. Bro, my my favorite snake in the world is a copperhead, and we live in Pennsylvania where you can't keep a, a copperhead regardless of locality. So it could be Transpicos, it could be anywhere in the world. Yeah. My favorite snake in the world is a copperhead. I'm never going to own that because... The, oh, no, no, not because of Pennsylvania, well, I would but because of the person you live with. That's why you will never own a copperhead. Hey, are you guys coming down here for, for Carpet Fest? If we find a rich uncle... <laughs> Oh, so that means no. That. Patreon. Uh, I <laughs> put it out there in the world enough. Robert already says we have a place to stay. So we got that covered. That's true. That's not that expensive of a flight. Yes. Except he said, you're, he said y'all would vouch for him. That he's you're like, in yes. like Tom Petty, Florida, not like Miami easy accessible Florida. So I don't know where the closest airport is. But Gainesville, right? Where, Gainesville. Does Gainesville, Gainesville have a big you're airport? You're going to dry down. You're going to get... Ian has some snake cues you pick up. It'll be fine. Well, yeah. Well, and also, you guys are you could crash here and we'll pick you up from the airport. So like, we we could we could we like if you make it down here, like you guys live in Pennsylvania that that you could have a lot of you know like like maybe not copperheads, which you know like I like the only thing we can't have. Yeah. We can have everything else, yeah, which makes know, no like, sense. Like once but. you under like again once you understand a little bit about venomous reptiles and and shoot because there's a there's different degrees of different types of venomous reptiles like you don't want to get bit by any of them but as far as like there is stuff that if you have general snake keeping abilities you can keep them on a hook and keep them from biting you and like with all the cool caging we have available at our fingertips you can have these things without a danger to yourself or the public. And, um, you know, it's amazing to me a lot of people that are in states that could have venomous legally that don't, that are really into, into reptiles and they're like, oh, I will keep stuff. And I, and I think it's because like they think it's, it's a certain way and it's really not. Like if you have common sense and the right tools and a good head on your shoulders, it's really not rocket science. And, and the animals are freaking phenomenal. You have so much to choose from, from a copperhead to a taipan. Like, you, you know, like uh, it, it's amazing, but um, you know, so, so yeah, when I, I was at a strip club 
and we, we uh, and, 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 and we went back and we passed Good out. Transition. And, I got, and, and I got a voicemail from my stepdad. And imagine this, Cody, don't, <laughs> don't come home. U.S. Fish and Wildlife raided the house this morning. They're confiscating everything. They're looking for you. We need to get a lawyer. Don't come home. We're, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. I dropped to my knees and started crying. I like they're like I was like I could I worked my whole life doing this, and it was illegal. And I kept it quiet. No, like and and the w- way I got busted is somebody that that did a deal with somebody else and got animals that were actually poached and not captive born like. Bridge nose rattlesnakes, twin spot rattlesnakes, and Gila monsters in South Carolina. Somebody that did business with, and I got venomous reptiles with, and I was on their computer with emails. They got raided. He was an informant, did a plea agreement with them, and basically ratted me out um, as a part of it. From my understanding of it, like they don't tell you everything. I've got a phone book stack of paperwork on this whole thing. Like they were watching me for a like a while before they made their move. And um, I think they thought I was like this giant reptile. Yeah, you're no fucking, yeah, you're no fucking importer, exporter type of smuggler, dude. You're just a kid. Right. So, so, but on paper, because when I would do my ads and stuff on venomousreptiles.org and all of this stuff, um, I would post that I was from a different place, a legal place and whatever, and I was under a different name. Like I had my regular name on there, but I had a a different business name and said I was from a state where it was legal to do it. And then when I would talk, talk to people, when I contacted them on the phone, I was I was always brutally honest. I never tried to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. Like I would talk to him for a little bit and feel him out. And most people like this is before 9-11. This is before people really gave too much of a shit. And I, I would talk to him and they're like, oh, yeah, like it was never their first rodeo. Like they did it before. And they're like, oh, we'll send it to you, UPS or FedEx or whatever. And like I learned all these techniques that I probably shouldn't talk about right now. But I'm going to like when when I when you would ship rattlesnakes like through 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 those places and they would rattle right so how would you not if they were irritated so how would you know like how would you do that without people finding out well a, a friend of mine taught me a technique not a great one and i'm not i'm not condoning advocating that. yeah yeah i'm not advocating i'm not telling people to go do this like i've learned from my mistakes and i I'm like, I moved to a state where I could have them and I'm doing that. Like, I wouldn't break the law now. Like, it's not worth it to me. I was a kid then just trying to get whatever I could get, not understanding the full consequences of like how bad it could be to just keep a snake. And that's and that's why it's so important that U.S. ARC and all the is doing what they're doing, because because it's running it for responsible people that really have their heart in the right place like I did. And, and got convicted of, like, which went from felonies to misdemeanors because, um, again, I think the people liked me because I was like, like, they were they, they're looking, thinking, like, I'm going to be some, like, importer scumbag. And not all not that importers are scumbags because there's good ones out there and stuff. I want to you know, cover that, too. But, like, you know, and then they see this kid that, that that's, like, hadn't even turned 21 yet. And it's like had a real professional setup, and and the zoo, the LA Zoo, Ian Riccio, who's the curator there, uh, he was the one that one of the ones that, that came in from California to help identify all the venomous animals because fish, even though they were all labeled, to just verify it. Because when they do a raid, they don't know what they're gonna find. It could be a drug like operation on top of you know because that goes hand in hand, but with, with all that stuff. So 
they had to have somebody in there identifying animals. And Re Ian Riccio actually is a, is a friend of mine now that I met in the zoo field later on. And my friend Danielle and I, who was an employee of the alligator farm at the time, Ian Riccio came in to pick up some Temistema, um, uh, Schlegli, the, uh, the uh, false gharials to, to take back to LA Zoo. And I'm driving back, uh, you know, we're going to Kevin's house to play beer pong and have a good time with everybody. And then I and, I and I knew that there were zoo people at my place when I got raided. And I, it was maybe people from San Diego Zoo and LA Zoo. And Danielle was like, we already talked about it to kind of like hint to like see what they knew because I didn't know if it was them. And she's like, oh, have you ever been on any good raids or anything? He's like, there was this one kid in Las he was a kid in Vegas that had like all these Australian lapids and Vegas and, like, and all, uh, African lapids and all these crazy vipers and heliderma and all this stuff and it was a beautiful collection and um, you know it was crazy I hated taking the stuff from him because it was so well kept um, but he was just doing a job he wasn't you know it was nothing personal they asked for their experience to come in and he goes it's crazy I never heard what happened to the guy and I was like well I'm taking I'm driving back to Kevin's house we're gonna play some beer he goes no shit that was you and I go <laughs> It was crazy and it was nothing personal and i'm like dude i i, I broke a law you know whatever and it, it was just like it was crazy and because the stuff was well kept so at the end of it i paid a ten thousand dollar fine uh for the minimum for the lacey act misdemeanors not felonies did five years probation i wasn't able to keep a venomous reptile in my personal mm. collection for five years so that happened in like 2006 2007 i wasn't able to keep venomous until 2013 when we established our business got our house and got my permit for venomous in florida which like spurred the biggest venomous buying spree in the history of mankind <laughs> after five years because like, <laughs> I, like, we've, like i said we've got about 50 species um we've got the exact number on our on our on our sheets because we have to submit our inventory to fish and wildlife and everything and you know around 50 species uh in, in only a few years, and that's also going to another zoo and stuff, like, we, we were hardcore about it and finding stuff that, you know, not everybody's working with and not too many zoos. Like, a lot of AZA zoos are steering away from a lot of this real dangerous venomous stuff because of policies, procedures, renewing anti-venom, which costs money, and it's, you know, and all this other stuff. And it's like the general public, to them, they think, well, how much does the, the public really care about this highly lethal brown snake that hides most of the time that could kill everybody, you know, like on their best day, doing everything right. If the thing's not shifted, why are we keeping these animals? I get it. But in this heavily, like, um, like uh, policed world, you know, if the zoos are, are, are getting pushed out of having these things, if more laws start cracking down on keeping these venomous animals and zoos aren't keeping them because of if keeping up with anti-venom and all those costs and if private keepers that are qualified and capable of keeping and breeding them um, are getting weed out weeded out with legislation and then we're also having development and all of this other shit going on um, where the animals are dying in their natural habitats and nobody's able to legally breed them or keep them. Zoos don't want to do it because of the, 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 the PR nightmare if somebody gets bit or dies. Um, it's a big deal. So that's why we, we're kind of shift, like 
we always condone the private sector. We we highly look up to anybody breeding and keeping these animals because most of the world hates them. So like if anybody is doing good stuff for them, it's awesome. And uh, and we want to we want to keep the stuff that people aren't working with it as heavily. So moving forward, um, like with the zoo experience, Pia works in a zoo as a veterinary, in a very veterinary capacity, and I've worked in zoos and I'm doing this. I feel like moving forward, we want to build a beautiful collection of, you know, focusing a lot on venomous species that aren't commonly kept and doing real conservation efforts to really do something, not just say we're doing something. Like a lot mm -hmm. of zoos are saying, we're doing something, we're for conservation, but I've worked in the zoo field and a lot of the times when shit gets bred, guess what? It doesn't go back to the wild. It gets traded with another zoo, yeah. but they won't go they won't go to the private sector because a lot of like some zoos are really cool with that, depending on the director, the curator, and they'll surplus stuff to private individuals if they're qualified and legal and all that stuff. And then a lot of zoos just, just won't. And if so many people, like if we get like the more rule or the more laws, the less justice. And, you know, if we get weeded out to where you can't have all that stuff, um, those animals are done. You know, you like venomous snakes have a lot going against them, right? People don't like snakes to begin with. And then the people really don't like venomous species, the general public. And it's really hard to convince them why these things should live, you know, with you in harmony if they can kill you because people are stupid. And it's like, these snakes are so not dangerous if you don't pick them up or try to kill them. Like, yeah, bites happen. People stand on them in, in, in countries where they're not wearing shoes and not using a flashlight. Shit happens. But snakes aren't aggressive. They're, you know, they're not trying to fucking bite people and stuff like that. And if you step, if you stepped on me and I was a snake, I'd fucking bite you. It's not my fault that I have the, the ability, you know, like I normally eat mice, but my venom can make you bleed out your ass and your eyes until you <laughs> die a horrible, horrible death. You know, like a soft scale viper or a Russell's viper. It sucks. I've had a bite like you know uh like i got put in icu by a speckled rattlesnake not the same species i caught when i was 11 but uh forest was with me with this bite and we went uh we went out of her pen and caught a few speckled rattlesnakes and we were we were working them up and sexing them and i i cut knowing corners being too experienced and experience goes for you and against you like too much experience you get complacent and not enough experience you you, you you do things that you don't know that you're not supposed to do and that also puts you at risk uh, i took a bite on the pinky finger by a, a southwestern speckled rattlesnake it put me in icu for a week um it was it was some of the worst pain i've ever dealt with in my entire life did and, you end uh, up getting profab wait, or wait wait were you treated at all with any venom? You were saying, wait, wait, wait. What were you? Gonna were you say? treated at all saying, with any okay, venom? Ask your question. Don't don't listen to Melissa. Would were you treated at all with any any venom when you were bit by that speckled rattlesnake? Yes. So when when I got bit, I like it, it's a real it's a real stupid story. Like like all of these stories are, and I'm gonna tell it <laughs> just, just just you know because it was it was literally had nothing to do with skill and it had everything to do with being an idiot it being late and being complacent and being too confident in working so many different species. Should, should I, 
I gotta go too. I'll be right, hold on. No, no. This 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 needs to end, y'all. This needs to end. Like, <laughs> as great as this is, it is eleven thirty. I know. This I have to wake the up. Longest episode ever. Oh, it is. It it hundred percent is. And I think the only way we're gonna end it is if we end it while they're peeing. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, well, thank, thank you. you for You're going home. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for being on and being on this long and putting up with all of our technical difficulties. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Okay. To end it, if they want to reach out to you, how should they get in touch with you? Um, we're on Facebook, Trustful and Boreal. We have a website, trustfulandboreal.com. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you so much. We will have you she on. Did it well on. <laughs> we will have you on again in the future. So, so Cody will talk forever. I can't hear. That's not fair. No, you can't hear because we're ending this. Pia and I are ending this. So, thank you, Cody. Thank you, hey, Pia. Hey, Cody, what do you will, feel about? <laughs> we will reach out to you guys in the future. Good night. Good night, Wait, Pia. where's Cody? At least say no. goodbye. Like, oh my God. Okay. No, because Cody will keep talking even when I say goodbye. No, Cody, hey, really, we're, we're ending it. Oh, are we ending it? Really, really quick. Okay. Yes. Pro- really, really. Okay, so ProFab 35 vials, it really <laughs> sucked. Um, Dude, what the fuck? Stop! No! Oh, no! It, no. It, was, it, it was a bad bite. Um, It was like, like I it said, was a bad bite. It was a bad bite. It was it was a really laid back rattlesnake, and we, we left the probes in a friend, or we left the, the tubes to restrain the snake in a friend's car. And like, just because my experience with these, and like, either Mitch and I are, are bad or they're not. And this one was really cool. And I was like, oh, like Force is like, oh, um, let's probe them and see what we got or whatever. And I uh, I pulled the tail out of the bag. I'm sitting on a bean bag and I've got my finger, like I'm probing them and I'm paying attention to the tail. Snake's not twitching. It's not rattling. It's, you know, it's on the ground. It's being really calm. It's a boy. I mean, the, it swallowed the probe. It was like, you know, and I'm paying attention. My finger's sticking off to the side. And as I'm pulling out, uh, <laughs> that sounds true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but, but as, like, so I, like, I, I, I'm focusing on that. And, and as, as the probe's coming out, I see the snake's head coming out of the bag just a little bit. And it didn't rattle. It gave, gave no warning. Um, and it just grabbed onto my pinky finger and released. And I was like, I couldn't believe it because like at this point, like the, I had, the, so after I got busted and everything got raided, and, and all, everything was gone. That's when I met Forrest. And mm-hmm. when we were living together, I had no exotic venomous. So we'd go herping and do all this stuff. So at this, like, I was always following my safety protocols and stuff. But now that I didn't have a collection, it was like, it was like my rock bottom all time low, like a washed up celebrity. Like I just got all my snakes confiscated. I didn't care. Like I wasn't following <laughs> protocols like I would normally. Cody, Cody, Cody. <laughs> We got it in this. How much does 35 vials at CrowFab cost? $207,000. That's it, man. What a... okay. Okay. Y'all, and, Cody. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, and you know what You know what? also is pretty fun? Eat? Not funny, right? Like, but it was like, so when I, when I was discharged out of the hospital, the chick that was, was, was writing all this stuff, she said, what happened? I said, I got bit by a rattlesnake. And she goes, no, you didn't. And I was like, yeah. And like invited her out herping with Forrest and I, and we took her <laughs> friend out. 
we didn't find anything. But <laughs> we, 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 like we had a good time. And she goes, you know what? My mom is in charge of accounting. <laughs> they wrote it off. Like she's like, she, they could write it off. I literally got that $207,000 hospital bill written off because like I didn't have the money. They're like, if you could prove that you didn't have, like, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty easy to prove that I don't have the money. <laughs> then like, I'm like, you know, like, like here it is. And it, it disappeared. It was crazy, but I learned a lot from it. I was really stupid, you know, and that, like, I feel like that was my all time low thing. And that, like, I raised up, like if I had a montage, you need a montage, you know, like, like that was my montage. Got like left Las Vegas, moved to Florida, met the love of my life, and uh, and 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 conservation towards venomous reptiles and and everything in between. We're doing a lot of cool stuff, and and who knows where we're gonna go from there because it's it's always fun whatever we do. Um, but we want to open to the public um, because we think. It's important because, you know, like Terry Phillip, like, like who I got on a tangent earlier because I- You're going on a tangent now, Cody. No, no, I am. And that's, that's the whole point. People are loving this. It's full circle. Um, but uh, uh, I don't even know what else. This is the Cody I hate when people pressure me to like hurry it up because, you know, like, it's eleven thirty. I did not pressure you till this moment. <laughs> like we were all cool, and then Joe. This is their longest episode ever. Like we were all cool, and then Joe went to the bathroom and came back, and it was like, oh, we're leaving. I'm like, oh, like I can't take a piss without someone trying to stop the fucking show. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, like Ganelle, Pia's mom just texted in right My now. My mom loves the podcast. She's like, so, so you can't disappoint Pia's mom now. But, but no, like the reason why I say this stuff, um, I don't know why I mentioned Terry Phillips. I keep doing that. I keep getting in sidetracked, but I love Terry. And we've had a couple beers. So this is just kind of, why was I even like, really don't, don't come up. I got, why was I talking about this? <laughs> We need Terry know. on the podcast. You need to get him on the podcast. Man. No, yeah, Terry, Terry, Terry's oh, awesome. But I don't no, remember. I'm walking out. Um, I'm walking out. <laughs> what, you were talking about your venomous thing and everything else. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I just want to get it out on the table because, like, I we did on Morelia Python Radio, but we want to make sure people, you know, like, I'm not, I don't try to hide the fact. Um, and I'm not proud of it. I'm not ashamed of it. It is what it is. But like, I just want people to know the importance of all these reptile laws. And a lot of this stuff is stupid, uh, you know, with all the regulation on not keeping stuff because people are like, just like those politicians, that it makes it easier to appease the masses to, um, to prohibit venomous animals than make a sound system. What's awesome about Florida is like, we're literal friends with our um, wildlife officer where I don't feel scared to ask him a question about something because he legitimately wants to help us do the right thing. And, and, and we have somebody to be accountable to people that don't have any regulations anywhere. Like they just do whatever they are. So we got to be accountable to what we're doing and having somebody that's coming over that has a gun and a badge sure makes you be accountable. Not that I'm for like overregulation, but it's like, if people did what they were supposed, like, like Jim Harrison says, like, we need to, to regulate ourselves because if we don't, somebody else is going to do it for us and we don't want somebody else to do it for us. So, um, but thanks to USARC and, um, and Phil Goss, who's amazing. And like, 
and just sexy too. I mean, like I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I mean, have you ever seen Phil at an auction? Like when I was at the Arlington, he's tall, he's dark haired. I was I was at the Arlington show a couple years ago, and they they auctioned off some shoes with Phil Goss on them, and it, he was all embarrassed. It was so funny, but I love Phil, and uh, you know Ian Bessel said we had a guest like auction some. I hope Phil Goss shows up here because I like Phil's just a, a cool person, and he's doing really awesome at you at in us arc and uh and really important like you know as, as helping with all the fish and wildlife stuff here in florida and we need somebody that's keeping up with all this stuff because they will change these laws without you knowing and all of a sudden you're you know you're you're having a prohibited animal that yesterday was totally legal because they they like hr669 back in the day and then everything else that followed like they're always trying to slip it in there and they don't tell anybody because they're hoping nobody's going to fight it. And thanks to us arc for like reptile laws still aren't anywhere where they need to be. They're not make sense. Like Florida, we have all these. Florida is the best though, to be honest, that is the best that we have in the United States. They're, they're, we're, as far we, as are, permitting. we are certainly up there, but what's crazy is like with all the invasive species here, we're still allowed to keep them. And we're regulated and we, we have to uphold a certain level of, of caving and standards, whether you're a zoo or private person. And if you can if you can follow those requirements, you can keep those animals. And I think it's pretty fair if you if you can keep it like not everybody should be able to keep a crocodile or a venomous snake. And I know I started illegally and I kept all of these, these things privately and I may be the exception to the rule. And there's other people that are out also out there. I'm not. I'm not a, like, a, a, you know, like a, um, I, I don't know the word for it. Like, uh, like, like you're not a person who ends podcasts who this thing is going to go on forever it's going to go on forever okay but you're not a person that doesn't believe in guidelines as far as keeping rep- venomous reptiles you just believe that everyone should get a opportunity to work with the animals that they love and to have your significant other shake you ferociously <laughs> in your pocket. Like I definitely like I'm not telling people to go break laws and stuff, but like what happened in the past um, made me who I am today, led me into the zoo field and 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 led me to my wife and all these other things and like it sucked going through it just like not a virus but at the end it made me a smarter wiser person um i don't condone breaking laws but i think a lot of these laws could could use a little bit more thought instead of people being so biased about outlawing everything because they just don't want to deal with uh trying to make a make sense system and it's really important for more people to stand up and not just you know tuck their dicks between their legs and and, and just accept it um so uh, and that's a great way that's a great way to end this podcast that is a great that is a great no longest podcast ever yeah we can't wait to do a round two round two with um we need to like round two have, I, round I drink two, seven beers no, during this. Uh, round two needs to be at like noon on a Sunday. <laughs> so you and guys also seven hours. Re- really quick, I want to let everybody know that we are also drinking in a room full of pit vipers, <laughs> but we're not going to go do stupid things with them. I'm not gonna go yeah. handle them. We're 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 gonna leave this room right after this. We just set it up to have something. So we're going something cool in the background i don't know about that but like uh, <laughs> like 
yeah, I, I hope the glare is not too too bad. We wanted to put everything no. up, so no, it's not bad at all. Yeah. But yeah, like people, you can drink beer and not do stupid things if you're the right kind of person that doesn't do stupid things. But some people do stupid things and they ruin it for the rest <laughs> of us, and that's why we have venom. We have all these laws, and um, yes, but we are not stupid people. And we are going to end this podcast. This is Melissa trying to end the podcast. We are going to end it. You've never seen this before. I don't know. It is 1136. It is 1136. We've been here sitting. Half hour podcast. Oh, we've been sitting here since seven. Yeah. I'm pretty buzzed right now, but I'm still ready to go. <laughs> I know. I'm not like I know, sober, I know, but I, I can talk about reptiles Cody. for probably four more right. hours. We, if we put it out into the universe enough, we will make it to Southeast Carbon Fest and you guys can talk reptiles till the fucking sun comes up and I will yeah, not will. stop you. I, I will I will not stop you. Hundred percent. I will go my own little self to bed and you guys can talk forever. But right now, we need to go to bed. <laughs> we, Thanks, you're welcome. I don't care. Call me mom all you want. Uh huh. I gotta sleep. So, Cody, in the, Cody in the and like, is this still live? Cody and Pia, thank you again for coming on. This podcast blew out our wildest dreams. Like what we thought it would be. I mean, completely overtopped that. And I say I want to have you on again, but with strict parameters. Let's do it like in person. And let's get like me and just Cody and you and Pia can do whatever you want. But me and Cody will just get fucked up and talk reptiles for like 10 yeah, hours. It, maybe, we, maybe we could do just the Joe and Cody side of the podcast where it could yeah. be like five hours of just rambling. And because uh, like, it's clear that Joe wants to keep going. And like, but I get it. I get it. Like, you, it's, it's 11. I get I get it. And yeah. um, at 8 a.m. tomorrow, there will be 22 children under the age of six in my face asking yeah. for everything. So, like, I need, I, I need I my never sleep. Want that in my life. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, and most people oh. don't want it in their life. Yeah. And this is what I do every day. Just so, like venomous yeah. reptiles. But, uh... <laughs> Cody, no more words. Cody, no more words. No more words. No, no more, more words. Because you, you can't. Know, it's so funny. Like I, get put, like, I get put on all these podcasts and everybody yells at me for talking too much. And I'm like, and I don't get it. <laughs> I thought I was here to talk, and now I'm getting yelled yes, at for talking. You were here to talk, and we loved every single word that came oh, out of that my. beautiful Robert Irwin mouth. <laughs> we loved it, <laughs> but hey, I loved it. So luckily, you guys got the short version. Hey, let me, let me, I, I also want to do a quick apology. Uh, my my version, of quick. So I know that I've rambled on a lot of, and I, I've started stories and I didn't finish them. I've talked about Terry Phillip a couple times. And I what I was talking about. So Terry. If you're watching this, I love you, man. One day we're gonna get out there to see Reptile Gardens because we haven't done One it yet. Day. Yeah, and, well, we're actually gonna do it in May 2019 because our friend Raleigh's getting uh, married and Terry will be there, so we'll be forced to see Reptile Gardens, which I've been trying to do this whole time, but it's tough. And Peel, her family's in Colorado, and we tried to drive up to Reptile Gardens because it's like a five, six hour drive from there. But like a lot of it like it, it hasn't happened. So like like I don't remember what I was saying, but eventually we'll come full circle. Sorry for the rambling. I, I'm known for it. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed it. We can come on again. I'll ramble some more. 
I'll let these guys go to bed. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for watching and listening. If you made it to the end, Dude, you're a real trooper. I appreciate whoever the sick fuck is who made it to the fourth hour of this podcast, however long it is. <laughs> but you're the fucking shit, whoever that was. Yeah, the three. <laughs> The three people who left. You oh no, we still fuck. we have sixteen people watching right 16 now. Still sixteen. Hey, is Andreas still on? Uh, he hasn't commented in a while, okay. so I'm assuming. So he's I'm gonna not. end this with Andreas because I looked on Instagram because I butchered his Instagram name. It's Andreas Novalis underscore wildlife. So if you want to check out all of Andreas's pictures and everything he's doing, Andreas Novalis. Figure that one out because, like, auto correct will help you. I don't speak Spanish, man. Um, and uh, and go check him out because he's awesome, and so is Caesar Frog Doc. Check those guys out, and everybody else that we mentioned because they're they're all awesome. So, uh, you know, gotta give credit where credit is due. Done. I'm trying done. to think it's of done. all the people it's who we done. mentioned it's throughout it's this podcast. It's done. It's done. I don't know. I don't know. Thank you. If you are listening, you can find us at Port City Pythons on Facebook, Port City Pythons on Instagram, portcitypythons.com. If you want to email us, you can find us. Cody and Pia in Melrose, email. Florida, Southeast Carpet Fest. This is whatever. Oh my God. TNA. Fly Joe TNA. TNA. Oh my God. TNA. If you have money, don't fly his boat to Florida. Just fly Joe. So him and Cody can bro out, except only outside by Cody's rules. They can only bro out outside. We're going to bro down. Bro down. We can bro down inside. We can bro down inside, but you can only bro out outside. I'm continuing. I'm beating into this. I have to stop. Goodbye. Oh, Goodbye. I'm ending this. Good night. I can't wait until David Attenborough's in the podcast. It'll be just like this. <laughs> Good night. Goodbye. Good night. Adios. Hey, thank you. Are we Cheers. Yes. Goodbye.